Greetings from the Seventh Circle. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of Seventh Circle of Film. I'm your host Kieran, joined as always by my co-host Stefan. You doing good, man? Yeah, I'm good, mate. You? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Trucking along. And today, joined by two other horror podcasters, all the way from the US, Kentucky, recall correctly, uh, Jess and Trav. How you doing, guys? Hey, good. Hey, we're good. It's uh, frozen over over here, but... <laughs> so you're on a podcast, uh, I think based on the screen, Epitaph, isn't it? You want to just talk about it for a sec? Oh, yeah. Yeah, basically the premise is that uh, we argue about horror movies all the time anyway, so we've just essentially started recording those conversations. And yeah. We are both pretty big horror fans, but we have differing opinions on a lot of things. Yeah, um, yeah, we both kind of have our own um, subgenres that we're both into. Like, she's more into the really shitty, cheesy movies. Um, yeah. Probably, she likes it a little bit more grounded in reality, and I'm a little bit more okay with going more in the supernatural direction with certain movies. So uh, we have it's pretty different. It's a little bit of a divide between our interests there. Yeah, it's good stuff. So yeah, like, uh, I think five episodes released on last one was The Witch. It's really good stuff. I don't recommend shit. I don't enjoy. Oh, I've watched through well, thank you. four of them. All uh, really great. Go check them out. I'm going to get okay. into actual films, which you guys recommended. So fuck you for that. well we do like trash yeah so uh, we had this on a a special three-part dvd with uh all kinds of features and everything that's how we're how into this series we are yeah god help you i will say i enjoyed the first one which is about as good as everyone can ever anything can get yeah that, that one's actually generally good yeah, we hadn't watched it in a long time before we, uh, you know, we'd watched two and three more recently, and I forgot that the first one actually has, like, some actually good moments and production values in it. That's sort of selling a bit. It's just pretty decent for that kind of era. It's better than the Freddie Prince Jr. shit that came before it, your, um, you know, what you did last summer, and it's fucking miles oh better than the Google porn that came after. <laughs> We were actually talking last night that maybe we should have pitched the I Know What You Did Last Summer series. (laughs) Not a fucking chance. You're not not a fan? Awkward era of horror in that kind of um, midpoint between the self-aware stuff and the uh, balls to the walls, low budget. Fuck it, we'll see what we can get away with. It's like that post-Scream era. Yeah, it's an era that really innovated a lot of stuff. You've got Cube... Uh, that low-budget stuff that kind of kicked off, I reckon, the uh, gore porn side of stuff, which was a direct yeah. response to all the self-aware shit. And uh, you had a couple of things, the ghost stuff, starting to pick up 13 ghosts and the like. It's interesting. And Joyride, or Roadkill, as it's in the UK, ridiculous titling that. I don't think it really fits in with much. It's a bit more stalker-thriller. Jumping into cast and crew, uh, director John Dahl, uh, better known for some TV work, happens. Uh, he did films called The Last Seduction, uh, Red Rock West, and then he did an episode of Breaking Bad, a few of House of Cards, a couple of the big shows here and there. Seems to be doing pretty well for himself. Writing-wise, a couple bigger names. Uh, first 
Clay Tava, who did Shuggles Silicon Valley, who was on in 2015, 2019, won an award for it, otherwise usually a musician. And then you have J.J. Abrams, famous, infamous, depending on your perspective. I've heard, you know, destroyer of sci-fi. I even more regard him as a master of mediocrity. <laughs> uh, produced, directed. He has done some good stuff. He did Overlord, World War II zombie film, which was really good. Came out a few years back. Uh, Lost, obviously, which I'll still stand by. It's been pretty good. Star Trek Into Darkness, which is a bit abysmal. Uh, and then produced Cloverfield and a couple other things here yeah. and there. His name just pops up. He also did Star Wars too, didn't he? Oh shit, how the fuck did I forget that? Yeah, of course, he did the uh, episode 7, episode 9. I'm not going to say I liked them, but his directing certainly wasn't bad. I thought the first, like the first reboot, um, was it The Force Awakens or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that one was actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the others, not as much. It's uh, it's like fucking pre-ejaculation. It's one hell of a build-up to then nothing after. Just a little sob story <laughs> yeah. cleaning up. Uh, going into actors, so starting off with Paul Walker, who plays our main guy, Lewis, uh, who I regard acting-wise as not bad, certainly. Not particularly noteworthy either. He's um, as a leading guy, but solid 7 out of 10. He does the job, goes. He's better in this, to be fair. He's got quite a nice relationship with his brother and quite a bit of chemistry. I'm honestly kind of surprised that he had such a su- successful career because like, pretty much anything I've seen him in, he hasn't really stood out to me. Yeah. He was in Tammy and the T-Rex, but only on screen for like 10 minutes. Yeah. Obviously, he did Fast and the Furious all the way through those. He also did a Freddie Prinze Jr. film called She's All That. A uh, couple of the romance stuff. Uh, died 2015. Uh, that uh, Charlie Poof, seems Wiz Khalifa song. I'm still annoyed they didn't get ludicrous to do all that stuff. Uh, otherwise, there's... Oh, here's the one I'm going to butcher. Lily Sobeski, who's been in Eyes Wide Shut, Glass House, Deep Impact, a couple other things here and there. I've not seen it before. Blending as well. Most of the actors, I think, blended a bit. They're perfectly fine. Uh, exception to that, to be fair, Steve Zahn, who does a very good job through this, and not underrated, per se, but always gives a pretty solid job, mostly in comedy. If he's given the right role, he really can shine. Was, I think, the dad in Diary of a Wimpy Kid, which is a book series that was being tossed about a few years ago. I read those in high school. I never saw the movie, because that was way beyond my age range once those came out. <laughs> he actually, um, he lives in uh, the same city as us right here. It's a small little city, but yeah, he's kind of like a local ce- uh, celebrity around here. Fair enough. Yeah. That's a Kentucky for you. Do we have anything more Wolfram yeah. I've got the lead singer of Dexy's Midnight. That's about as much as we've got. Got uh, One Directioner. Yeah. I live next to where Ozzy Osbourne used to live. That's about as good as claim to fame as I've got. Oh, fuck off, Birmingham's not fair. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, he does a good job. Otherwise, uh, he's been in, to be honest, a lot of shit. Really awful comedies. Uh, National Security with Martin Lawrence years ago, which is terrible. 
daddy daycare with Eddie Murphy, which is terrible. It was an an episode of Friends. Which is terrible. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that Hurt is like my her feelings. favorite show. <laughs> and then, yeah, the really main star of the show, fairly undisputed, one brought in in post production does the voice, and then one who does the actual physicality. Uh, Matthew Kimbra, who does the physical side of Rusty Nail. Uh, he's been in quite a bit, actually. He's done really well for himself. He's in American Beauty, which is a great film. Catch Me If You Can, another really stunning one. Uh, he's a really fucking big guy. I don't know if it's kind of like a um, James L. Jones green co-crossman kind of thing with the Darth Vader stuff, if they had him voice all the lines before and then thought, oh my god, this sounds terrible, and got someone in or knew they were going to do it beforehand. But either way, uh, eventually got in Ted Levine, who uh, a bit of an unsung legend in horror, uh, who we've actually covered before. He was in the remake of The Hills Have Eyes, uh, absolutely amazing film. He played, um, was it Big Bill? Big Bob? Big Bob. Big Bob, yeah. Uh, also, obviously, Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs, which is... Absolutely... It was Buffalo Bill? Yeah. Holy shit. Really? I don't know if I just uh, Googled it. Just reading through the credits. I'm deep dive enough on IMDb. Absolutely yeah. flabbergasted. Completely different voices in all three as well. Completely different tones. Yeah. Yeah, I never would have guessed. No, me neither. Uh, so, film itself, a little bit of trivia. Three ending shot, two of which Rusty is killed outright in. Also cut were two romantic rendezvous uh, between Venna and Lewis and Fuller. Hopefully in two different cuts of the film. They didn't have Venna as a little school slot going between the two brothers. Think at the motel scene before um, Rusty now gets back into action. Starts following him again. Yeah, like Fuller goes to her room and um, she makes it pretty clear that she's not. Otherwise, uh, finding these films for us, it's not really a pain in the ass. It was just made a bit more awkward because they've been renamed. Uh, named Joyride in America. I don't know if it's a language thing. So Joyride in this country is pretty much a load of teenagers nicking a car riding it around and crashing it into something and running away. I have a feeling it might have a different sentiment in the American. Yeah, yeah Joyride over here is pretty much just like a road trip type thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there you go. Well, one time we did take my stepdad's car to Nashville. Not uh, 100%. I mean... Yeah. He knew we had the car for the weekend. We didn't necessarily tell him what our plans were. So it was our own kind of Joyride. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, people in this country, we avoid driving at all fucking costs. Horrible little motorways, fucking M6, miserable to go now. Don't have those long open highways. We uh, voluntarily go on buses and shit. I we go will. on the horrible train system. Yeah, I refuse to go on a bus. Uh, yeah, I'm not too bothered it was renamed, obviously, fairly to track down. More annoyed at whoever the hell made the third film, clearly the least creative fuck in the industry. Who think you're trying to think of a subtitle for the film? Oh, look, the first one was named Roadkill in the UK. Let's just nick that. <laughs> I'm more annoyed to be fair that they didn't go with the opportunity of calling it either Roadkill Joyride Free or Roadkill Roadkill. Roadkill Roadkill. <laughs> roadkill, yeah. roadkill. It's got a nice two. ring to it. <laughs> Could have went Roadkill 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 Roadkill. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, getting into the actual film itself. 
Like I said, it's a can-mouse thing. Uh, it starts off fairly generically, introducing our two leads. Uh, eventually, Steve's and introduced later. Start off with uh, Paul Walker's Lewis, uh, who, as I said, he's generic as all hell. He does a perfectly serviceable job throughout the whole of it. He's pretty much overshadowed completely by Steve Zahn's performance. And slightly Venner, actually, and certainly um, Ted Levine. It starts off introducing us to him as he's in a university room. Uh, his mate is doing finals following night. It's about 3am. Uh, pricks on a phone to his girlfriend. Well, not girlfriend, what sort of girlfriend? He's across the country, Venna. Which is... Colorado, did they say? Yeah, he's in California. She's in Colorado, and they're going, like... Where was it that they're from? Uh, shit, I can't like, remember. Like, way on the East Coast. Like, yeah. basically, he's trying to drive across the whole country. Well, he was going to fly across the whole country, and then Lily Sobieski's character is just like, Oh, I was dumped. Oh, I'm sad. Oh, I wish you had a car. <laughs> yeah, went dropping them hints. Yeah, it finds out his ticket is uh, refundable, and as the pen is mightier than the sword, the penis is mightier than the mind. He <laughs> sells off his plane ticket to go buy a car. Uh, I don't know how easy that is in the States. It would be a fucking piss take here. I know in Top Gear US Special, they do find cars for less than a grand. Yeah, they're pretty shitty cars, so I don't think they would have survived the trip that he was doing with this thing. Yeah, that was the biggest problem I had, yeah. was like right off the bat, this car is not going to make it across the country. And if it does, it's not going to make it all the way back for the next semester of yeah. classes. In his defense, they stopped at about four different mechanics on the way. Which, those mechanics are probably the most impressive mechanics I've ever seen. Like... That car gets fucked up, and they pretty much restore it back to its original, like, model. It probably actually helps in some way in uh, explaining how the hell a uh, giant truck with a huge load on the back can keep up with a tiny little car, which is my yeah. biggest mechanical problem in the definitely the second film, and the third film takes it to a ridiculous degree. This truck, it's, whoever fucking engineered these trucks, same mechanics clearly have fixed his car. Uh, yeah, plan for... I, I'm just assuming he's got nothing in his rig, because there's no way he's getting that speed if he's got a full load with him, you know? Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's off trucks and shit. It's not an easy job. You've got waiting times and shit. You've got a break very specifically. I don't know if it's the same over there, but over here, you have got, like, a timer constantly being uh, located. So they know when you stop. They know how long you stop for. They know why you stop. Yeah. All this sort of shit. You are tracked. Yeah, so you don't fall yeah, asleep, kill people. Yeah, you're on a crazy schedule, but then there's also laws about how long you can legally drive for. So it's this whole crazy balancing act of, you know, making sure that you're following the legal guidelines of how long you can be on the road, but also making your schedule on time. And either the guy gets really lucky and his route happens to be going through exactly where uh, our leads go, or he has just dropped everything and fucking going hog wild i think he just drops everything i don't even know if he's even like an actual driver as a career <laughs> like i think he's just like a serial killer that maybe like takes like stills from the people he kills that's yeah, how he gets by first victim was a trucker and then he's like you know what yeah yeah because <laughs> yeah. there's no way that he can like multitask 
like actually making these deliveries and throughout all of these movies he's able to just like fuck with these people and be all over the place at all times and be able to make his deliveries and make a living yeah he is seriously fucking competent and prolific as hell he jumps about here yeah. there and everywhere and yeah, Lewis buys a, I think it was a 1971 car I can't remember the mate but it, it did look like shit it looked borderline the car they have in the in between us it's a slight step up from that <laughs> It is just terrible. Elon gets it out. Four-seater, or five-seater, which something, I suppose. It's something minor that I always tend to pick out that literally, probably I shouldn't be the one nitpicking. But with the... Like, I bought a ticket to go to Texas last year, and it cost almost a grand and a half. What, plane ticket alone? Yeah, on the plane ticket alone. That was... Yeah, it was expensive as shit. But... For me, couldn't he have just bought a ticket to go, okay, I'll go to where she is, so I, I can't remember, I wasn't listening all that much. Colorado. Yeah, there you go. From, uh, it was like California. Yeah, uh, get a ticket from California to Colorado and then buy a cheap car there and then just like, yeah, I had this for a while, let's go. Would it not have been cheaper have, yeah. or easier? Well, I think, I think he used the refund... Basically, like if she didn't have that refund, I don't think he would have been able to afford it. I feel like, you know, his parents probably bought him the plane ticket, right? Like, yeah, most likely. So really, he refunded and took their money and bought a car that is most likely not going to survive the trip back, which is especially shitty if it was a round trip ticket for you know the new semester. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think once I think once Vena was like. I just wish I could spend time on the open road. That was all he could think of. Yeah. The thought of flying out there first <laughs> was not even a consideration. It's a wonder if his parents don't ask him about that. Gave you a plane ticket. Why have you got a car now? Uh, wanted to see the sight at a turn. To be fair, I think if it, Plus, if it was my son, he just said, I want to get laid, I'd, I'd leave it there. I mean, to be fair, I do think he calls his mom and says, hey, my timeline's adjusted. I got a car. I mean, he does say, and the, the mom is just like, cool, your brother was arrested again. I've got bigger things on my mind. Do your road trip. That's actually true. I forgot that he even, like, gave his mom, like, calls on that yeah. initial trip. On a payphone. Yeah. yeah. He waits until he's on the road with the car to tell his mom, by the way, I'm going to be, like, a week later than I should be because I'm not taking a plane. I'm driving across the country. Yeah. Imagine if he did that while she was at the airport. Complete dickhead move. Yeah. <laughs> I think he does say that he's going to pick up Vena though as well, doesn't he? I think he was like, yeah, I've, I'm going to pick up Vena and we're driving our way down to you. And then that's when she brings up um, that, I, that his brother's in the... Yeah, Four. That his brother's in jail again. Uh, I think it was George, was it? Salt Lake? Atlanta? No, Salt Lake. No, no, Salt Lake. Salt Lake City. Oh, Salt Lake City. Oh, is that Idaho? Seattle. Utah. Yeah, no. God, okay. No, Seattle's a city. Shit. No, leave it. Leave it. <laughs> no, Salt Lake City is in Utah, so he's kind of making like a driving through a couple different states, and he says he's going to. Um, when he picks Fuller up, Fuller says, Oh, Denver's good. I don't know how close Denver is to Boulder, but they're both in Colorado. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'll actually get a bus and, or something. 
Uh, I remember him saying specifically something about 200 miles going out of his way, which, I, would I do that for my brother? Yeah. Guess what else to do it. I see it's That's... pretty much... His brother seems like a piece of shit, yeah, too. Yeah, it, it's implied pretty heavily that his brother's been in and out of jail around the country. Yeah. Doing all sorts of shit. And they... It's not a bad way to establish that he's a bit more of you know, a skullduggery expert. He knows his shit. Because through the film, you then uh, it, it helps a little bit. Like, he brings some truckers and stuff off. Reverend Alsey's he's clearly a bit adept at sneaking around parks in a handicapped space like a prick. Yeah, you you get a real good good sense of that dynamic between. Like, we don't need that conversation that they have. Like, oh well, I haven't seen you in years. I yeah. mean, obviously, because the way the mom's like, he's in jail again. Like, she's just kind of stressed but over it you know obviously they're not super close and they don't look like they're super close in age either and they're lewis is way more uptight than fuller is yeah they don't even really brush like or establish the age difference between the two he looks a lot older than him though he does that could just be the actor i was i mean it could also just be because uh you know he, he lived a he lived a lot of life a lot sooner than That's Lewis. Too, yeah. yeah, he's been in and out, dropped the side a few times. That that puts you up there in years fairly quickly. I don't think they ever say what he actually did. Drunk and disorderly, I remember something being mentioned about, I think, the specific occasion. But otherwise, he could have killed the guy. He could have stolen Halloween candy. Fucking anything. It seems like he, he mentioned that he had uh, stolen a vehicle before when he does the whole hot wiring thing, so that could have been one of them. Oh, God, yeah, he does do that as well. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like he's got a fairly well-rounded resume. Yeah. Of course, you know, this tendency is also kind of what got them into it in the first place, because uh, it was his idea to get the CB uh, installed into Lewis's car, and then his idea to use it to... Uh, Fuck with the truckers. <laughs> yeah pretty much died here cb radio i've not heard anything about him in years not since that fucking convoy song from the u.s oh yeah <laughs> god that song now it's gonna be second um, yeah uh pick up fuller in salt lake city yeah utah and after that uh he pretty much tags along lewis looks a bit annoyed about the whole thing but, I mean, you're just driven 100 miles out of your way. Can you not fucking tag along for a little bit? Just go to Colorado, you cheap git. It, it seems almost like he picked his brother up purely out of obligation rather than, you know, him acting like he actually wants to see him. Like, he's like, oh, I'm close enough that I could go let him out, but, you know, don't come along and be a cockbock. Yeah, I feel like 200 miles. Which, to be fair, that he knows his brother pretty well because... Fuller does immediately try and get in on that as soon as Lewis passes out later. I don't know if he was drunk, though. He seemed pretty oblivious to um, Fuller just, like, straight up, like, pinning her up against the door and, like, basically getting right up on her lips. He's like, hey, guys, what's up? <laughs> I think 200 miles, that goes beyond obligation. If I go 200 miles out of my way to go somewhere, you can tag along with me in the car. To be fair, for us in the UK, 200 miles is, like, the length of the UK, whereas in America it's like, oh, it's the next state. What, 200 miles going from yeah. London to what, Blackpool? Oh, we we drive more than 200 miles just to visit our families within the same state. Yeah. I wouldn't drive fucking 15. 
to be fair, getting out of my house and walking across the street to see my nan's a bit of an ordeal. That's just because I'm a lazy cunt. See, I used to walk 10 miles just to get to work every day, so... That's you just being an idiot who can't be bothered to find another job. That's just transcending laziness <laughs> and adding work to it. It's making laziness a career. It's almost impressive. Beyond the actual brothers, uh, who possibly script-wise aren't great together or work out, uh, chemistry-wise between the actors is very good. Yeah, I, I liked their backs, back and forths. Uh, Paul Walker playing slightly more reserved, slightly more stoic for a lot of this. He doesn't have, want to do any shit with uh, Fuller. More or less kind of dragged into the whole uh, CB situation. Fuller kicks him into, kicking and screaming. Uh, yeah, Fuller, cheeky little bastard, and does get a rise a little constantly. It's just very well done. They work well together. If I've just recently bought a car, fair enough, I've sold a plane ticket that my family had brought. That's already a dick move anyway. But if I'd bought a car and was like, all right, we're going to take it to a mechanic cause just, just to make sure it gets wherever I need it to go. And someone was like, yeah, we're just going to put this thing in. We're going to drill a hole in your boot and put a CB radio in. I'd be like, no, you can fuck off. You can take that shit back out. I understand, like, for the reason of the film, and they make good use of it later in the later in the film. Well, literally the next scene. If someone had done that to my personal vehicle, I'd be like, mm, you can fucking walk back. Well, and almost the way that um, Fuller says, oh, it was only $40, he makes it sound like... He convinced the mechanic to put it in there, but throw it onto Lewis's bill. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, but yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, I got this for you as an apology. It's only $40, don't worry. Does he pay for all this stuff? Or is it his brother picking up on every bill? I think his brother picks up the bill, because if he's just come out of da- jail, he probably doesn't have much anyway. The only way I could think about any of this working out is credit cards, because I don't think, between the two of them, they don't have any actual money. But then again, well, he, yeah, he, we see him use, like, a card later, whenever that uh, ice trucker, like, tracks yeah. him down. Yeah, when he leaves. Yeah, he just, Lewis just seems pretty irresponsible with his money, honestly, because he just leaves the card at the gas station, you know, they're spending all this money at hotel bars, like, yeah. five different mechanic trips, like... <laughs> Like, throw it on the visa. 18 year old student, you're gonna go fucking hog world with money? I fucking spent 120 quid out on one night getting shit faced around town when I got my student loan come through and all that stuff. You are an irresponsible little jackass and you're allowed to be. Oh, yeah. You can fuck up for three years and you've got just a little bit of. And he's a, he's a white boy with a shitload of rich parents. What's gonna happen to him, really? Yeah, most likely it is his parents picking up the bill. If it's like a credit card situation, he's probably not even worrying about it. Yeah, it, it, Fuller, he, he gets a, he says about £40, $40 um, amount for the CB radio and about discount. I got more the idea that there was no discount possibly increased in price because he thinks he's a lot more charismatic than he really is. Yeah, he's one of those guys that's always cracking jokes, but you're just like, okay, calm yeah. down. We, we get it. Your one personality trait is that you're really loud. Yeah, outside of the rusty nail, he definitely got the better side of it. And he does work it a lot better as well. I liked him a lot more during the uh, slightly more dramatic scenes. There's one bit where he's first confronting rusty nail before he's realised 
that he's being followed, which is really great. The back and forth about the volume knob and everything. He pulls that off perfectly. Basically, whenever he's panicked or he's not doing anything particularly funny. I, I, I liked him at that first motel that they were at when he runs into the big dude, Ellinghouse. Yeah. That for some reason got a name in the subtitles before he was ever actually named. You know, he's just kind of cutting in and trying to... I, honestly, though, like, I couldn't tell if he was trying to save the poor motel clerk from this dude being just a massive jerk to him, or if he's trying to be... If he's trying to fuck with the guy. I thought that he was... Um, I, I initially thought that he was trying to help the clerk out, but it just seemed like he like wanted to fuck over the dude because he was being an asshole. Yeah, I just... I love... You can disturb me all you want. I love towels. Like, I... <laughs> I just don't know. I, that big guy, first of all, I didn't fully understand what his deal was, because if he was expecting that kind of service, why is he staying at a little roadside motel? Yeah. Like, he was expecting a lot more than what his money was worth, and then he just... Fuller just freaks out at this guy, like, body-checking him and being, like, grumpy with him, and it's just like, dude, get over it. Especially if you're going to be sleeping in the room next to him, like, do you... Does this have to be an all-night thing with you? It seems like Fuller would be a very exhausting person to road trip with you know what actually i take it back yeah i think i think that i wouldn't want fuller <laughs> riding along with me because it seems it seems really exhausting already you you just know that even if they didn't have the cb radio he would still be fucking with this guy the whole night and lewis wouldn't be able to get any sleep fucking with which guy let you know no no ellinghouse the guy in the room next to them i the oh, like that he was fucking with him because that guy was an asshole and he deserved every bit of it except for the part where his jaw got ripped off <laughs> that was like the prank, if it would have been left at that, I don't know. I think it would have been fine. Because that guy, Karma, kind of would have hit him pretty hard because he was being a racist piece of shit to the court. Prank a trucker. I think in the real world, you're still 50-50 on whether you're going to get crowbars to the face. And he's a prick. Doesn't really... Do- Actually, eh. Uh, no, he probably did. He needed a good beating. Oh, yeah, for sure. Just, like, fucking with Rusty now and then sending him there. Yeah, it was like a two birds, one stone situation. Yeah, although Rusty Nell didn't really antagonize them any. He was just a guy out there looking for love. I don't I don't think it was love he was looking for. <laughs> he was looking for love. Full of small bark and bite, to be fair. Throughout the whole of the film, you see that he, uh, with the um, bar scene far later in, with the rednecks all standing around uh, chatting up Venna, he doesn't go for any physicality, doesn't intimidate anyone. It's very much, it, I don't know if the strategy would work, but it's probably the best one he had of just completely confusing them and grabbing Vendor and walking out. A bit intimidated by the big guy, and he was a big guy in the uh, actual motel. Uh, Ford gets that anyway, uh, the actual drive over as they've installed the CB, they mess about with it, uh, use all the trucker lingo, the jargon, the uh, Roger one niner. I feel like he was making up half of it. Yeah. Yeah, he was just winging it. I like the names that he came up with, though. Black Sheep and Candy Cane. Or what was it? Mama's Mama's Boy. Boy. Yeah, Mama's Boy was good. (laughs) You could see, uh, I did like Paul Walker really nicely uh, had that kind of brotherly, oh, not this shit again. Not particularly serious, just not quite fed up with this shit. All right, well, I already did bust him out, and I already did agree to drive him to Colorado, so I guess I can deal with his little nonsense for now. I don't know why they were worried about police 
you know, I don't know why they were worried about the police anyway and trying to drive faster than the speed limit because I don't think his car could go faster than the speed limit. Yeah. His car gets like, outrun by a truck. Yeah. There, there's... It, the whole thing was kind of... The whole thing was just Fuller indulging himself, really. That's that's most of this movie. It's Fuller just indulging himself. Which I can live with. It's, like, it's pretty believable. The entire thing is just a douchebag, but he's a believable, organic douchebag. The whole is rather than in the second film where they are just completely unlikable, intolerable. Yeah. The either two male leads in that I couldn't fucking stand. Awful. Oh yeah. There, there was not a redeeming character about either of them. Yeah, honestly, for me, I think Fuller was. Well, I'm gonna say it, he was a dick. I, I hated every scene in this film where he was in it. I think it is literally just me because I've had to deal with a load of people like that. And I just have no patience for them. I think when he tries to sleep with his brother's girlfriend, that's where it kind of goes beyond. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. You little scamp. Like, let's ask yeah. a question while you're asleep. And when you don't answer, I'll take that as a yes. That's a dick move. Yeah. That whole thing was a little bit ridiculous. But... Like I said, I think there's a couple there's a couple moments in there where he does seem to like he is at least enjoyable to watch on the screen. Yeah, I think so too. So they go through the CB radio, uh, a few of the channels, messing about with the odd average trucker, until eventually they come across Rusty Nail, who appears on the CB radio at least when he's talking generally to be in his element a bit. He can keep up some pretense of normality. When, uh, obviously, voiced by Ted Levine, beautifully by Ted Levine. I think it needs to mention the voice in this one, especially when you compare it to the other two films. Uh, it's not generic at all. It's distinct as hell. And it's not just that kind of deep voice, big, bad, evil guy. It's not kind of Vincent Pricey either. It's, I don't know, accented in a certain way that makes it sound like yeah, it was an it was an indistinct enough accent too, I think, to make it believable that he's a trucker. You can't exactly pinpoint where he's from necessarily. So I thought that was kind of a good touch because it, it is a little bit disorienting knowing that they're traveling through multiple states throughout this and then you know, you've got this guy and you can't I I mean, I couldn't quite place where he might be from. No. I just like that he had a catchphrase. Uh, it was something like, there's a storm coming, it means everyone's going to be inside or something. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's the right. rain thing. It washes everything. That's like... the one. Yeah. <laughs> it was mentioned, I think, once in the first film. It's at the beginning of the second one, too. It's in the yeah, third it's one, in too. All of them. In the first film, I think it was more just being used to distinguish that this guy is a bit weird. Uh, and then they continue that when they talk to him one-on-one -on -one later on. And his sentences are a bit shorter. He is clearly a strange person. And that's all that saying's really for. In the second film and the third film, they go through some religious angle and more about the rain cleansing away and absolute weird shit about staying inside from it all. And I think it's been a long time coming too because he just like... this is the, the whole movie is just a movie of overreactions to things. Like, he, he was just so butthurt that they lied about being a woman. Yeah. I think even if they hadn't sent him to the hotel room, 
I, I think he still would have tried to follow them down, follow them around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because I think he wouldn't have let go wanting to talk to Candy Cane or meet Candy Cane. Yeah, because that... he's still searching for Candy Cane later on. Yeah. Um, it's, he's kind of, he's got like a supernatural ability of being able to track these people down because like there's a lot of distance between him and these people and uh, the way that he's able to just know exactly where they are and catch up to him no matter what is, yeah, it's like magic. He's got that horror movie villain omnipotence. Yeah. Yeah, they try to explain that in the second and the third film with various tech and, uh, I think in the second film they say something about calling other truckers, which is crap. In this one, yeah. I think they very smartly leave it to interpretation. The interpretation is that Rusty is a fucking genius and can track a needle in a haystack. Or, I mean, to be fair, even worse than that, can track a car across state lines for miles and miles. Most impressively, he's able to track their CB radio and get it back in their trunk. Like, on the side of the road, he's able to identify that that's theirs. <laughs> and he spray paints the signs. He just happens to know that they're going to go that direction yeah. and look at the signs. When he kidnapped that's Charlotte. <laughs> and yeah, like, yeah, that too. Like, how did he even know about that detour? Like, he's in a truck. Like, he's able to sneak around and, like, be hidden from these people with this big-ass vehicle that is just wow, no matter how it goes. To be fair, though, like, on highways, trucks are kind of a dime a dozen. So it's kind of that, you know, hidden in plain sight thing. And I think that makes enough sense, at least in this movie. In the second movie, where they're taking that detour and they're off on a side road and everything and then they're breaking into his house and it just it, it's a little less of that that you know kind of believable you're always around truckers type thing because they he maneuvers them into those situations like going to that party and everything where they're around a bunch of other truckers right, yeah. whereas in this one i mean i don't think about how many trucks i see on the road no. as long as they're not pulling up right beside me yeah so i don't know if i would necessarily notice that there's a black peterbilt following me around i'd just think wow same route <laughs> i'm just more impressed with his ability to track them down well okay here's what i think happened is that he gets to the motel sees that this dude is clearly not candy cane and once he you know vents some of his frustration via jaw ripping he uh, peeks into the car that's parked right in front of the room or right next to the room, sees a CB installed, and is like, hey, wonder if these kids have anything to do with it. Because it's right there. Well, like, they also have the antenna. Like, yeah. You can tell. Yeah. Yeah, so I think he probably just made a deduction and was right. That's fair. I could see that. But then he had to keep up with them. Got lucky, possibly. I think you are right in saying that he was kind of on his last leg he was gonna snap at the smallest thing anyone who got in his way that day that's you fuck to be fair though they were the ones on the cb that fucked with him i think it would have been much worse if they were just like random people that happened to have a cb in their car and they were like what are you talking about we don't know anything about candy cane or missing jaws like yeah. they like i'm not saying that they deserve to be chased around but they did kind of indirectly start some of this yeah you know it's kind of that whole debate that they have um later on about if you order 50 pizzas to your neighbor's house and he comes out and shoots the pizza guy are you responsible they're pricks 
I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it to the, philo- the philosophers of the age to come up with the uh, answers to whether they morally deserved all this. Oh, they definitely didn't deserve the level he went at, but they're they're not 100% innocent. Yeah. It's not like they were just there and caught in the crossfire. Yeah, not much happens to them. Beyond Venner and Charlotte definitely needing therapy after all this. Yeah, they're they're innocent in this. Yeah. Charlotte and Venna had nothing to do with any of this. They're fucked over more than Lewis. Two poor girls that yeah had literally nothing to do with any of this. Charlotte the most. Like she was just like driving home on her own. She just like passed by them, like for like they, she had like a minute long conversation with them and then that was it. Yeah, she didn't even know which brother was which at first. Yeah. So driving to the motel, get back on track. The whole incident that kicks it off, so conversations back and forth, and eventually they decide to prank Rusty Nail with Paul Walker putting on uh, just a abysmal, objectively abysmal girl voice, which sounds more like a 20-year-old guy kicked in the testicles. It's just awful. It's this breathy kind of... I think he was just desperate. Like, I mean, he seemed like he was, like, okay to go get down with whoever was offering except um not like the dude that he saw although he well no he didn't try and do anything with him but he was like why are you standing in the dark whenever they're listening on the other side of the wall i just say something not sure that would be what you'd expect when um eventually lewis and fuller proposed for the trucker to come to the motel or staying at the, the room next door that an arseholes stepped into I have any idea what that line's meant to be. I think the guy really is insecure as fuck, rusty nail. That's why he's just snapped so badly. Poor guy. Just wants someone to love him. I mean, he brought the pink champagne. Yeah, he, he did. He was committed. Yeah. I mean, of course he did. He can, he can be in about five places at once. I'd hope he'd be able to get champagne after all the shit he does later. <laughs> I wonder where he got the champagne. It doesn't seem like there were a lot of... Uh... High-end liquor stores along the way. I can't imagine the kind of looks you get as a long-haul trucker going into a random store and asking for just pink champagne in some uh, mid-state town. That can't be a. I'm reminded of the um, in Heather's the bit about the vitamin water and the two jocks. So I feel you go into the wrong liquor store and. Mm, I've never been to Nebraska. I don't even think I've really ever been on the western side of the United States. I think the farthest west I've gone, maybe Missouri or Texas. Nebraska, I think it's probably kind of a similar culture to this area, though. Yeah, I mean, it's all small town. It's really yeah. more of, like, a small town type of mentality. Well, yeah, we see in, like, some of the later movies, too. They have some of the Confederate flags over there, too, so. Yeah. Um, that type of stuff, yeah. Um, yeah. Big, big on the stereotypes. Yeah, for sure. Which, granted, I think I think the script writing for these movies is a little bit lazy too, and plays on those stereotypes, and yeah. doesn't really try to dig much deeper. Uh, no, in fact, I don't think it does it at all in the first film. They do a really good job of just establishing actual character in the yeah, in the latter ones. Oh, it's nice generic shit. Later, there's uh, Vegas, which is yeah, generic as fuck, and there's um, a stock car race, which. Is weirdly common in crappy horror sequels. 
race car drivers going on to the next course. Saw it in a Hills Have Eyes sequel. The, one of the final... Actually, the same Final Destination movie with, um, with Nick two. Zano, who's in... He's in a different... Yeah, he's in, he's in the, yeah, he's in the second Joyride, but they, uh... That's the setup of the Final Destination as they're at the race car track and the the stadium collapses. Yeah. Yeah, I swear they're all picking from the same script. Actually, clearly they are picking from the same script. They can't be asked to write They've all got the stuff. same uh, random idea generator program. <laughs> same dartboard. Uh, yeah, they end up at a motel. Uh, I think there's a Bill Burr skit that says about the difference between a motel and a hotel is that if there's a mass murderer, you've at least got someone at the desk in a hotel that will get killed before you. You can just lock yourself in the shower or some shit. Well, to the motel, it's cracking the door. That's you fucked. Bang, bang. Ah! Dead. Yeah, motels are a lot more seedy um, than hotels here. Motels are just like, um, basically like the bare minimum. Like, it's a room and you you can sleep there, but uh, they don't really keep up with them. Yeah, you accept that you might want to bring your own sheets. Yeah, or just accept that you're going to be, like, living in some just shit for the duration of your stay. Apparently they've got great towel service. <laughs> yeah, that, that was confusing, too. Like, why does... Why would somebody be knocking on his door in the middle of the night offering towels that... I think the guy was just wanting to be a dick. He, he was a prick. In his defense, if someone knocks on my door at 12 at night while I was sleeping and asked to give me towels, I wouldn't be pleased. I've never stayed in a motel where I didn't have to ask for extra towels. That's what kind of ruins the believability of it for me, because I don't think that any motel staff is going around at all hours of the day making sure your towel needs are met. We stayed at a motel, and we asked for an extra pack of coffee for the coffee maker, and the guy was like, yeah, we're going to have to charge you for that. These places do sound pretty shit. They look, it looks all right, actually, the two motels actually stay in. Uh, the first one's a bit dingy. Yeah. And the second one's got porn on all the channels. Yeah. Oh, that's actually pretty accurate, too. Because uh, a lot of hotels and motels do have that. But the first one, I would say, is definitely a more accurate representation of like what you would get from a standard motel. It, yeah, it just looks shitty. And the stains are part of the decoration. It's the history. It tells a story. A story no one wants to hear. A story about as fulfilling uh, as the softcore porn in the second motel. Yeah, uh, so Lewis pretending to be Candy Cane, catfishing Rusty Nail. Uh, old school catfishing. And it, it just, they both just do an objectively awful job of the whole thing. Uh, and eventually, yeah, they send Rusty up towards the neighbour door uh, with a bottle of pink champagne. Fuller and Lewis just start lying in the bed, waiting for this guy to show up. And he does, with the pink champagne in hand. Knocks on the door, uh, races Dick, opens it up. And then Rusty uh, has a confrontation. And then he pulls the guy's jaw off with his own hands. Fucking hell. That's like a serial, uh, serial killer MO right there, though. Yeah, like, you gotta think it's not his first time doing it, yeah. honestly. For him to immediately go for the jaw ripping? Well, either, that, seem... either that or he's been thinking it for a long time. Like, if I ever kill somebody, I know exactly what I'm gonna do. Well, he mentions to them later, I think, like, 
how you get away with the killing is you rip off the jaw and then like you stick the fingers in acid or something. Or is that oh, one of the way? No, yeah, ones? you cut off the fingers and you just make sure and smack, make sure that um they're not identifiable, basically. Yeah. Implying he's gonna do that to Charlotte. Yeah, so maybe he's done some prior research or maybe he's had like actual experience. I've gotta say that I liked the next day when they're talking to the cops and the cops like can you describe the sounds? And instead of describing the sounds, Fuller's like, uh, yeah, it was like, and I was like, that's not, that's not what he meant. He meant like, did it sound like choking, gagging? Also, how is he going to write that down in his notes? I will say a person that's dealt with the police as much as what said that he has, I'm pretty sure he's had to fill out a report or something, or he's, had to like describe what he's done before, so I think he'd know, like, okay, what what did you hear? I don't think he, I think he knows that he's not supposed to be doing that. I think that was just him being a dick again, at least in my head. Because he, he's like a criminal, he's probably more in the mind of fuck the police, so he's just gonna like mess with them any opportunity he has. And then I I did like the uh, the cops description of the scene. Uh, it wasn't comely. Yeah. <laughs> what? I also thought it was weird. He was like, yeah, he ripped his jaw off. Y'all want to see that shit? Like, they take him to the hospital and just, like, show him. Like, that is not standard. Why would you do that? Yeah. Yeah, we're just going to take a field trip to the hospital. We're going to uh, take you to the ICU to see this man that you've got. Uh, the only prior relationship you have with him is fighting with him in the hotel lobby. And we think you're a suspect. So, yeah. like... That that's probably breaking all kinds of different codes. Yeah, I, I don't know how it works, but I feel like you should be arrested, Fuller and Lewis, or at least we're going to take you to the station and question you now for the next few hours. Uh, so they're taken to the hospital first to look at the guy, and he does look like he's gone through the fucking ringer. Uh, so he had his jaw pulled off. Can you actually do that? How strong do you need to be to pull a guy's jaw off? I don't think so. Yeah, I think he must have had, like, some kind of tool used for that. Yeah, he uses, like, um, like a chain or wire or something in the second one, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's gotta be trial and error, because there's, like, a lot of bone and muscle and... She's currently filling up her jaw right now, <laughs> figuring out how you do this. I'll pretend I'm not doing that. <laughs> Take some joy in it as well. Uh, I think less sadistic joy in the first one, more joy in the chase for a lot of this, and he's quite happy to just let them run off, savoring the fear of Fuller and Lewis. And the latter one's playing out and out psychopath that enjoys watching people die in horrible ways. Uh, yeah, they're shown the body at the hospital that does look like shit. Uh, the police are smiling. They seem to be quite interested. Well, the police are. The police chief isn't. Is Lewis then off-screen tells the police chief what he did with all the CB stuff and the candy cane stuff. Uh, and you get what is, to be fair, a pretty solid, though stereotypical performance of the police chief telling the two of them, you're both fucking morons. I want to see your asses out by the end of the day. For me, this was like the highlight of the film because this is literally the only... Like, this is one of the actors where I was like, oh, I know this guy, this this picked up. So it was uh, Jim Beaver, and he's in um, Supernatural and Dexter. Oh, he's playing Dexter. Yeah, 
playing Dexter. Uh, he plays. It's literally in one of the later seasons. He plays um, uh, the mother. Uh, sorry, the father of uh, Dexter's love interest in like the seventh season. Oh, like post Rita. Yeah, yeah. He does a very good job. Yeah, playing that kind of stereotype. Uh, cough, and I think J.J. Abrams. One thing he can do is write quippy dialogue. Always very good at having the odd line in there that is pretty funny and pretty um, solidly done. A little strange at times, the structure of it. And I think it's something along the lines of, you know, those old Western movies, that's what we're going with. I won't see you out of the town for Sunday. That was just poetic in a way. I think they needed somebody kind of rip into them a little bit. I mean, he wasn't overly harsh or anything. I mean, they didn't get in any real trouble other than just being yelled at, which I think was a lot more effective for Lewis than it was with Fuller. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you could arrest them on anything, charge them on anything. Suspicion of murder, probably, you could arrest them for temporarily, which I would have done. If I was the chief, I'd kept them for a while. Uh, I suppose the film has to continue on a bit. And yeah, they uh, they leave with their tail between their legs. They're driving down the highway... It's getting towards nightfall at this point, as I think it was Wyoming, the police chief, they leave the state, uh, going towards, that's just been going from north of California down then towards Colorado. They drive along the highway in their crappy little car, uh, still using the the, uh, CB radio. Lewis uses it to ask for traffic reports and the like. I'd have chucked that thing out by now. Yeah, I don't think I'd be touching it again. Yeah, I don't think these two learn lessons very easily, though. Yeah. Half of man's face gone. That's lesson learned. Oh, he just, he seems so uncomfortable using the CV to ask for those traffic reports. He's like, um, hello, are there bears? <laughs> <laughs> Would love to have someone just take him literally, call him an idiot. I'm surprised nobody did. I feel like that's what we're missing in this movie, is the truckers being like, kids, stop playing around with this radio. As they're driving down, CSI Rusty somehow managed to track the car all the way down, and has been following them for some time, presumably, uh, tracking down the brothers' dim. Fuller, you know, listening to the radio, or Lewis listens to the radio, at first hears Rusty start talking about Candy Cane down the mic, and what I think is my favourite scene in the entire film is kind of beginning taunt, which really lets uh, Ted Levine go at it in a great way. And you can hear now, yeah, the joy he really has in calling out the two uh, brothers. So Lewis wakes Fuller up, and both Fuller and Lewis uh, proceed to pretty much taunt Rusty to really drive the nail home. And pour salt on the wound. It's, uh... I mean, Fuller's not wrong in that Rusty Nail has just been driving around all day looking for a voice. Like, yeah. you know, he's like, really, you're that upset that Candy Cane's not a real person? All you've heard is my brother's stupid voice. Like... Uh, it, it's not really much of a... Well, it's not really much of a point in Rusty's favour either, but, um... All he asks for is an apology, which... Any right person would be like, okay, yeah, fair enough, you're a fucking murderer, you've just ripped off someone's jaw, I'll apologise, we'll be done. Whereas Fuller's just like, 
nah, you're a dick. You've been driving around listening for a voice and not really. I mean, you've been following us, but whatever. But it it, it seems pathetic on both sides. I, but really, do we think he would have dropped it if they had apologized? I mean... If they had given a genuine, sincere apology right then and there, do you think he would have dropped it? Or do you think... Because he keeps going, he keeps harping on him for the rest of the movie about how you need to learn your lesson. You need to learn your lesson. Oh, I don't think he would. Have, he would have stopped. And obviously, it's it'd be a shit movie if it did end there. But fucking, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, lesson learned. Yeah, just just hearing even placate him for a little bit. To be fair, yeah, he probably wouldn't have. Uh, stopped going after them but on the odd chance that he would have they could just be like okay he goes by blah blah on the CB radio to the police so great just I'm sorry Rusty okay lesson learned yeah. and you just see the truck drive off yeah, next to that'll them be it. that's the end of the film they get to wherever <laughs> they're going they're going to pick up um, Vanna I did like in Fuller's rant, though, that he uh, distinguished, like, he gave a definition, like, the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist, because he was like, you need to see a psychiatrist, because you need a prescription for something. I don't know, it added something to his character for me, that he would put that in the middle of this rant, where he's just absolutely tearing into this guy. Yeah. It is what J.J. Abrams is great at. He, when he's writing scripts and stuff, he does have these weird ways of saying stuff. And he goes into slightly more detail than you need to. I don't know much about J.J. Abrams as a person, but it kind of makes me wonder if maybe he's a little bit of an asshole. If he, like, threw himself into Fuller a little bit. Yeah. Well, this. Uh, which culminates in my favourite line in the whole film, the whole franchise, I think, where Rusty just very simply, you should really get that fixed. Your tail light's broken. I'm not even going to attempt to do the accent. <laughs> but it's just so distinctly great. <laughs> Yeah, let us hear your best title being. <laughs> really got that fix. I'm going to Sean Connery. I'll try that. He's working Which I guess we should point out, like, prior to that, he had got pulled over for speeding, I think, and the cop mentioned that he had a tail-eyed out. Yeah. And he's taken it to the mechanic since then, so why didn't he get the yeah, fucking tail-light taken care because of? Because he spent the $40 on the CB instead of the tail-light being fixed. Yeah, See, that was the problem. He actually wanted to spend the foot on the tail light, and <laughs> fucking his brother steps in the way. Fuck, the more and more I talk about Fuller, the more I do want to punch him in the face. Yeah, that's my problem at the minute. <laughs> yeah, uh, find out Rusty Nell's right behind them and start driving uh, Hail Mary off the highway. Uh, they're going to go for a town. I think it's like 73 it's miles, isn't it, in America? Or is it kilometres? Never quite remember. Miles. Miles. Cool. Uh, century miles yeah, off. Yeah, no, we're, we, we need the most confusing measurement systems possible. Yeah. <laughs> Hell, at least uh, you guys stick to uh, the shitty Imperial system. Yeah, he drives off. It's century miles away. Obviously, they're not going to make that. Uh, and so instead, they swerve off the highway uh, on an off-ramp towards a little petrol station. Well, the problem is that uh, his gaslight comes on. Which, even if they weren't being chased by Rusty, you know you're driving across country and there aren't necessarily stops in the desert. consistently. Yeah, in the desert. How do you let yourself get that close to empty before leaving any kind of town? They're not the most responsible people in the world. 
The only thing that I could say in defense of that is like they were asked to leave by the police chief like as soon as possible, so they probably weren't like, oh, before we go, we need to fill up the tank. Just remember. Though they are still in his jurisdiction, as they try to phone him later. Uh, I don't know why they don't just phone the police during half. I think he's trying to. He tries to call the police when they're at the gas station, and then four like tells him that the um, the ice bag man is. Rusty, so he instead of like finishing up the call, he just like they book it out of there. Oh yeah, of course. So yeah, they drive off into the gas station. Harcourt, I uh, get ready to fill up. Fuller fills it while Lewis walks in to pay for everything. Uh, and he tries to phone up the sheriff while in the store. The sheriff turned his phone off during a murder investigation. Which, but to be fair to the sheriff, I'd be thinking I don't want to fucking hear from these two ever again. I'm just going to leave it off. I can't even remember. Did he even get through to anybody? No, they just... He called the operator, got patched through to the sheriff, and he was about to leave a voicemail, and then... And then Fuller made him get know, off. Fuller's yeah. like, wait, and he almost leaves without paying for the gas. Oh, yeah. And then he just, like, chucks the card at her, runs out. Like, did anyone... Uh, maybe it was just me, but did you catch a scene where he looks down and sees, like, a, a load of knives on the counter? Yeah, yeah, I genuinely yeah. thought, okay, he's he's stolen a knife. That's why he's running out, and then it doesn't end up anywhere. Ah, uh, you know, I didn't even consider that, but yeah, maybe that was like a direction that they were gonna go at some point. I thought he was gonna buy one, maybe because he was literally he was yeah, running away so. from the the ice truck guy. So I thought, okay, he's quickly thrown his card. Obviously, he forgets it's there, but there's like a cl- little quick like five second shot of like him looking at a bunch of knives and I thought genuinely like oh he's stolen a knife if fucking Rusty comes at him he'll stab him or something but it doesn't turn up anywhere and I was like why not makes sense I'm gonna guess given the three endings I had in the original there was one where he fought Rusty one on one mano we mano oh, maybe. kind of style might have come into that, and it's just a scene the editor forgot to take out. Uh, oh, of course, yeah, he leaves his MasterCard as well on the side. Uh, I don't know if they ever show it in camera, but he does leave it. And then he ends up getting chased by a fucking psycho of a trucker. Yeah. yeah he's gone way above and beyond yeah, like to try and get this card back to him. Way too much. He's like off-roading in an ice truck. <laughs> and you can't imagine, because he's in the ice truck. He's on the clock. You can't imagine he's not going to get chewed out. With the GPS tracking. Yeah. And like, hey, what was this crazy little detour right here? Why are you doing this? How far would I go? Someone left their card in the petrol stop. I'd go about as far as they haven't driven off yet. I don't think I actually used to, because I know you wouldn't be asked to go that far. I know for you it would be, uh, fuck They've it. left the shop. Fuck it. It's fine. Yeah, like, they'll realize it eventually. Yeah, just leave it with the yeah. card. Yeah, and they'll get it back to them if they come back looking for it. I don't know, but he was deter—he was determined to be a good citizen. He just—he wanted to—he wanted to get Lewis's card back. Yeah, yeah. As the trucker just runs into his truck, uh, currently carrying what was it like a tire pumper in his hand? Huge... It's like a tire checker or something like that. Like he like beats his tires to see if they're properly filled. I've never seen that. I've never seen it either. I think that was just an excuse for him to have some kind of blunt object. Yeah, he—he he was just. Pent up aggression from driving his tiny little ice truck all day long. <laughs> Fuck these tires. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah they, they go off road, obviously, 
you haven't seen Rusty Nail. You do see him in one scene towards the end, uh, the actual physical body of him, but through most of it it's kept up in the air to retain that kind of atmosphere of everyone could be the killer, which they try to keep in the latter films, or at least the second one failed miserably. Yeah, I kind of like that his his face was always in shadow, like, you never get a clear look at him, and it's just, it's a little bit anxiety-inducing. Yeah. And I thought it was a nice touch to mostly keep him as a voice. Rusty's truck as well uh, turns out to be the quietest thing imaginable, and fast as shit. The amount of times he sneaks up on people throughout these movies, even with his lights off, it's not like you can't hear that yeah and trucks like that are wow there's no way yeah. he's able to just like travel around in the darkness like just staying out of sight from everybody well the problem is you hear it throughout the film at various points you can hear it being revved and it humming away and it is pretty damn loud and i'm, I'm deaf as shit i've won too many concerts without earbuds in i've got tinnitus for days i'd hear the fucking thing from a mile away it's ridiculous. The ice guy, ice trucker, uh, so as Lewis and Fuller uh, drive down this country road, little bumpy, eventually they stop at a fence, and Fuller pretends to have a gun, and he does the little finger pointer thing. Uh, I've got to give credit to the uh, ice trucker, because Samaritan, as Fuller says, I've got a gun, the trucker says, and I've got a MasterCard. Me, personally, yeah. I've got a gun. Right, that's me tossing your card, you little shit. Go pick it up yourself. <laughs> I, like I think he just knew they were two dumb kids. Honestly, the way he's just kind of like laughing and not taking them seriously at all. Personally, I would think that they're like high and paranoid. So like they see like this guy that has like a ice truck and just running away from him. Like yeah, like oh yeah, these guys. He's like yeah, it's my facial hair, isn't it? Yeah, I look dangerous. <laughs> Maybe just too trustworthy. Uh, which is the only explanation I can really put forward for what happens after this, where the ice road trucker gets in his truck, starts turning around, gets to about a 90-degree angle on the road, uh, and uh, Rusty's truck plows straight through it, which, I mean, presumably the ice trucker has to have seen Rusty's truck coming over, because it's fucking huge. Um, must yeah. Just, oh, there's a truck that's coming at me. I'm sure it'll be fine. I have nothing to do with anything. Hello. Bang. It bothered, the effects of that scene bothered me because it was just, I don't know, the truck exploding the way it did. It just looked like they had a cardboard version of the truck yeah, it, get smashed through. It wasn't the it best was, looking one. I yeah. liked it, honestly. I thought it was understated enough that it wasn't ridiculous. It made me think of the beginning of... Um, you know, like a basketball or football game where the team runs out through the paper banner. Uh, yeah. That's what I thought of. It was probably the best looking one out of all of them because all of these movies feature a scene where Rusty like drives through another vehicle and the others is just like ridiculous explosions. But this one at least had like, you know, just the stuff in the back of the truck flying everywhere. Yeah, shitload of ice comes out falling over everything. Yeah. I know, I really liked it. It's the truck like tore in half. There's no giant fireball like there is in way too many of these films where the trucks have been arbitrarily filled with propane. Yeah, that's what we use for gas over here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, 
They blow up their car later in this movie. They blow up the car later in this movie. Oh god, yes, yes, I Rusty knows the precise oh, yeah. amount of time to set a car on fire for for it to blow up. Yeah. Well, not even just set it on fire. Like he managed to puncture their gas line, so that way there's enough of a leak underneath, and <laughs> he can toss his cigarette there and get it started. And leave them pink champagne. Yeah, on the on the seat. Yeah. He's got nice little elegant touches. That's what makes me think this isn't his first rodeo. Yeah. You know. He's got the details hammered out enough that he's like, "All right." He's got a mad hut somewhere, just with posters and like, you know, that um, meme of uh, "It's always sunny in Philadelphia" with Charlie, and the board that he's got a load of shit around. Pepe Sylvia. Sylvia. Yeah. The conspiracy theory stuff. He's got to have just one room with a shitload of these things dotted around. We just this is the exact amount of fuel and this is the amount of time it takes for the cigarette to burn and this and that and this is how long I did this phone call. At this point as well I realise the music is pretty good. Pretty nicely used. There's enough of a mixture between ambient sound and actual music. Uh, you can hear the sounds of the truck, hear the sounds of the car. The sounds of the car, it's kind of a tiny hum, which is overpowered by the big roar of the truck, which is great. Uh, music yeah. in the sequels is horrible. Oh god, yeah. It definitely... We were watching Joyride 3 last night, and I just made a note about how like phoned in the soundtrack was at that point. It was just terrible. Yeah, it's sudden as well. In the latter ones, fucking just suddenly smacks you with this bum, 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 bum soundtrack. But yeah. it is deafening. In their car, I mean, obviously they outrun the truck. It's not too hard to outrun a truck. Uh, and they'd start kind of doing turns, four-point turns, to try to uh, give him the slip. Which is a lot easier to turn the car than a giant fucking truck. And they do a little U-turn thing. Yeah, that was actually a decent maneuver to get away from him. Yeah. Like that, that real slick U-turn until they hit the tree. Yeah. Like they, they were so close to actually a clean getaway. Yeah. Because then they don't look at the road and hit a tree. Uh, or get stuck in some mud as well, I think, what happens. I couldn't tell if they were stuck in mud or if their wheel was messed up. But then again, I guess they have to drive it away. Or do they call it a tow truck later? I don't know. I don't know. They didn't. They clearly didn't mess up the car too much because they were able to fix it at another one of these little True, yeah. roadside auto body shops. I'm not convinced. They just haven't just put an entirely new car on just with the same body. No, he made a comment that they fixed the taillight. Oh yeah, that's right. Along with the presumed massive engine troubles that come from being hit with a truck again and again and again. And replacing the windshield. It was basically like they pushed the reset button (laughs) on the... It's got to be cheaper to buy a car. That's a write-off, surely. Yeah. I suppose he can't afford much than third-party insurance. But he probably paid more in the repairs than he paid to actually get the own car. the car. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. How did he even get insurance on his car that he yeah. just bought yesterday? Actually, that's a good point. He probably doesn't have insurance. Probably yeah. pay for it himself. Which I think means otherwise his comps are going to be through the fucking roof after claiming on all of that. It'd be insane. He's already a like, 20-year-old guy. You fucked on that alone. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's no way. So yeah, you uh, must be spending thousands on this road trip. I hope the girl's fucking worth it, mate. 
I, and it blew my mind because it had been so long since we watched this one. I really thought Venna was here for more of the movie. Yeah. Like, I, I forgot how much happened before she even, like, actually joins them in the car. It's about halfway through, roughly, I think, before she... She does appear right at the start on the phone call for about 30 seconds, and then it's about 40 minutes, 45 minutes, until she comes up again. Uh, yeah, it's it's a long time considering that this whole thing kicked off because of her. Yeah, I actually honestly forgot about her, and then she's like, hey, we're here. It's like, oh shit, I forgot all about you. But it is that sudden, because uh, they get stuck in mud. Rusty then starts smacking them with the truck, kind of battering ram style, against the tree. Uh, stuck between a tree and a hard place, as it were. The car being tilted constantly. They start like shouting down the mic, I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry, I was just playing with you. And Rusty, you know, laughing down, I was just playing with you, man. And then I can only imagine the most awkward backing up of the truck, just, you know, that beep, beep kind of thing, as Rusty slowly goes away. And then to piss themselves in their own chair and slowly drive up the road Rusty left from. And then they don't go to the police or anything. They just go to Colorado. Yeah, at that point, I don't understand. It'd be phoning the police and saying, oh, yeah, officer, he is a trucker. He's driving this exact truck. Uh, he tried to kill us as well. This guy, you know, that ripped a yeah, jaw off Yeah, as he was man. slowly backing away, we got his license plate. <laughs> you know Rusty uses a fake license plate. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it, it's not his license plate. There's no way. At the very least, I want a police escort to Colorado. <laughs> I'd want fucking battalion behind me at this point i'm cutting my losses and i'm getting a plane ticket yeah just take public transportation yeah don't even like, worry about fixing up the car just be like hey then i i know it's not the uh the romantic car ride we we planned together which was not going to be romantic with my brother here anyway but uh you know let, let, let's just hop on this jet together <laughs> Jet would be much better. You'd have health broke, get on a greyhound bus all the way. Yeah. Really ruin that relationship. I've got a coach across the country. Coaches are fucking awful here. Sitting for four hours, driving across the motorways. That really is a visual experience. I've heard greyhounds are shit as well. I've never spent a sign. I take that back. We uh, we used to take school buses for like high school band trips across the state. Those weren't fun. That old Dustin Hoffman film. Is anyone know Midnight Cowboy? Where he dies on the bus and they just say, leave the body there. We'll deal with it in the next star. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rusty pisses off. Uh, and presumably there's like a day kind of in between all of this. As they get to Colorado. I don't know how far these things are. Uh, I know that's like within driving distance, not too bad for a day or so. Yeah, that's about accurate. Yeah, especially like those states are all just so flat. Yeah. Until they get to Colorado, then it's mountains. But yeah, CSI Rusty, uh, you don't see him for a little bit, but he is continuing to track them off screen in his little truck all the way. Clearly, this man has no life. He's like out at a college campus in a giant truck and nobody's able to spot this. That doesn't seem a little bit out there. It's like it it's like a Tammy and the T Rex all over again with yeah. the dinosaur in the trees at the funeral. Like yeah. I'm just picturing the semi behind like 
Those a tiny bush. little, yeah, like the little pretty campus bushes. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, he's watching them all times because he knows that, um, that Charlotte is mates with them. So he's got to be within the vicinity throughout this entire conversation. And the whole thing of like hiding in plain sight is a trucker, you don't see his face. You can get away with that in most of the locations in this series. In the bar, you can certainly get away with that. In the motels, definitely. In a college campus, I feel like a big trucker, and you see later, he is like a stereotype, lumberjack shirt, trousers, jeans, uh, sloppy little beard with a tiny bit of a double chin. He would stand out like fucking anything. Yeah. Especially, like, I feel... Especially, I feel like Venna definitely, she's, she's probably at a nice school. I feel like she comes from money and has, like, good tuition. Charlotte's in her convertible, like, yeah. Rusty's not going to be the typical type of person. Even if you wanted to say, oh, well, maybe you could write him off as, like, the parent of another student. Like, he doesn't even look like he would fit in with the stereotype if he would be there. Right. To pick the student up. Yeah, either he's gonna he's gonna look really out of it, and you are gonna be looking over your shoulder. I don't care how casual those some follow seems to be. You would be paranoid as shit at this point. Uh, so either he's gonna be standing out in the open, and you're gonna go, you know what, that fucking guy looks like a trucker, or he's gonna look like some pervert in the bushes, just hiding along with binoculars and a little notepad, which is gonna look even worse. <laughs> But somehow, somehow he gets close enough to know that Venna and Charlotte are going to be roommates. Because um, like, if he's watching from a distance, all he's going to see is them say goodbye to each other. How does he know that, like... They have any sort of relationship. Yeah, like, yeah. Bye. Just from, like, like, a brief, like, one-minute conversation. Yeah, he's like, I've got Charlotte. And she's like, who? Yeah, who the fuck is Charlotte? <laughs> yeah. Just a woman that turned out to be just some friend who was telling them, oh, uh, there's a problem with traffic on the road. Mind it. Cheers. Yeah. Or it could be like one of those like uh, nice to her face type of things. And the second they get in the car and she's like, oh, I fucking hate her. And then, yeah. like later he's like, I've got Charlotte. And she's like, good. She's a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> it took a lot on faith that they were, they were that close that she'd be willing to die for. Her. And takes it on faith, kidnaps her. Uh, I think she is injured during all this. You don't see her, like, with jaw rips off at the end. You do see that she's escaped, but I think she's got some cuts and bruises and shit. I do think he treats her a lot nicer than he treats hostages in, in the later movies. Yeah, definitely. Not had a finger chopped off. So, Ven is picked up, otherwise, and Foot Fuller continues to be a prick with Charlotte. Uh, hits on her in, a, I'm going to say, unromantic way. I, it's the most like dude bro pickup line style oh, yeah. stuff, which is I perfectly expect it from a guy like this. So hey ho, dialogue works. I think he just throws out whatever shitty pickup lines. I think he works more in quantity rather than quality. Yeah, throws out a bunch of lines, see who who latches on. Charlotte was there, so he went with Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> like, I suppose yeah. Ask out a thousand women, one will fucking say yes eventually. You'll break down someone enough. And they uh, start driving off towards, what is it, Boston, Michigan? Something like that. All the way across the I'm country. I'm still not sure where they're from. It's somewhere on the East Coast, I thought. Yeah, I think so. Um, shit. Uh, I, I think it was like Massachusetts or something. 
Wow, that's a that's like a cross country. Yeah, that's road like trip. literally like, like coast to coast. Yeah. Jeez, this girl better be amazing for that. To be fair, if I was being chased by a homicidal trucker, I'd be a lot faster in my journey. So, with all of that at the place, we continue on with Fuller and Lewis for a while. Rusty now off on the sidelines for quite a bit. Uh, Fuller cop blocks his brother, Dick. I have an issue with them on the bar doing these shots. And fucking Venna's just sipping hers. Is she? She is. It. They're doing tequila shots, which first of all, they're not doing the tequila shots right. Second of all, she's just going, that's it. <laughs> and they get so many rounds of them. Yeah, they gotta be shit-faced. Really. Yeah. Yeah. You, get what, you see four rounds worth, I think. Four uh, rounds for the guys. Like, four little baby sips for Venna, and I'm assuming that they're drinking the rest of her shots. Yeah. I don't know, I could do that. Yeah, granted, I'm an alcoholic, but I can't imagine Fuller's too far behind me. Uh, also, start tying uh, cherry stems and shit in their, uh, using their tongues. Foot is a bit bizarre, obviously, in one of the um, deleted scenes, there's a romantic thing with Fuller and uh, Venna. And is that the thing that pushed her over the line in that scene? That you can tie a cherry stem? Is that what girls want to see? He's trying to put it across as the like be all end all of this is what wins women. He really is a quantity over quality kind of guy. Yeah, it's just it. It's weird. Yeah, the whole thing is just, it's so weird because he knows that Lewis is into Venna, and it seems like they all have known each other for a long time. Yeah, they have a history. Yeah, so I think it's almost like it seems in the final cut. That we watched. It seems like Venna is into Lewis and is comfortable with Fuller. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. She Uh, also might just be drunk here, Yeah, I was going to say, I think the alcohol is a big factor in these few scenes, too. Yeah. Yeah. Can't help things. And Lewis isn't the most aggressive of people. Bar itself, it's a trucker bar, standard kind of romp little jukebox to the side, big bar, uh, and about four truckers start harassing and start telling Lewis to back the fuck off, which I, I suppose he's a college kid, so he wouldn't really know what to do in that situation. I mean, that's three or four versus one in a bar fight with people that are probably a lot more experienced with bar fights than you. Yeah. That it, Fuller's response to just be like... Shut up, bitch! And yeah. just like confuse them and shoo the re- shoo the three of themselves out of there was probably the smart approach. No, it's it's a smart thing to do. I've been involved in one bar fight, and if it's outnumbered, you're fucked. That's yeah. the end of it. Welcome to Wolverhampton, the clientele, the bars, not the nicest people. Uh, yeah, the whole situation's taken apart. Fuller saves Venna and starts dragging her off towards the motel. Uh, doesn't hit on her, but seems to go in for a kiss at some point, and Venna is, I think, just confused more than anything. She sort of yeah, says she's... no, I, but in her defence, I do think she's just completely flabbergasted by the whole situation. Yeah, I think it was like a drunk, you just sit, like, I just got hit on, and there was almost a fight, but then there wasn't, and now, whoa, you're really close to me, and I'm trying to go to bed. Like... 
and obviously I'm into your brother. I think it was just like a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, once Lewis comes up, she kind of reboots a little, jumps into her own room, which is on the second floor, and uh, Fuller and Lewis have got their own room on the bottom. Yeah, I got the porn channels. Yeah, watching yeah. porn with my bro. Oh yeah, I sent you a Doug Stanhope video, didn't I, Steph? A what? Uh, Doug Stanhope, yeah, 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 that yeah, yeah. comedian. Did you get to the part with his mom? Yeah. So yeah, Doug Stanhope, he uh, did uh, porn reviews and stuff with his mom. <laughs> what? Yeah, if you, yeah, they're great. If you, you know, do you know him? No. Yeah, I'm familiar with him. He, he's great. He's really fucking funny. I I know him because he did some stuff with a guy over here uh, who does all the Black Mirror stuff. Charlie. Oh, oh Charlie God, Booker. yes, we love Shit. Black Mirror. Yeah, yeah and did a great Big Brother zombie show. Fucking amazing. Uh, yeah, Doug Stanhope did this like porn review thing with his mom, where his mom would give like how many flicking fingers out of five to these different porn <laughs> oh videos. It's horrendous, but it's so funny. And Fuller, I, at first I thought he was kind of joking, something kind of I'd do with my brother, saying all oh, this porn, what kind of one do you want to watch, you know, you want to go for the story or do you want to go for this? Which, you know, it's fun and jokey. Then he puts it on, which yeah. is where it starts to get fucking weird. I'm sure there's someone out there that watches these things for the story, but I mean, are you going to, like, have a let's just not make eye contact and masturbate in our own beds kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, it's like put up, like, a pillow fort, and that way, like, nobody can see what the other's doing. <laughs> you know, I had to share a bed during a go to Edinburgh with a couple mates, and that felt fucking awkward. You know, we had to top and tail, and huge pillow forts wanking off in a room, I think. With my brother, that's even fucking worse. Ugh. Luckily, he doesn't uh, do anything like that. And instead, to a sleeping Lewis, it does do something fucking horrendous. You want to take this one, Steph? Yeah, right. So, Lewis, in his defence, he passes out before his brother uh, brother brings up the porn, and his brother turns it on anyway. So, thankfully, Lewis is like unconscious for that but uh then lewis uh no then fuller sorry um kind of like hey uh just just a quick thing uh say no if you're uh against it but i'm i'm gonna go to venice room and we're gonna bang that good no yeah cool it's one of those like sibling things but you don't do that with other human beings you do that with like hey if you don't want me to eat the rest of your cake in the fridge say something right now like that type of thing shitty sibling behavior yes but you know that this is a crossing a little bit of a personal boundary by both um knowing that lewis is into venna and also by just treating venna somebody who he presumably watched grow up whatever the age difference is between him and Lewis, that's presumably the age difference between him and Venna. And that part made it weird for me too. Like yeah. knowing that he could have been like an adult and her being younger. And then, yeah. Yeah. It, I don't know. This, this kind of uncomfortable territory right there. It's like grooming. Well, not, he's not really not grooming, grooming, but, but it's, it's, it's just, yeah, they've got too much of a prior different type of relationship yeah. there that it's, it's inappropriate for for multiple Especially reasons. Especially for the, the drinking, literally just before this, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm yeah, gonna go over, see if she's impressionable. 
And then he brings more alcohol yeah, over. Yeah, gonna go over and get her drunk. That's not at all creepy. And everything is interrupted, thankfully, by Rusty. Yeah, he... Yeah. Yeah, because Lewis is passed out, and he's trying to get Fuller to answer the phone, not realizing Fuller isn't in there. And then he sobers right the hell up. You would. I mean, he's on the bottom fucking floor in a motel. I'd be shit scared. Especially if this guy fucking follows you state by state, ripped a man's jaw off. Yeah. And Lewis charges away towards Venner's room. After Rusty says, you told me there wasn't a candy cane. What about the girl in room, blah de blah de blah, who's with your brother at the moment? Uh, which is what seems to kind of kick him into high gear. Shit scared. Uh, just a quick on Rusty's work ethic, just to kind of put it in set in stone. So he's kidnapped Charlotte during all of this while keeping tabs on precisely where they're going in the car. Uh, he's also spray pentalized signs, presumably after seeing the car, and he does this at about 12 o'clock. Uh, this guy fucking gets around. And he got the CB back in their trunk. He, yeah. he rescued the CB from wherever it was left when they got it taken out. Like in another state, most yeah. likely. And put it back into their trunk. And he figured out what rooms each of them was in. It's probably the latest footage somewhere of Rusty, like, knocking door to door on motel rooms and going, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, he's basically put a uh, CB in their trunk. Spray painted a load of signs. Uh, Lewis and Fuller, quite rightly, you know, go stir crazy and say, we've got to get the fuck out of here now. Which led to a great moment of them running out to their car and just screaming at random passerby. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that, yeah. <laughs> like these confused people that have probably also been drinking at the bar. Like, who are these kids and why are they screaming at me? See, I thought the opposite. I thought that was a stupid idea. Maybe, it was, maybe it's just me. I was just like, "Why would you leave a public motel?" Okay, it's it's quiet and whatnot, but you could go down and sit where the I don't know what they call them the 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 person that brings the pillows and blankets and stuff. Person brings all the towels. To be fair, the last time they were at a motel, a guy's jaw got cut off in the room right next to yeah. them. So I don't think they necessarily see motels as a safe place. Yeah, I suppose. And I think if they went back to the bar, they were going to get their asses kicked by the other truckers. Gee, they could have gone so many other places. They were in a town. <laughs> could have gone to the cops, even. They live in a society. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they don't know about Charlotte yet, so they could have quite easily gone, fuck it, someone run down here, find them off. Yeah, that was, that was literally the only thing that I thought. I was like, okay, why don't they just sit with the the bellboy or whatnot, at least for an hour while he rings the police, and then oh the police are here, let's go. I mean they are idiots. I don't, I, I don't want to make it like a casual answer to a lot of the plot holes in the film, but it's the best I've got. They're morons that don't know any better. Well, I mean as much as the phone call was probably sobering for them, they do still have that alcohol in their system. Yeah, true. They're probably still a bit fuzzy-brained, and they haven't slept. Yeah. They're just running purely on emotion. Yeah, I understand panic. I've always say in films, one of the big problems is often that you try to set the expectation of what you should do in that situation, not what the characters would do in the situation. And here, I think, what they do is probably what they do. 
Uh, yeah, they drive off in a complete panic. Uh, Venna is filled in a little bit uh, as they shout back and forth, terrified, briefly filled in. And as they drive down the highway, they pass various signs that have been spray-painted. Uh, it's a really great scene, actually. Is you just get open and then next sign down the and you see Fuller just getting more and more terrified. Eventually goes to open the Which, trunk. Uh, imagine if Fuller hadn't been looking out the window. Suppose he hadn't noticed it. Yeah. Like what if they didn't notice any of the spray paints until they see the one that says Lewis? Like Yeah, just Lewis. Yeah. Shit, he knows your name. <laughs> I I like to think Rusty's got uh, backups. There's just some bridge slightly further down with a little banner ready. Have you opened the truck yet, Lewis? Just every ten miles, another little sign. Yeah. And I did like it when they pulled over and Fuller and Lewis were both too afraid to open the trunk and Venna was like, Jesus Christ, and just opens it. Yeah. And it's just the radio in there and she's like, radio. Yeah, why are we afraid of this? I don't get why they're scared. I mean, they start saying, what if there's a body in there? I'd want to fucking know then if there's a body in yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, that's... And she even says, she's like, I'm not going anywhere until somebody tells me why I should be scared that there's a radio here in the trunk. I, I think they fill her in off screen. Yeah. Uh, for all this. And yeah, right, you should be scared. Uh, what I think probably happened is they're explaining that they knew a trucker had killed a man in the room next to them and that he had chased them. I think they probably left out the part about the radio. No, she tells and so them. so the radio was in the trunk. She tells them later. Uh, or she tells him when she he's tying her up. She's like, I know what he, they did. And uh, No, I'm, I'm saying I think they filled her in on some of the details until they opened the trunk and uh, saw the radio. Right, and then right. they're like, okay, well, we, we did antagonize him a little bit yeah. beforehand. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think they tried to make themselves look a lot more innocent at first until the radio is in the trunk and they're obviously supposed to start communicating with them again. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. He's trying to get with us still throughout the whole of this. Uh... Eyes on the prize. She's not going to want anything to do with me if she knows that I do a really bad imitation of a woman. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah they get in the car, set up the CB radio. Say it first, they won't talk into it. They'll just listen. Send it on to the police. Uh, and this is when they find out about Charlotte having been kidnapped. I just loved quick note, I've watched through it. Venna uh, realises really quickly that it's Charlotte. Like, Charlotte doesn't say anything before she starts saying, oh, that's Charlotte. Just his crying. Maybe Charlotte's a really emotional person. Yeah. <laughs> if you can pinpoint your mate just by their crying voice, I, I want to know what the fuck's going on between you two. <laughs> Beating us. <laughs> Emotionally abusing a carry style. What the fuck's going on? That's precise. There's a knife going into a hip. I know that cry. Yeah. <laughs> no police allowed. Little prop, really. I mean, that's what Charlotte is. She's a prop to keep the police out of the film. Uh, which is yeah. uh, well done in this one. They try to use it a bit more in the second film. It's too involved in that. But uh, yeah, it's perfectly fine here. It does the job. Well, I think part of it is they keep it a little bit simpler in this movie. Yeah. They, they don't try to add too many details or get too sadistic with it, so they're able to, you know, just... Because the more, the more you add into it, the more you start questioning things. Yeah. And there's enough to question in this one. 
precisely why they keep all the shit Rusty does to a minimum. They don't show any of it because you would question everything. Uh, it's, it's, a lot of it is a bit ridiculous. But they, they show what needs to be shown and leave everything else out. It's a cat and mouse chase. So yeah, they drive through the night, uh, fill Venner in on everything, and end up at a what, like petrol station diner combo kind of thing, like a little chef. Yeah, a uh, truck stop. Yeah, yeah they're uh, given a little task by Rusty. <laughs> I don't know what kind of sick fuck came up with this. I just thought it was so funny that this guy that rips people's jaws off the most humiliating thing he can think of is like order six cheeseburgers each, <laughs> naked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they do it I, fairly quickly. I, the pro the problem with it though is that as he's talking to Venna on the radio while they're inside, is he misses the perfect opportunity. He says, "Let them see how it feels to be the brunt of the joke," and I was like, "Really? You couldn't say butt of the joke." <laughs> Plenty of pun action in the second and the third film. They didn't want to use up all that crazy. It was just—it was so obvious. It was right there. So I was disappointed. I was disappointed in him. Everything else was so so artfully done, you know, like with the pink champagne and everything. Later, he he missed he missed the obvious line. Yeah, I'm sure he's kicking himself over that. He's one. not quite Scooby Doo villain level yet. Yeah, I loved as well uh, when they actually get into the uh, diner. Obviously, you see a lot of the local customers turning their heads away, getting in their cars, moving the kids out of the way, a few college girls laughing and giggling. The manager who, I mean, the first off, the uh, waitress, when they say 12 cheeseburgers, responds with, do you want fries with that? Which is pretty pitch perfect. Yeah, like she sees it on a daily basis or some shit like that. Yeah. yeah, she's like, same shit, different day. I think anyone who's worked yeah. in fast food or... It's like them. The manager's like, oh shit, is this another fraternity thing? Like, <laughs> god damn it, why do they keep sending these naked guys in you? I'm sick of seeing everybody's balls! Yeah. <laughs> really do love how they structured that dialogue, because he pretty much has like a line that he's prepared and readied, almost like the manager saw the situation and come on his head with, okay, this is what I'm going to say to them, and then walked They've over. They've got a written policy. Yeah. I'm naked cheeseburgers. They interrupt him, and then he continues just saying what he was saying before. Which, yeah, it, it's great, is it? Uh, they both leave. The scene wraps up pretty quickly, but to be fair. And they're eventually you know, led through more roads uh, and end up at... Well, I know there's a lot of corn in America, isn't it? A shitload of, like... Um, in that area. Yeah. I, I imagine state. they're in, like, in the Midwest at this point, which is a big like corn-filled area. Yeah. I think it's in Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska is like, their whole thing is like, their mascot is like the Huskers, which is like husking like corn. So, yeah. I used to live in a cornfield. Yeah. Like, it's just, I mean, it's the perfect setting for creepiness and being confused and lost. And it also seems like it would be pretty easy to evade a semi in, in a cornfield. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't feel like they should have had as hard a time as they did. Yeah, that's a question I was wondering. As they're running through that cornfield, uh, basically what happens, they drive up, Rusty tells them to get out, they walk out the car, walk along a little bit, uh, and then he goes to ram them down with his truck. Which I feel he would have if they hadn't got out of the way. He doesn't really mind how this ends. And they run through the cornfield as Rusty 
starts chasing them with his truck. He has uh, lights attached, which in the film, uh, for sake of exposure and to increase the brightness on them, weren't actually truck lights. They were uh, aircraft landing lights that were placed That makes on. a lot of sense and answers a lot of logistical questions I had about what he was seeing and how he was able to see them. It's why they were so bright. Uh, and obviously, yeah, with exposure, because they did it in the morning, and it actually starts to get bright a little bit, you can get away with it filming at that point. If they were truck lights, then the film would be hugely overexposed. Uh, yeah, he tracks them through the cornfield, driving his truck along. Granted, for some reason, they run down the road section of the cornfield for some... Yeah, let's go down the, the place that's easily marked out for a truck. Yeah. Although, to be fair, it it, it isn't... <sighs> okay, I'm going to say this and I realize how dumb it sounds before I even start to say it. It's not fun running through a cornfield and getting whipped in the face by stalks of corn, but I realize that it's probably more fun than being run over by a semi-truck. I almost sound like you're uh, speaking from personal experience. <laughs> I used to live in a cornfield. <laughs> I am speaking from personal experience. Yeah, I can imagine getting smacked by bits of corn. Leaves being pushed back. It wouldn't be particularly entertaining. But I mean, yeah. they're, they're pretty hardy stocks. Yeah. Uh, so Rusty, along with being a, a superb road-based tracker, has the powers of a fucking sniffer dog and tracks all three of them through this cornfield, kidnaps Venna during all of this, managed to pinpoint her, I think he, I think it was after just her, maybe the fuck off right after that, if he does. Does he have a car set up and ready there? Is that why he sent them to the cornfield, with pink champagne and everything? He just has all this ready, because he has a car in the middle of the cornfield, there's a gas line which is perfectly fucking time that's going to blow up the moment he finishes his call. Because along with being a fucking sniffer dog and an amazing long-distance tracker, Rusty's also got amazing knowledge of pyrotechnics, apparently. Yeah, he, he was assuming that they were going to get back to the car that they'd already figured out then it was missing. They were going to get back to the car, hear him talking on the radio before the radio blows up. Or before the, before the car and yeah. the radio, to be fair, blow up. Yeah, perfectly fucking timed. It's fucking James Bond of America. This guy knows his shit. Man, that would be who our James Bond would be. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, yeah. A fat trucker. <laughs> yeah, that's the American James Bond. Jimmy Bond? Yeah, Jimmy Bond. Rusty Ball. Uh, yeah, he explains down the radio that he's, well, they figure out he's taken Venna, but he reiterates it. Uh, and tells them to go to a motel in the near town. Uh, doesn't give them the name of the motel, just says a motel in town, which I think they mentioned they can't get to by walking. They have to drive there. And I, I think part of it is he wants to set them up for failure, but I think another part of it is he knows that they're going to have to steal a car to get there. So instead of you know the whole don't go to the police thing, it's kind of putting them in the position where they can't go to the police because they, they're doing crime too. Honestly, I, I think he doesn't give a fuck. If he, if they fail, if they succeed, I don't think he cares. I think he's no. just enjoying it. Uh, they, they do get a car to he Hotwire One, uh, helped very kindly by a local trucker who tells them how yeah. to oh, rev it with a key granted. Different system of hot wiring. You'd be fucked nowadays. 
cars. You're not hot wiring shit. Uh, Fuller, yeah, has criminal background. It's all been explained. He can hot wire away. I think it really is the good side of exposition. All this kind of initiating skills can use later on, all the backgrounds, and they don't go massively into explanation and then let him do anything of kind of roguery and skullduggery after that. Uh, but he hot wires a car and they drive off towards this town. Uh, you see glimpses of Rusty during all this as well. He's a trucker stereotype, wearing a sad lumberjack shirt, jeans, got a bit of stubble. He's got that, that nice pouchy belly. Yeah. Yeah, he's a trucker. If it was the middle of the day, I'd expect him to have that little trucker sunburn as well. Yeah, he gets way more in shape as these movies uh, progress and taller. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to take time to work on himself, too. Yeah. Somehow, uh, Rusty has parked the truck in a motel. Well, not in the motel. He's parked the truck somewhere outside the motel a while away. And he's managed to carry Ben outside the truck, presumably kicking and screaming. Uh, and no one seemed to have given a shit. That a girl's being carried by this giant trucker into a motel room. Hey man, that's motels around here. <laughs> it's really that bad. <laughs> I mean, you know yeah. what you're paying for when you go to a motel. Yeah. <laughs> there just might be screaming. Yeah. <laughs> I, what I enjoyed is that this, this town, presumably, its chief economy is motels. Because there are like so many. five or six of them. <laughs> and nothing else. There's just motels. That's all this town is. And Fuller and Lewis, they're just screaming, frantically knocking on all of these doors until they get to the actual motel where Venna is. And then it's like a nice, calm little, Venna? (laughs) Hello? Venna? (laughs) Like, where did that urgency go? This is the only motel left. That had to be it. I feel like they realised if they carry on doing this, we're going to get punched. Eventually, someone's going to yeah. grab us and pull us in. If you did that around here, if you're not door to door at 12 at night, eventually someone's throwing a bottle at you. Especially in a motel. I mean, we just covered that screaming is the norm. People are not going to hesitate to just punch you or stab you or threaten you in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when they get to the correct hotel, uh, Rusty pretty much recreates the setup they did with the whole prank call in room 17 and 18. He sends them to room 17 where previously the arsehole would have been uh, with a bottle of pink champagne. They step in. It's empty. Meanwhile, Nena has been strapped to a chair. Uh, They didn't use tape because obviously tape hurts like shit to get off, but it looks like she taped down. They used, I think it was cling film and shit on the actress. That makes sense. Yeah, I was wondering how they did that. Yeah, because packaging tape, they would never have gotten that out of her hair. If nothing else, like, they would have had to cut that out. Uh, And she's been tied to a chair. There's a bit of string that's attached to the door and uh, a hunting shotgun, sort of, just, like, stuck in a drawer. Just a double barrel or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, or it's a shotgun that's going to blow her to kingdom fucking calm. Should the door be opened and have it set off? Uh, she, during all of this, uh, tries to escape. Not a terrible idea. She uses her watch, gets the little pins out, and starts tearing at the uh, elastic tape. Uh, it fails. I, I, 
I do like the character of Venna because throughout all of this, she's been, you know, mostly willing to confront what's happening. Maybe a little bit rash at times, but she's just kind of charged headfirst into all of it. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, nice to not just see her screaming and freaking out for 45 minutes like we get in the last one of these movies. Or where we have Lewis and Fuller in the room next door whispering a plan to each other with the phone right next to Lewis's face. Yeah, he does like, a half-hearted attempt at holding the bottom of the phone. But like, uh, I can't imagine these walls are that thick, mate. And that phone is just not going to do anything. I, luckily, Rusty doesn't hear any of that. Uh, basic plan to have Fuller go around the back and ambush or whatever. Was Lewis doing anything during all that? Just calling the cops? Although I do think Rusty had called the cops ahead of time. He had he? did, yeah, yeah. he had called the cops. He said, I'd like to report That's a dead body. Right. Yeah. So right. he was counting on the cops coming. Because I think he was counting on even if Lewis and Fuller didn't get there in time. The cops were going to kick the, the cops were going. Yeah, yeah, they were going to kick the door in. So yeah, Fuller going around the back in this little creepy alleyway that's set up behind the motel rooms for storage and the like. He's going you know, window to window, checking on everything. Uh, starts getting ready to open up the window and then's ambushed by Rusty who pulls him through, hand over mouth, and Fuller gets a uh, full look on the site of the uh, setup Rusty's had. It's not quite as sorified as the second and third films kills. It's not, you know, like some fucking mousetrap ridiculous you set off this lever and this thing goes off, this thing goes off, and then he gets his hand chopped into. It's a yeah. very similar yeah, string on shotgun. Quite sadistic. Which, to be fair, in in one of the Saw movies, that is one of uh, Jigsaw's earlier traps. Yeah, Saw 2. Yeah, is a yeah. basic uh, shotgun setup. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Rusty, Rusty is the early blue collar jigsaw. Yeah. Working man's jigsaw. Yeah. <laughs> the people's jigsaw. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think one real bad note I have against the film is that they show Rusty Nail in probably too much light here, and you hear his voice as well, which clearly isn't Ted Levine, uh, which is a shame. And not enough to detract from the scene, but enough to get on my nerves. Yeah, they could have easily shot it in a way where you don't see his mouth moving, or he could have just like dubbed over it or something. Because okay. dubbing is not like an unusual practice with movies. He's broken through the back window, um, and basically he sees uh, Rusty and Venner in the chair. Rusty comes up to grab him from behind, just like starts covering his mouth while Lewis starts trying to open the front door. There's a little bit of a scuffle. And I don't think he bites him. I think it's literally just like he kicks him away for a second, shouts, don't open the door. And then that stops Lewis. Yeah. Yeah, he like slides his hand out from under Rusty's mouth or something. He he manages to get his head free He's, just enough. He slides his hand out from under Rusty's mouth. Oh, it's like Rusty trying to like, yeah, kiss him or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Other way around. He slides yeah. his mouth out from under Rusty's hand. <laughs> We've been talking about this movie for longer than the movie actually is. Yeah, he actually found Candy Cane. He's like, I'm going to fucking kiss you now. 
Turns out you were candy cane all along. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it works. And Rusty kind of takes it out on Fuller as he uh, Fuller falls for a pipe, battered, and then Rusty somehow in the span of, I think it's what, 30 seconds, managed to grab Fuller, silently, mind you, without Fuller screaming, turns him round, puts him against the fence, managed to break the pipe, pull it through his leg, uh, and prop him up to be bashed by a truck later, which is impressive, borderline impossible. Yeah, he also manages, during all of this, to escape to his rig and like drive off in the distance to get like a running start yeah. towards the motel. Such a huge head start. Yeah. Enough to cre- enough to give them enough time to create that tension of you know, Lewis having this standoff with the police being like that's my brother! That's my brother! I've gotta go help him! Don't shoot me! And then he just runs yeah. off. And then he gets to Fuller and Fuller's just like, pipe! <laughs> Talking about the police, if I was a cop I, uh, so the police, yeah, they get there, they start bashing room to room, announcing as they bash in each room that they're clear, just so, you know, the bad guy knows that he's about to be attacked and can shoot the door now. Uh, as they bash in, guns on on uh, Lewis, it's a guy who's currently standing over a girl with a shotgun that's just gone off. She's strapped with tape. I feel like I'd be tackling him. And if he tries yeah, to run out the window... I'd be shooting. Uh, Lewis is just really lucky he's white. Yeah, that would have went... He would not have survived dry. any of these encounters with the cops so far, otherwise. It'd have been dead at the first fucking act. Oh, it, actually, no, it'd just be, your tail light's gone. Is it, officer? Right, off the fucking jail. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot the truck! Shoot the truck! Yeah. And then the cops do! Yeah, they just like, shoot at the oh, truck! Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, I just... <laughs> no hesitation, just shooting away. They don't notice it for a while somehow, and then, uh, oh, fuck it, yeah, there's a truck there, shoot it, sure. Uh, I, yeah, it was just like the corpse of the ice guy put on uh, the pedal. Yeah, somehow he's been driving around with this corpse for however many days it's been now. A weekend of be fair, he's had ice, so... Does he have ice? He destroyed the ice truck. He yeah, might not have had ice. The ice went everywhere. He could have collected. If he's collecting the ice, man, he's getting the ice. Give it a refrigerator. You don't know what's in his truck, to be fair. Yeah, he might have just had a container full of nothing, so he could have put the body in there for a bit. Container full of um, what was that shit they used? Mercury on the mummy. Oh yeah, yeah. Container of um, taxidermy goods. <laughs> you never know. Uh, yeah, pretty much everyone's saved. No one actually dies during this, or none of the main cast dies. Charlotte's found in the truck. Well, luckily the police had already cleared all of the hotel rooms. Yeah. Most of them. Talking about everyone surviving, Rusty, of course, is also alive, and confirms this on the CB radio in the last scene of the film, where the police mention to the kids that it was uh, some ice trucker, and gears start turning. Not quite there yet. Until then, Rusty does phone up on the CB. Does he ask about candy cane or something? I can't sure remember now. No, he meant he he says the whole storms come in and he says that whole catchphrase again. Rain washes everything clean. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. Foreboding there was. Yeah, and they hear it in the 
ambulance as they're getting checked. The storm of shitty sequels. Do you have any idea what the other endings were supposed to be for this? Uh, I know that they were like 25 minutes long. Oh it, it's wow. not like a tiny like, bit at the end. It cut out shitloads of it. Uh, I know the one is where they Lewis ends up fighting Rusty one-on-one uh, with like a crowbar and a fucking sword or something. <laughs> that would have been incredible. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I am I'm glad they went with it. this one. Uh, the ending is pitch perfect for a film like this. It's a little understated. There is um, obviously the truck going through the side of the building, but there's not some ridiculous, you know, 80s style quips being put back and forth from the hero and the villain. It, it's kept within Rusty's kind of mantra of work. Yeah, uh, one of the endings, uh, Lewis jumps into the truck and plows into Rusty Nail. As he's walking away from the truck, Rusty Nail grabs him from underneath the the truck and tries to pull him back. Uh, Fuller runs to the front of the uh, to stop the police from entering room 18, but they hold him down and bust in anyways. So I assume Venner's dead in that one. I remember that there's one where the shotgun goes off and Lewis orientates it in such a way that hits Rusty rather than Venner. That was one that wasn't filmed. Um, yeah, out of all of those, I think I like the one that we got. Yeah, this is probably the... I don't know that the most realistic, but out of all of those options, probably. The most satisfying. Yeah. The other option is Venner gets out of the chair and shoots Rusty with the shotgun and that's it. Okay, I could see that one happening. I mean, she seemed the most competent of the three of them. Oh, yeah, most competent. We're talking dumb and dumber and a normal human. Yeah, it's, it's not a question of most competent. She's fucking sky. She's leagues ahead. It's it's the difference between fucking Heather Mills and Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt is just the better runner. She is just <laughs> yeah. the more competent person. Yeah, that's the end of the good film of the franchise. So, Joyride Two. Subtitled yeah. Dead Ahead. Uh, UK, they've given up on the roadkill thing. I imagine they've realised that no one's fucking watching either of these two things and don't care. Also, I feel like Roadkill 2 Dead Ahead is a much weirder... That's a weirder subtitling. Yeah. Dead Ahead doesn't really... It's just like they're looking for, like... They're scrambling for some kind of pun for yeah. it. Why didn't they do Dead End? Dead End would have been much Instead better. Instead of Dead Ahead. That, it just sounds like there's a bit of possum. We're <laughs> 50 metres down. <laughs> Less intimidating. Uh, so, director of this one, uh, Lewis Monroe, who did a load of really terrible horror sequels, uh, Werewolf the Beast Among Us, Hitcher 2, which, uh, I can't, oh god, it had a subtitle to it. It was like some generic, some people shouldn't be picked up, some thumbs should be left unseen, uh, that kind of shit. And a film called Carnosaur 2. Uh, I believe it was a seven year gap between the two films. Yeah. There's people obviously clamouring for a Joyride sequel. Yeah. The beloved franchise. Uh, so beloved they managed to get. James Robert Johnson, who I've not fucking heard of, did film called In the Blood, uh, Santa's Little Wait, Helper. is it Santa's Little Helper or Satan's Little Helper? Santa's Little Helper. Oh. Yeah. Never mind then. Yeah. Satan's I was about to get really movie. excited. Satan's Little Helper is 
Is that the dog from... Uh... Something I think everybody should experience at least once in their life. So is that the dog from The Simpsons? Santa's yeah, Santa's Claus Hopper is, yeah. Yeah, he also did The Howling Reborn, uh, which interesting franchise. First, what Howling, very good. Second one, with Christopher Lee, where he loses all of his dignity and Sybil down and gets the tits out 20 times. That one does have to be seen. Uh, alongside writing Bennett Yellen, which is a great fucking name, he wrote pretty much everything that James Robert Johnson did as well. Uh, alongside every Dumb and Dumber uh, franchise film and TV show, everything to do with Dumb and Dumber he's been a part of, one way or another. Uh, kind of setting up the calibre for the film, to be honest. It's the Dumber and Dumberer, that sequel. What a weird niche to have. Yeah. Like... I, I want to be involved in all aspects of Dumb and Dumber. Like, that's how you can describe your entire career. I feel like that's a weird claim to fame. I'm the Dumb and Dumber guy. I feel it's like being a local news anchor. It's like failure of a career. To say that you, you're <laughs> intimately involved with Jeff Daniels' career, that's miserable. Uh, Cast-wise, so leading the pack, uh, we have... Do, 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 do. Laura Jordan, who plays Kayla, the older sister, the one getting married. Uh, she was in very little, actually. It's happened to three uh, film called Berkeley and Camp Hollywood. All of them meh. Yeah. Uh, Nikki Acox, her little sister, uh, playing Melissa, who been in Jeepers Creepers 2. Uh, Supernatural, as it happens. She's in the first season. Uh, and... Uh, Dead Birds, which is a film with, not Joaquin Phoenix, the other one, like Michael Shannon, uh, about... Joe Quinn Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> I get them mixed up, like, uh, uh, it's Michael Shannon and Joaquin Phoenix? Yes, yeah, just Michael Shannon, in a Confederate film, uh, where a load of Confederate soldiers get harassed by a ghost in a house. It's actually really good. Wow. I, think I was going to say, I like that premise. Yeah. It's Michael Shannon's first proper film. Uh, I think all of, like his first actual venture into the limelight does a really good job as this kind of cowardly soldier. Oh, Michael Shannon is also from here. Man. Yeah, isn't that weird? Lexington's weird. Yeah. Kentucky bringing all the big stars. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, we gotta have so- something good. <laughs> something moderate. <laughs> Two lads. So there's Nick Zano uh, playing Bobby, the groom-to-be who was in Final Destination, the Final Destination, not the original. Think that. Yeah, the, the 3D one. one. Yeah. There is a distinction, a very big fucking distinction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two Broke Girls, the show, The Waitresses, which is yeah. awful. And, uh, I'm pretty sure he was in What I Like About You, too, with Amanda Bynes. No really fucking idea. Things. Legends of Tomorrow, <laughs> the only other big thing. That DC show, which was decent, to be fair. Uh, and then rounding out the main lot uh, is Kyle Schmid, who plays our resident, was it, third wave emo punk yeah. oh, God. poser. <laughs> I did research into what third wave emo punk was because it was so specific and I just wanted to be sure I knew the exact uh, specifics of what that meant. I don't think they do. You got one up on the film. Well, it was, it was so funny, too, because he's, like, acting all badass and stuff, but the third wave emo punk is the, like, pop punk, uh, well, saves the day, brand new type 
of bands. So like the the least hardcore of of the emo genre. Are we talking about Bowling for Soup? Yeah, yeah, like that that era. It's uh, let's see, late nineties, early mid aughts. Some forty one. Those kind of guys. Like, yeah. Yeah. So like for him to be so pretentious about that's what his signifier is is like really funny in a way that I doubt they meant when they wrote the script. Yeah. No, yeah, they could have took that joke fairly far if they'd have actually done it intentionally. But yeah, talking about knockoff stuff, he was in Blood Ties show and in the USA version of Being Human, which is uh, not just a pale imitation, an insult really to an amazing UK show. Uh, vampire Ghost yeah, Werewolf in a House Have to Live Together. Really great show in the UK. Awful US remake. That's what we're good at. <laughs> and then rounding out, Rusty Nail, uh, this time played by Mark Gibbon, uh, who plays both the physical aspect and the voice, who was in The Chronicles of Riddick, uh, Underworld 5, and the Fairly Odd Parents films. All of them. That inexplicably. <laughs> yeah. You may have to look those up. That's what he bills himself with. <laughs> I will say that his voice, um, the change in voice was not as jarring from the first to the second movie as it was with the third movie. Yeah. It goes generic, but it's still fairly horror. I, I could live with it. The third film is just shit. This one, it's, it's well acted at least. Boring, but well done. So, I nothing really interesting to say trivia-wise. Just a quick thing that the acting and sound design has taken a nosedive, more or less. Big time. Every time they were outside, like, you could tell that they had audio issues. It didn't ever sound quite right when they were standing around outside of a vehicle. There were multiple moments that I was just like, this doesn't feel like it's synced or edited just, just right. It was distracting. Sound design is completely incompetent. Completely useless. And whoever edits the music, I, I, he's fucking made me, like, he's lost about 10 decibels from my hearing range from the fucking jumping, silence, silence, fucking booming music, then silence. I've lost, like, the first octave on my fucking keyboard. So, do want to make mention as well, this film set in Las Vegas, uh, which for some reason horror sequels seem fucking obsessed with Las Vegas. Did, to be fair, did they ever actually make it to Las Vegas? No, I think they're like in the outskirts. No, they're, yeah, they're on the outskirts. I imagine they can't afford Las Vegas. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. And it, it was released uh, straight to DVD. Hostel Free can afford Las Vegas. That's a sad sentiment if you can't even get to the high rises of Hostel Free. <laughs> <laughs> talking about torture porn that's more or less what joyride becomes in the second one definitely the third one so i went down a whole rabbit hole with this because i was like why is there such a shift between in the first one where we don't really see him directly kill anybody we know there were a couple of deaths but it wasn't so overt and then this one like we get this like whole situation where he's got the sex worker hanging out the window and smashes her head within the first five minutes and i was like what is this and you know it just kind of continues throughout the whole film and i was like what is this sudden change 
And uh, the first four Saw movies came out before this one, and they were making significantly more movie, more money than this franchise. And I think they were really just trying to cash in on that and not successfully in any way, shape, or form. I would imagine it was probably part of the pitch, too. Like, they were trying to get this movie off the ground, and they are like, okay, well, if you're going to do one, uh, torture porn's kind of the thing right now, so you should probably try and throw some of that into this movie if you can. Which they did so in a really not-so-good way. Yeah, I mean, talking about success, I do like to try to find budgets and uh, box office if I can. When a film fails, I usually can't. They keep it fairly hush-hush, and surprise, surprise, I couldn't find the box office or budget for either of these two. I didn't find the budget for this one, but I did find out that it made $4.3 million from DVD sales. Oh, God. There's no box office because it was not released to theaters. I know budget-wise, the first film was $23 million. Wow, that's, that's a lot. For... That's a lot, considering they only made $36 million off of box office. It's kind of surprising why they would like greenlight a sequel. Uh, Ted Levine's got to cost a bit. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, I can't imagine anyone being overly zealous in paycheck. Must just be the truck. Oh, J.J. Abrams, actually, he costs a bit. Not to a project still. I think, yeah, that'd be true. Is it fairly established at that point? It, like in like the early 2000s? It done lost. Some of it. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, along with crappy sequels in Vegas, film, yeah, as you said, starts off with an early kill. Which I don't have a problem with, if done right. And I think the film that does it right, uh, talking about least favourite scary movie, Scream, I think does it perfectly. Where the first oh, yeah. kill acts as a catalyst for the action as you go on. It yeah. holds relevance. If you have just a kill for kill's sake, it's pointless. Cut it. Hey, it's not pointless. Because I came up with this beautiful pun that I'm way too proud of. Which is the sex worker's about to get nailed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't written that one down, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> I saved up all my stuff in the third film. Yeah, it's fine. I'm so looking forward to it. Because say I didn't mind like how um like in the beginning though, he like when she first gets into the truck, how he's like basically just a silhouette. Like, the way that they cast the shadow on him. They keep it like a mystery still in this one. I thought it was a just a kind of a cool shot of him. It kind of... It was a little bit creepy, at least. Yeah, uh, they do the best they can to keep him as hidden as possible. A pretty good job throughout most of it. They managed to retain that kind of atmosphere of he could be anyone, could be anywhere. I will say that in, like, every every sequel that we've done on this kind of uh, on this podcast at this point they've always had like boobs in the second film and this one literally started off by going okay here's tits in the first two minutes and then we'll have a very easily escapable death like just at the start like i've written i've written in my notes she could have literally just lifted her head and not smacked against that um container yeah, she didn't try very hard to not die. <laughs> yeah. Although I did appreciate when he was, uh, you know, he did his whole I like the rain speech. Oh, and yeah. uh, she was just like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, cool. <laughs> like, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Preachy paid off for a joke. It breaks the tension a bit. And it's not 
kind of like, I don't know, I'm 14 and deep writing. <laughs> if you can have a little laugh at it. Uh, the actor of Rushdie now, he does do a pretty good job at most of it. His voice is so generic, but it does retain that sadistic mania that the first film had. Less uh, just insane and less accented and a bit more calculating, but it's still pretty good. So, our actual main cast of people are four of the biggest arseholes I think I've ever seen in my life. Two of them I'd punch. Immediately. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was the exact same point. We start off in a car. There's a... Is it a jump scare? It... It's a prank that I... It's a generally harmless prank, I think. Where they freak him out about, you know, oh my god, we're gonna crash! You know, nothing original or anything, but I think something everybody's done to somebody on a long car ride. Yeah. Yeah. Because they gotta show that these people know each other and they have fun and they sure can pal around, right? (laughs) But they also like playing pranks, which got the first people into trouble in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. This is by far and away my biggest gripe with the first act. So their dialogue is the most contrived shit possible. All of it used for exposition. Yeah, the whole sis thing. Right, sis? Yeah. Haven't seen my sis in a long time. And we gotta get you guys to Vegas so you can get... You can have your joint bachelor and bachelorette parties as is trendy nowadays and then you can get married. I mean, they've got stuff in there as well. Uh, like with the bike that you have a little bit in and the blood later where randomly the woman will say, oh yeah, I know a thing or two about bikes. I had a boyfriend back in the day. No, it didn't go anywhere. And with the blood, she says, I can handle blood. Why can you handle blood? I just can. Uh, and I mentioned during The Mummy in the last one about Chekhov's gun and how the 1958 version kind of failed to use it because they didn't introduce a plot point soon enough. You can, of course, go the other way too hard. With Chekhov's gun, uh, you introduce a plot point to be used later on. If you introduce too many plot points and you over-explain too hard and you hit us over the fucking head with the thing. It's less Chekhov's gun and more just bashing us with the fucking butt of it until our head resembles the hooker's face. It's <laughs> insane. We, we get it. She can ride a bike. You can just have her ride a bike. I will take the assumption she knows how to ride the bike. I gotta, I gotta rewind to the sex worker again real quick, just because that was some awful fake blood. That's one of those things I was talking about. They took red paint and splattered it on the side of that truck. It was bright. It was not the right kind of consistency. And it was just bad. Just bad. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I can add much more on that. It was just terrible. Like a fucking Jackson Pollock painting. It's always glowing. I think at this point, that's what we sign up for. <laughs> Just bad. Oh, for sure with these. I think, because we've got the three pack with like all of these special features and stuff on it, and I think we paid $7 for it, so yeah, they know that's the value of these movies. What are the special features? Accurate? Is there anything interesting? They have a lot of commentaries on the first one, at least. I didn't really review yeah, we... much of them on the third, or on the second one, but um, uh, on like... the 
third one, they had a whole one about finding Large Marge, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, because of that waitress that they call Large Marge. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar the with that. The Herman thing? Yeah. Oh, God, the, yeah. That, that, they were trying to do a Large Marge cut. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. Oh, God, that, yeah, he said the kid mentions it. I have a whole section of my notes in the third one about that. Like, how is what looks like the youngest person of that whole group the only one that's familiar with Pee-wee's big adventure? Yeah. Like, none of that makes sense. To be fair, the only thing I know about Pee-wee Herman, it, I've, to be fair, I'm 20, but uh, I know that, yeah, Large Marge, he jacked off in a porn theatre and he did an advert on crack. To be fair, that's not like Pee Wee Herman the character. Is <laughs> <laughs> that not in his character? I, I give him credit though. I mean, he like that guy in the movies twenty like, at like in two thousand eight. He's twenty in two, uh, 2021 and he knows like Pee Wee's big highlights. Yeah. <laughs> Pee Wee's big peepees. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with the cast. As the three of them driving along. So, yeah, there's uh, Bobby, uh, generic groom. Uh, Kayla, generic wife, who has a history, Kay- a bad past. Kayla's the sister. Melissa's the Melissa's the wife. Uh, the wife, the bride-to-be. Oh, IMDb. Huh. IMDb. No, cool. I got it in the notes. Oh, okay. Never mind. Melissa's the blonde, Kayla's the brunette. Okay. They call each other Mel and Kay because they're, you know, super close yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you wrote names. I didn't get that far. Mine's Juck, Snakebite, Goldie, and Sister. Snakebite. <laughs> sister. <laughs> that fucking That's works. everyone in my notes. <laughs> it works. They drive along into a. Uh, at a petrol station in the middle of nowhere. Uh, driving to Vegas, I think the line was something along the, the groom asked, why didn't we fly here? And again, this is hitting us over the head with an answer I don't need. I'll just take a, you wanted to drive, you had a car. Yeah. I mean, road trip, part of the whole Vegas experience, presumably they're close enough. Yeah. Yeah, I said something about I haven't seen my sister in a while and I want to spend time with her. You know, you can spend time with her in Vegas. Yeah. That's kind of the whole point. Yeah. I know the destination and journey and all that shit, but for God's sake, it's a bachelorette party. People are waiting for you. And what are you going to do with your sister in the middle of a desert? How much stuff can you... Yeah, car rides are boring. Yeah, I'm going to say, I've never felt less close to my sisters than when we're doing a long car ride together. Yeah. That's just a recipe to like find everything that you find annoying in another human being. <laughs> I think you have to be much better people than this group of people is to actually bond on a car trip. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, drive along to this petrol station and uh, the other arseholes introduced. Uh, Nick. God. I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> I don't know if they were trying to make him the most hateable person imaginable, so it's more satisfying when he's died. I think they attempted something like that. Is it, They can't have honestly tried to make a normal character. They yeah, didn't I would hope that's the case, because just, he's so insufferable. I 
genuinely don't think they had the common sense to do that, or at least claim they did that. I think because about halfway in, they're like, "Oh, he he's got like problems at home, and that's why he's like this." And oh yeah, it doesn't help. I still want him dead, but it's not enough because he's just such a shitty person. He's just such a shitty person, and it's, like, even as more stuff is revealed about him, it makes him less sympathetic, almost. I just, he just seems like he's an angsty teen still. I don't know how old we're supposed to believe he is. Old enough to have resorted to online dating, MySpace. MySpace, MySpace Which was, like, probably, like, on its way out at this point. 2008? No, no, that was, um... Oh, he's no, a wait, hipster. No, yeah, that is on its way out. That's right before Facebook. He's a little there. hipster. He's going to be going on the old stuff. Yeah. He's not hipster. He's third wave emo punk. <laughs> we just talked about this. Don't get it wrong. Same fucking difference. <laughs> uh, pretty much ru- ruining the uh, bachelorette party that happens as he's introduced. Is he is uh, boyfriend of the sister? Yeah. Who? Uh, who? When her older sister is rightfully like, hey, should you just, you know, be hanging out with a guy you've never met in person? Um, She responds, I googled his name. Yeah, that clears as a background (laughs) check, apparently. Yeah. I googled his name. He's not a murderer. The bride-to-be has a go at her for inviting him. Uh, And she says, you know, why didn't you tell me you're inviting him? And she responds with, because I know you'd say no. In which case, the nice thing would be to not invite the guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's her party. She's allowed to say no. It's a fucking bachelorette party. You're going to Vegas. If you need to get yourself filled, there are people around that can fulfill that desire. Not difficult. Just go go to a strip club. Grab some guy. Nice and dope. You don't have to grab some weird, disgusting man off... uh, Especially for a woman, it's really easy. If I didn't want to be single for a weekend, it would be really easy to not be single for a weekend. You know? Like, why did she do this whole online meetup? This whole, like, bizarre thing, too, of arranging this weird gas station attendant. (laughs) I'm gonna exchange bodily fluids with you for the gas. And bread jets. It's weird. It's weird and overthought out, and... And uh, it might just be me, but if I was planning on meeting a girlfriend I met online, uh, I was getting the bus there, I'd rather go to Vegas straight up than take a bus to a random gas station in the middle of nowhere and hope she turns up. I don't know, personally met online, I'd rather actually go to the big city, meet them there, so I don't have to be in the middle of nowhere on my own for a while. Yeah, yeah, that's a recipe, like, on either of their ends, assuming the person you are talking to is actually a murderer, this is the perfect situation to get murdered. Even without that, just being catfished, you turn up into a petrol station in the middle of nowhere, you're fucking stranded. Well done, you idiot. What kind of bus drops you out in front of a gas station in the middle of nowhere anyway? I, I don't think he was thinking, like, oh, what's probably going to get me killed quicker? I think he was like, which is the quickest way to get my dicky sticky? <laughs> yeah, wetter than 
fucking Lewis in the last one. <laughs> Dumber. Yeah, he wasn't thinking with the upstairs brain, let's say. Oh, talking about big brain moves, uh, he pretty much ruins the journey and starts the film off by telling Bobby, who they're currently driving down a highway into Vegas, which, I mean, I know the American highways built uh, fairly late when cars were about, some of them. And they're fairly direct, most of them. They're quite straight, from what yeah. I gather. It's yeah, like, they're they're boring to drive through, but they are really, generally, as long as there's not a major accident or construction, the fastest way to get between two points. Especially if you're relying off of a paper map. I mean, our roads are shit. They're, they're absolutely rubbish. They curve. They're, you know, on-ramps everywhere. Fucking traffic lights are just awful. And so, yeah, back roads for us you know, might be faster, depending on the traffic. For them, I doubt the dirt road that Nick points out and says will be faster than the highway well, that it's parallel to would actually yeah, be faster. That's the confusing thing, is it runs parallel. <laughs> so it's the same length. I will also say, he's a stranger that has literally just turned up. Why the fuck would you listen to him? He's so fucking condescending during this part, too. He's like, um, I look at it, sweetheart. And then he's like, it's simple physics, which, first of all, that's not what fucking physics is. I just, oh my god. It, yeah. And he's sitting backwards in the car the whole time, which is just not proper, proper yeah, safety. Yeah, that looks so uncomfortable, yeah. too. There's no way he was enjoying that. He's he just like, went all cool. He's a goddamn edgelord. I just don't Hipster. Like him. I don't like him. Yeah. He'll put himself in harm's way to look fucking cool. Yeah, I want to kill this kid <laughs> so badly. <laughs> it's unfortunate that he survives for so much of the movie. Yeah, they uh, take the dirt road, travel all the way down it. Uh, eventually the car breaks down because they're driving on a dirt road. And it's an old car. They make they make a comment that it was their grandmother's car. Yeah. Which, Jesus Christ, all the more reason to stay on a main road where you're more likely to have regular exits and access to people should your car give up. Yeah, they end up uh, walking down the road, leave the car, and bump into... He's currently not there, but Rusty Nails own a boat. Apparently, at some point, he decided to take a little jaunt from Nevada, where he lives, and drive all the way down to... California to mess around. These films kind of ruin the whole Rusty Nail law. Yeah, big time. Yeah, it's much easier to think of him as not having a home and not having a prized vehicle that he doesn't also care about destroying later. Uh, the whole thing is just confusing. The only thing I think they got right about his house is that it's in the middle of nowhere. Like, yeah. away from literally anybody else. But I would think that he would have, like, a very complex home security system, too. Well, I, mean, I could imagine something like bottles and rocks, but... I don't know if his house was out... Like, it, they say it is, but when you cut to the next shot, when they're looking over the edge of the... the um, like the drop that's literally just outside of his house. You see like six different other buildings behind them. Seriously? Yeah. yeah I, didn't I even missed catch that. that. <laughs> literally, uh, they look. They run to look over the side of this like uh, sheer drop, 
And then when the camera pans up to look at them, there's like six buildings behind them. And I was like, oh, uh, I guess we're not saying that he, that he lives on his own then. I guess they could explain it away by like, oh, that's that's a that's a shed or that's a that's the garage or whatnot. But with like six different buildings in the background, I'd probably say no. Yeah, there were two in the film that you used. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's just something I picked up. Yeah, so walk along the road. Uh, third wave emo punk continues to wear his jacket. He's he wants to be more punchable. See, I have a theory that this is because um, his tattoos, which we la- we later find out are fake. I think it's because he doesn't want them to like sweat off. Mm, I could see that. How stupid do you have to be to claim to have tattoos? Yeah, I know. It was so lame. Does that mean he hasn't showered? Because he spends like three days with them, right? Huh? I thought it was all within the span of one day. No, because yeah. they go to a hotel and uh, or a motel after they take the car. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that's right. Well, okay, I I had other issues with the whole tattoo thing though because he is able to like rub it away real easily when he's like, no, 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 they're fake, and then he just like rubs it away. But it would have been smudged at the very least before that if it can rub away that easily. Like he doesn't even like lick his hand before he tries to wipe it off or anything. Yeah. It, it's just. Confusing. It'd, it'd have been sweating like a hooker in church walking up that yeah. fucking road in a leather jacket. You could have a rowboat fucking follow him along with that thing. It, they'd be gone. How hard is it just to get fucking tattooed anyway? Some dickhead like that. I'd have some barbed wire or something. I imagine he just keeps a sharpie in his pocket and it's like anytime he goes to the bathroom he touches it up. Yeah. <laughs> Study gets worse and worse. More and more contrived. <laughs> Hey, is your tattoo getting thicker? <laughs> uh, so they find the house. It's locked. Surprise, surprise. There's mail that's, I think, what, six months old, I think they say. There's food in there that's been expired for about a year. No one's been here for a while. Uh, a long road trucker. Yeah. I'm, I'm presuming at least, uh, you know, seven years since that's how long it's been since yeah. the first movie. I like to imagine he spent the time in between just uh, driving along looking for Lewis and Fuller and Venna. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's just... Because you know he wasn't going to let them live the rest of their lives happily. There's something happening in between these movies where he's getting his full vengeance. That last thing is just like sends off notes occasionally, like little Christmas cards. Just to remind them. See, like, I thought... um, So whenever they break into the house and then they make it to the garage and find the car. I thought that it was going to be a reveal that the car under the sheet was going to be um, Fuller and Lewis's car from the first film. But then it ended up being like this like brand new car. So, that would have elevated this movie so much in my eyes. Yeah. Like just that little touch. That would have been a pretty good like twist sort of thing. Or at least like a wrap up. But it it's it's the little scene where they're walking through his garage and uh, what is clearly a car under a tarp. Uh, Snake Bite obviously goes, what's that? Yeah, pointing towards the car-shaped object. What's like he, that? 
yeah, like he's terrified. Like he says it like he's scared of something, not like, oh, that what's that? That's not an explanation. He was he sounded like he was terrified of something. <laughs> Why is the car under a tarp when it's also inside of a garage? That's a good point. It's like not To be fair, he ha- if he hadn't been there for seven years, the dust could have collected, so maybe he just wanted to keep his baby clean. Fair enough, I guess. Although he does not hesitate to smash that piece to shit yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah, that's the point. He doesn't seem to have much care for it, so he fucking rams it. And then, this is where we get the first uh, line with the title of the movie in it. Let's take this baby for a joyride. <laughs> I think, to be fair, because it's that cunt, more in the British term of the word than the actual American one. Yeah, I was going to say, that actually sounds like it matches the definition you gave earlier that they are stealing the car and driving it for a bit yeah uh, i think it was like 1971 chrysler or something all right it's a nice looking car uh fueled up and everything no one questions all of that and i'm pretty sure that um gas can go bad if it's sitting there for too long yeah i like... don't think it lasts longer than like five years yeah, so depending on how long he's been gone, that car might really, truly not be drivable. Rusty also left the keys in the, uh, what are they called, like little flaps at the top? Overhead. Sun visor, yeah. yeah. I don't feel like he's the type of man to do that. I don't know. It, it's almost like he's asking for somebody to break in and steal his car so that way he can get his little bloodlust out. Yeah. He's not a man that needs fucking... Um, a reason. Poor Hooker at the start. Uh, oh, yeah, and uh, just so we don't top over it, our host of very likeable characters have at this point broken into Rusty's house, smashed a window, smashed a door, and ate his off food. Uh, they also, yeah, they, they say we can't stay in the desert overnight, we have to leave. You are in a house, for fuck's sake. You can stay in the house overnight. No one's stopping you. If I, I don't know, if they were in the house, would Rusty have killed them? Probably. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, he would have. I think it would have been a little bit more interesting, too, to like have them staying in the house and then his like truck pulling in. Yeah, turn it into almost like a reverse home invasion film. Yeah. That would... You know what? You were rewriting this movie a lot better <laughs> yeah. than they originally wrote this movie. Yeah, it doesn't take much. <laughs> Oh, you mean you had an idea? Yeah. Well, you just start off with the title card and go straight to end credits. That was a better written film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they take the car, drive off into the distance. The bride leaves her phone number uh, to pay for the damages of the broken door, which her uh, groom destroyed, and the window, which Nick broke like a prick. I don't know why they did that. I mean, clearly there's no one home. Leave it as a douche. Everything about this movie feels unnecessary. Yeah, I think he was just trying hard. I don't know. I can't tell if they were trying to like get across that he was just trying really hard to impress um, the girl that he was with or something. Because yeah, that's obviously not. Well, I don't. I don't know if that's how he is, but like he's not as hardcore as he comes across he's later such on a in the film. Try hard. Yeah, though. that's his thing. 
this is just a tryhard. He has this image of himself, and he wants other people to have this image of himself, but it's just intolerable. Either way, the film tries way too hard to just ring it in, push against it. Uh, yeah, so they get to a motel, sleep for the night. So at this point, either the third wave emo punk has sharpened the tattoo back on or has currently got the sweat of, what, two days travel God. in the sun? Can you imagine Prob- riding in a car with that? Ugh. Yeah, probably more than that, to be fair. And presumably told his new girlfriend, no, I don't want to sleep in the same bed with you. To save off that tattoo problem. That would be an interesting conversation. Third wave emo punk waits till marriage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they end up at a diner. Uh, get out of the car. Go up to Harley Davidson. Not my kind of bike. I'm more a Triumph. Yamaha kind of thing. But I know they're popular around Nevada. Popular through a lot of the United States, yeah. honestly. They're a lot of money for what they are. Yeah, they're, they're kind of a status symbol amongst a certain type, so. I've heard people putting dampeners on them to get rid of the noise, and they can be a good bike, but you just pay so much fucking money for them. Uh, they use it as a way of introducing the fact that the wife can ride a bike, which, as I said, again, you could have just put her on a bike and I'll just assume she can ride a bike. I don't need explanations on this shit. Uh, the truck also drives past with Rusty, who uh, beeps his horn. So, just before this, uh, Rusty drives back uh, to the house to obviously see that it's been broken into. But he drives back with a trailer. He drives back with the trailer on the back. I know it sets up later, later on in the film because he uses it like a like a torture room or whatnot. I love but... the shot of the truck in front of the house because the truck seemed angry. I don't <laughs> like you see the truck outside and then the steam come out of the exhaust pipes and I was like, oh, that truck's angry. <laughs> like, not that Rusty was angry, but the truck specifically was like this. There's rewrite number two where uh, a team up with Rusty and that truck from the Stephen King film, Maximum Overdrive. Oh. Yeah. This movie could have gone in so many better directions. Did he have like a torture chamber in the back of his truck? Because um, I thought that that would have been better, but I thought he had it in his shed. Yeah, it, that is in the sh- it is in the shed. But he he hooks up Jack to like the uh, rolling door mechanism to kind of hang him. That's right. Him. Yeah, I forgot about that. I I understand it was like to set up that part of the film, but I've literally written on my note. I was like. What? I don't think normal truck drivers are allowed to take trailers back to their own house because they don't own the trailers; they just own the truck. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Oh yeah, this film plays fast and loose with truck rules. Oh, the wife later on uh, drives the truck around, which yeah, there's yeah. no way. Even if she not like, that's a whole different set of things. It's not as bad in the third one as where the guy learns how to operate a crane, but oh god, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, she's just like, cool, I can get in a truck and drive it well enough to uh, set up this whole thing where it drives off the cliff. Like, Yeah, I've not driven a truck. Uh, bear with me, I played Euro Truck Simulator 2 and failed at it. That's about my <laughs> breadth of knowledge. It's fucking hard in that. 
Yeah, I just drive on the wrong side of the road. That's all my bike problem is. I can barely imagine that. I don't know. There's like six gears added on top of the normal ones, and you've got to keep an eye on all sorts of shit. Obviously, when you turn backwards, left, right, right, left, you can't see shit. It's horrendous. No way could you drive that fucking thing. It'd stall immediately. Can we pause for a second? But getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, at the actual diner, they all sit down to eat. Nick, once again, a bit of an ass, thinking that the waitress has a double-barreled name. I think there's some snide remark in that. Kind of, she trailer trash or something. Yeah, he's definitely acting classist as shit. Way over it. Um, especially when you find out later that his dad is a trucker. Like, <laughs> I guess that makes sense about like his negative comments about truckers when he's in there because he's just calling them like yeah. you know shit. He's projecting his own daddy issues. Yeah, but it's just like I, I liked the waitress too, and she was like, uh, "My name's Jolene, so I guess you lost the bet." And I was <laughs> like, "Hell yeah!" And then I started singing Dolly Parton to myself. <laughs> but yeah, he starts going on about truckers slagging them off. I feel like he'd have had the shit kicked out of him, his head caved in. I mean, at the very least, somebody's gonna, like, pour a drink on him or something, you know? I just, the whole thing is... He's just such an asshole, and I don't know why, you know, the three of them didn't just leave him there. Because at this point, it's like, is it worth having him with you for this entire weekend in Las Vegas? Is it worth having him with you in the car for another ten minutes? Mm. Yeah, honestly, I thought... If this movie, where it, if if in this film he went to the toilet instead of Jock, I think this movie would have been over by like just going, yeah, yeah, keep him, yeah, yeah. for sure. Be right. We'll uh, we'll see you later. We won't even call the cops. Don't worry about it. Which speaking <laughs> of the whole kidnapping him. thing, like how was he able to kidnap Bobby from the bathroom in broad daylight without any notice? Like, the guy... I feel like the guy obviously would have been, like, kicking and screaming his way out, but he just managed to sneak out, drag him all the way to his truck and drive off without being noticed. Also, why... Why is Melissa assuming Bobby didn't have to shit? Yeah, like, that's she's, true. <laughs> she's very concerned with how long he's in the bathroom. I Like, you know, you've been eating junk food for at least a day like you know yeah. maybe he's having issues give him some time give him some maybe space maybe she's got separation anxiety it's fine that's <laughs> what he's like insinuating too like talking about how she can't even like last 10 minutes without him right there which i think that's fair criticism i'm with him on that one yeah yeah it's it's a little bit you know like she sets up those alarm bells a little bit too early i mean she's not wrong but like how, how did often, she know? Yeah, yeah, like how often does this guy get kidnapped? Like, <laughs> God damn, he's gotten jacked from the bathroom again. <laughs> yeah, after this film, she put a GPS tracker on him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, to be fair, at least in this one they keep the kidnapping secret. They don't show how it's done, so it's not. It doesn't look as ridiculous as it does in the third film. No, it's it, right, It's still shit. Uh, the trucker. Oh, he starts phoning them up after that. Is they've given the number, uh, gets through to uh, Melissa, the uh, bachelor, et, and fairly calm to begin with, calls her Goldilocks and says, you know, free, free little bears and all that stuff, which is a nice little nickname. Yeah, it, it, it has that misdirection there for a total of 
30 seconds before yeah. he reveals that he actually knows that she does have blonde hair. It's for misdirection, I think, could have been kept up a bit longer because he then, on your pretty blonde head, and the girl says, how do you know I have blonde hair? Which I, if I was to truck him, I'd keep where he's going, would simply respond with, no, Goldilocks does, and I'm, you know, do you have a fucking six-second memory? I called you Goldilocks, and I'm continuing that line of thought. I mean, he could have made this whole thing so much easier on himself and been like, oh, well, I'm home now if you want to come drop off the car. And yeah. they could have been like, yeah. And then he's like, cool, welcome to my torture garage. Like, guy, It's like a pastime for this guy. It's this hobby to just track people down in this giant truck. It's like a challenge almost. He likes the hunt almost as much as he likes the rain. Exactly. Uh, oh, yeah. Has to be mentioned for I forget the music. Terrible in this in this specific sequence. If you are watching it, the second they realise Bobby's kidnapped, uh, turn your fucking volume off, mute it. It's deafening. Uh, cinematography as well, and this is terrible. Uh, the director of photography is an idiot. Uh, it, they slow it down constantly. They do this weird kind of pool green grass whole thing as well. With the, uh, it's just awful. Did you see that when they get out of the diner? It just goes into like half speed for a bit. I missed that. It's terrible. It's like lagging almost. And they get into the car, which has CB radio already in set. And yeah, it's told to break their phones, to which Nick says they shouldn't. Which he's that he's actually not wrong. Yeah. About the psychological impacts of doing that in terms of like a hostage negotiation situation. He's not um, wrong. He's not wrong. He's still an asshole, and I still hate him. But about this one thing, he is correct that once they do this, he's going to know that he owns them, and in some way, psychologically, they've already started trending themselves towards doing what he says. Yeah. The problem is he does own them. Yeah. It That's doesn't matter what you do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Rusty tells them to break the phones and they do so. Roll over it in their car. Uh, at which point I'll be looking around to see where his fucking truck is. Personally, yeah. because clearly he's there watching you. Yeah, look for the truck with somebody inside of it. Look for someone, someone staring down at you. Yeah, you're at a truck stop. Most people are inside. They're not going to be sitting in their truck on the radio staring at you yeah, i'm starting to think this could be like an optimus prime situation where he can like turn into like a truck at any point <laughs> rusty nail is the truck yeah that's why the truck was mad earlier yeah <laughs> <laughs> one hive mind uh, and then yeah he gets a bit sorry with uh the little sister kayla is uh told to go lose a game of five finger fillet told to cut for her own finger uh, and give it to him because she gave the middle finger earlier, flipped the bird. And they they kind of talk back, debate on the whole thing. You get the exposition about Nick's dad being a trucker, which, I, fuck off. <laughs> uh, they make it to the morgue. Uh, they come up with a plan, a really terrible plan, which the film, to be fair points out is terrible but I mean you can point out stuff stupid but if you write it that way you're making your characters look stupid 
Because yeah. uh, yeah, the the idea is to get a dead finger, to cut off a finger from the morgue, and use that in place of a real finger. Which I think any adult would realise that dead things don't have circulation; they are already you know graying. Although to be fair, she does almost cut off a live finger oh, of yeah. the man sleeping on the table. Which why would she try and cut off a man's finger? And why is there a man sleeping? In the morning. I've slept weird places at work when I needed a nap. I'm not yeah, judging to be, him. <laughs> to be fair, I, I I probably shouldn't say this, but I have slept in a hospital on a gurney. So, did you? Did you also have it like stocked up with beer? <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't stock up a, uh, a cooling unit with beer. No, I just had like a theory that this guy is maybe like. Um, a necrophiliac or something like he's like, got the beard on there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a fun time for him down there. Ew. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a good thing. It's just <laughs> that, uh, that that little fake scare. Because obviously, when um, quickly going through this, when Kelly's getting the finger, yeah, she nearly cuts off the finger of a man, which is going one step further. Of of course, that's not going to fucking fool him. Yeah. <laughs> Ends up cutting off the finger of a woman. More boobs. For the necrophilia fans out there, I suppose. Uh, she cuts off the finger, walks out. Uh, while she's going, another worker within the morgue goes over another coroner. That's the word. Uh, Bold-looking, creepy guy in a white coat. Do they accuse him at the start of being the trucker, or is it just he works there? No, just that he works there. Yeah, just that he works there. And they were panicking because uh, obviously the sister hadn't come back yet and he was already going in. And literally as he opens the door, she comes out. So Yeah, and no one decided to make a distraction. I think they, they try to, but they're held back for some reason. I think that they were out there as lookouts, but they didn't have a plausible... Way to warn her. Way to warn her or way to distract anybody if they came back. Like, they were out there as lookouts with absolutely no plan on what to do, which was kind of pointless for the purpose of a lookout. Yeah. And uh, this guy, he walks over towards the... There's some steps that go down to the morgue. It's in a kind of basement thing. Walks over to the fence, looks at the fence, sees that it's open, and there's a little bit of music, you know, tension. Ooh, is he going to go down? And he shuts the fence. And then walks off, which I think, to be fair, contributes to the whole necrophiliac idea of I don't want to fucking go down there. Yeah, I'll just shut yeah, the fence and walk away. He's busy down there right now. Uh, yeah, everything's fine. They go for another fucking fake, fake out with um, him telling them to move on because they can't park there. It feels like padding. Yeah, kind of. It also feels like this guy just kind of hates his job, like. Or he just is like super into it. I think yeah. he, I think he hates the guy he works with. He's just like, oh god damn it. Yeah. Just looking for excuses to get out and just like. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about you guys. I actually quite like this next scene. I like the switcheroo that they do. I, I think they actually got to play the other truckers, a fucking idiot. But um, I actually quite like the strip tease bit. Not for the strip teasing, but the the kind of um, bait and switch. Yeah. yeah, the bait and switch, I just, the line where he was like, she said, 
who are you? And he said, I could be Kenny Chesney for all you care. And I was like, do the writers think that women find Kenny Chesney sexy? <laughs> and then I was like, do people that listen to Kenny Chesney find Kenny Chesney sexy? I googled him and I don't see it. Uh, why is that what they went with? Uh, he's a trucker. He likes country. Kenny Chesney? Maybe he likes Kenny Chesney. I don't know. It was just weird. There <laughs> are different truckers. 2008. How many country fucking stars do I actually know? I know Toby Keith. That's about it. And he ain't <laughs> a locker. That's about all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, that scene was kind of... Um... I thought it was kind of funny. It was just kind of ridiculous. Like, how he ended the scene, too. He's like, I like them big circus boobs, you hear? Yeah, I like the phrase circus boobs. I really appreciated that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't understand how her bra and panties were so white. Because the whole sweating, being out in the sun, there would be sweat stains. Yeah. I, it's just unrealistic yet again I mean, that's this scene I, I like it but it is fucking ridiculous uh, so starting with the trucker he seems offended that this woman is insane because she starts rambling on about where's Bobby where's Bobby uh, and he drives off yeah this is a woman who's stripped Bobby. in front Bobby? of you yeah. Bobby Bobby <laughs> a woman who's stripped in front of you in the middle of a desert for no money, and you've been told to sleep with you. Of course, she's fucking mental. At, like she doesn't seem into it. No. At, just the whole thing. No, but nobody here is quite right. And so the rusty timeline. Which, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm going kind of off the top of my head. So he knows they went to the morgue, and he presumes that they took out a finger. Uh. A dead finger. He then sets up the meeting with the other trucker because they did that. He has his truck somewhere around the other trucker's truck, close enough that he can sneak in their car and place Bobby's finger, but far away enough that they don't see the actual truck during the whole commotion with the striptease, where the trucker as well doesn't see a fully grown man sneaking into their car, placing a finger in the uh, compartment, and then sneaking away while his headlights are on. He is trying to find the circus boobs. That's true, yeah. He is a little distracted. He's looking for other things. I will say that the dude in the, the truck is recording it. So if anything, she could have just gone, do you mind if I look at the recording to see who is like, just sneaking into my car? <laughs> that's a point actually uh, I feel he's, he's got to have noticed it through the recording something you'd notice a guy as big as Rusty opening a car door closing the car door and everything else Rusty's proven to be a pretty nimble truck driver light on his feet yeah and apparently can open and close a car door without making a sound yeah Rusty's gone from like competent fucking SAS soldier to superhero at this point. And it, I think it only gets worse. I don't know how he saw him go to the morgue either. Is he... 
how no one saw the fucking giant truck that's been following them all day. You're in Nevada. Not everything's moving about. It's not quite as busy as a highway around Wyoming, for fuck's sake. Somewhere along this point, I didn't write down who said it, but somebody said, heck of a joyride, isn't it? And I feel like they were making up for last time for not including a joyride line in the first one. Gotta make it two in there. Yeah, they're like, is joyride two? We're gonna say joyride twice. (laughs) Yeah. There we go. (laughs) I did appreciate the pun counter in this. Keep it up. Third one's really good for it, but uh, I get a few good ones out. I get a bit more with Rusty, which I think the scenes could have been cut. Should have been, really. Early Rusty scenes. Uh, Just really to establish him as a vicious psychopath, which we know he's kidnapped someone and locked him in a truck. Uh, As he just buys some cigarettes, leaves Bobby untied, just tells him not to do anything. While in the truck, Guy goes over, sees that Bobby's tied up, and uh, proceeds to try to open the door normally, presuming it'd be open, and is then killed summarily by Rusty by putting a bit of chain against his mouth and pulling. Yeah, he had another uh, jaw being ripped off. That's I guess that may be how he did the original jaw ripping. Yeah. Does that mean he took that tool into the candy cane room? I thought that he, like, kidnapped the guy in the original one. Like, he might have done that um, in his truck. Because they said they found him, at, like, in the hi- like on the highway. Yeah. Like, not in the not in the hotel room. Or motel room. This bartender, though, I gotta say, when Rusty goes in towards the cigarette vending machine, um, he was like, you gotta be a member to be in here. <laughs> okay, be quick. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, there's like he, no fight. He had absolutely no balls for that situation. Yeah, then then Rusty gets to say, uh, did you see me make that guy's jaw drop? Oh, God. <laughs> he got better. He got better. He missed the butt of the joke moment in the in the first movie. Yeah, he's also and, making up for lost time. Yeah, yeah, he's like, all right, all right, what's a good job then? <laughs> uh, it doesn't look great, the distended jaw. It's just a badly made prosthetic. Yeah. Yeah. They end up, eventually, the main trio at like an abandoned industrial estate, a residential estate, filled with truckers, strippers, drug dealers, the ne'er-do-wells of society. Yeah, it's a, it a really sketchy place. Well, why did they end up... Did he tell them to go there at this point? I can't remember how they ended up there. I think yeah, so. uh, at this point, she goes back to the car. She find, uh He tells her to look in the glove compartment where he find, uh, they find Jock's finger. Said that's what a real one looks like. And they said, if you don't listen to this next one, I'm just going to kill him, basically. So they were like, drive to this, in, uh, drive to this place. And then um, when they get there, he, they get another uh, message on the CB saying, check the boot. And that's where like the dress and the wig and everything was that the hooker was wearing at the start. That's right. Oh, sh- I, I didn't even put that together. That was her stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because he makes her take off the wig and stuff. Yeah, okay. Well, okay. And they're like, yeah, make the make the dude wear it. 
And then God, this, the, uh... this guy, Jesus Christ, I just, hmm, I hate this whole scene for so many reasons, and if I didn't like Nick, if I didn't dislike Nick enough, all of this, like, transphobic shit right here, and just... Well, there's a question, does Nick make a more convincing woman than Lewis? Yes. Um, his voice is not nearly as good, but I think he does a much better job than Lewis. He's got very pretty legs. Yeah. He passed as a woman uh, pretty well, I thought, with, uh, like, whenever he's at that scene where he stumbles in the um, the middle of the road and those two trucks pass, like, right by him. Like, looking at him at that scene, I remember just thinking to myself, wow, he actually kind of does look like a woman here. Uh, he would have pretty much got away with it. Gets kidnapped, I think. Following trying to refuse, obviously, he, he tries to say he's not going to do it and he'll let Bobby die because it's not him. God, I want to hit this guy. Yeah, no. like they basically force him into the clothes and the makeup and all that and basically like kick him down the street. But uh, I, I, is there like truck drag racing or something going on? Yeah, which it's... I thought that was very strange too. Cause... Yeah. It seemed like they had to kind of shoo away for like trucks to be there, so they're like, ah, we'll have them racing down the down the. Yeah, somehow I doubt that this is a real thing that happens. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. It's like they built up their own little society down there, like that it's infamous strange. PC game, Big Rigs Over the Road Racing. <laughs> There'll be some fucking truck racing out. It'd be a shit race. Top speed yeah. of 55 miles an hour is just zooming along. Mine goes nah. from 1 to 60 in about 10 seconds. It's probably pretty interesting, though, when you're high on meth, which <laughs> they all seem to be. Driving a truck, that, that seems unhealthy for everyone around you. I just... Also, drag racing something that big in the dark with people milling about It just seems like there would be casualties. I don't think that they would care. I just... Like, Rusty, uh, like, he didn't exactly do it, like, out in plain sight, but he didn't really seem to be super discreet when um, robbing or kidnapping um, Nick. Like, I don't think people are really bad an eye at anything like that. That would probably be pretty common. Yeah, and I mean, Kayla was right when she was like, hey, this is obviously a trap. We need to go out here and try and find the truck. When he said that he'll reunite you with Bobby, Yeah, it, it, that doesn't mean he's alive or that you're going to be alive. Yeah, he, throughout the whole thing, he like very carefully chooses his words. It's kind of obvious he is not really going to hold up his end the way that they hope. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, I think the safety regulations on the meth-addled drug drag racing truck place in the middle of nowhere probably subpar yeah <laughs> i'd imagine their hygiene rating would be less than average uh, i don't know it might Nick... match snake bites <laughs> <laughs> yeah he fit in pretty well have you ever seen stuff a place with a hygiene rating lower than five dots oh yeah 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 i don't think i ever have i think in this fucking place we get it We've we've got in the UK like this um, hygiene rating system where you get one to five things that everyone posts. I think legally in front of your shop window. It's up to a hundred, I think. 
What are you like, talking about? I'm like, not even familiar with this. No, like the the health department. Oh, the health inspections. Department. Yeah, oh. they have they have the post. They have to have a posting. Ours is up to a hundred. Yeah, yeah. Ours is like just five green dots. Obviously, one's the lowest and five's the highest. Can and they? Pretty much... Can a place legally operate with one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? Nice. <laughs> what? They can they can legally operate with one, but it's oh like needs improvement, sort of thing. So it's if like, ours we'll come get down back. too low, they get closed. Yeah. And it's not super low. There's, there's plenty of little chefs yeah. that... Oh, my God. oh, little chef's gone under now. Well, might be fucking why. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, back to the track. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Nick's fucking kidnapped. Is it off screen? I can't remember. We see, it. We see like him come up behind him and like cover his mouth. Yeah, he like grabs him and like just like carries him off. Was it around other truckers? It's mm, not no. that discreet. Like he, I don't think he does it like right in front of everybody. He's between a couple of trucks. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Because Nick is supposed to be getting crank, and he's going around going crank. Yeah. <laughs> mouth very quietly, and then he like basically stumbles to the other side of the parking lot into the shadows where Rusty is waiting for him. Right, right, yeah. It's not that hard to get crack. <laughs> Fucking hell. I'd, I'd imagine even a dickhead like him has got to have bought weed at some point. Oh, for sure. I think the problem is, the assumption is that he would be trading sex for the meth. That was yeah. all the offers he yeah. was getting. And that's all, yeah, that's all anybody was saying to him, and obviously I don't think he was not wanting money. to do that. Yeah. He could get away with a blowy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd keep the disguise up. <laughs> so, yeah, but he's kidnapped, and Melissa and Kayla currently disguised in hoodies. The oldest disguise that exists. <laughs> kind of gambling where they're doing their spy stuff. Sticking to the shadows. Uh, eventually, do they spot he's been kidnapped? I can't remember what sets them off, but they get to their car. They, they see him get kidnapped, and then they see him driving off, and then they decide to follow. And then, like, they um, they lose him, and then they like, get at the end of the road, and he sneaks up behind them. Somehow, yeah, somehow he manages to get so close behind them, because his lights are off. Yeah. Which, apparently, if your lights are off, that means your vehicle is completely silent. silent. (laughs) He's got the Prius of semis. Yeah, that's what I was actually thinking, really. Yeah, and he uh, rams the fucking thing. Super unrealistic crash. The the way the car flips is so inconsistent from shot to shot. Yeah. It's like they took as many different angles as they could and they didn't care if it matched up in any kind of mathematical or physical way they're just like make it look intense make it land upside down that's all they were going for and then i had remembered that one of them dies yeah scene but i Uh, never remember which one the younger younger sister i know but like i was watching it and i was like i know that this is supposed to be an emotional moment because one of the sisters sacrifices herself for the other but I don't know which one. It just... Yeah. Eh. I didn't realise she was until at the end of the scene. I went, oh, she's dead. <laughs> it's glossed over so fast. And she's so willing to immediately go, I am dead. Leave me. 
Sis? I am sacrifice. Yeah, I, I feel like you've written it pretty well in your notes. She was unwilling to sacrifice a finger, but as soon as it was like the car's lying upside down, she's like, yeah, just leave me. I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought, like, this, um, the older sister, like, when he was driving down the road, she could have at least ran out the car and ran to the side of the road to at least maybe divert him away from the car. Because I feel like he would have gone chasing. I, I did like that at least... Kayla figured out what he was doing because I feel like in every other one of these movies as soon as the truck drives away they're like oh good he's driving away and yeah. never coming back and she was like nope he's backing up and he's gonna hit me like at least she didn't try and have that denial moment there so that was a little bit nice Yeah, she could have at least gone through the five stages just fucking something yeah. rather than static I don't care straight to acceptance her, her last day on Earth, she spent with the biggest asshole ever that she voluntarily chose to spend time with. Like, she was like, maybe I just don't make good decisions. It's yeah. Nah. Might be why she's nah. willing to die now. It's just, uh, at least I don't have to deal with that shithead anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rusty, you are doing me a favor. I did not know how I was going to get out of this one. Uh, talking about bad car explosions and crashes. Ridiculous, the explosion on the car now. Oh my god, yeah. There weren't any body parts mixed in with that, which was my biggest problem with it. Uh, mine was more like the Semtex explosion. Yeah, <laughs> it was like a giant explosion through like a just a small car. Which was the whole reason he was chasing them in the first place, because he stole the they stole his car. Yeah, all I've all I've put in my notes is kill sister and a nice car. More upset about the car. <laughs> Uh, the truck driver, Rusty, drives off as Melissa goes and gets a bike, breaks into a place, steals a bike from like a dealership or something, a mechanics. I thought it was like the original place that they saw the bikes at the first time. It was like a, it was the diner, right? Yeah, it was like, it was a police bike or something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've put scene where Goldie runs around a garage... Didn't learn the lesson the first time and steals a bike. Um, but learned to not leave a note. Yeah. She, so. she learned the lo- the wrong lesson. Yeah. yeah. But it, it, I think it's during this bit where the best scene I feel in this film, well, for me, is where they're playing the craps at the table. Yeah. I thought that was, was a good one. I was immediately pissed off, though, because Nick is like, where am I? Right after they had flashed to that wall of the like the numbers and the body parts, which we made a point of pointing out earlier yeah. in yeah. the movie. He made a point of pointing it out. You know exactly where you are, Nick. You know exactly who kidnapped you. The, the part that bothers me the most in this scene particularly is Jock is like, yeah, I'm not doing it. But obviously he gets forced to. Whereas Nick is just like, yeah, I'll roll. Fine. Yeah. Like, he yeah. sees Jock's, like, like uh, kneecap being smacked oh, with, like, a large god. hammer oh and sledgehammer god. or whatnot. Oh my god, I couldn't deal with that. Yeah, <sighs> it looks horrific, but... I don't know how he walked at all at the rest of this movie. Adrenaline or not, that... 
There's no fucking yeah, way. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even think about that, but yeah. I thought that, um, like, whenever he originally had that, like, um, uh, tool or whatever, like, laying up against his collarbone, I thought it was going to be, like, collarbone, which is, like, that'd be a little bit more plausible. Yeah. To give him, mo- like, mobility at the end. Yeah, no, but a fucking kneecap? Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. You're, if your knee is that fucked up, putting weight on it, even even with adrenaline, that's just your body doesn't move a certain way at a certain point. Yeah. Has the Saw fan gone squeamish? I, no, this isn't me being a Saw fan. This is me being a person who's had knee injuries. <laughs> I <laughs> I completely, like, uh, my knee went completely the wrong way a few years ago, and I couldn't put any weight on it, so... No, I can't. I can't do knee things anymore. It... You get the kneecap. There's also the uh, branding with a rusty nail. Yeah, <laughs> in the shape Chicken of an R. R. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was funny because uh, Rusty's clearly getting pissed off at Nick and tries to rip out the lip ring, which is fake, and then Nick apologizes for it being fake and not actually <laughs> ripping through his lip. <laughs> Jesus is pathetic. I do think that uh, Nick Zano did a better job acting in this movie than he did in The Final Destination. The Final Destination. Uh, Yeah, actors... To be fair, the guy who plays Nick doesn't do a bad job. It's just the writing's god-awful for him. I don't think anyone's terrible. No one's good, really. Probably the best Rusty Nail again. The guy who plays him. Does a pretty good job to try to reply. I mean, you're not going to price Ted Levine, but yeah, does it? yeah, yeah. Obviously, uh, House always wins in Vegas, and Nick is killed. Yeah, pickaxe to the skull. I I thought Bobby had a nice compassionate moment with him there because he knew what was happening. He's like, "All right, Nick, just look at me. Just look at me. Just like I mean, you know, it was a nice little moment of." Humanity. It's too good for Nick. Yeah, with these, yeah. I mean, these characters are just so terrible. It was nice to have a nice moment. Yeah. Can you imagine the reverse? Would he have laughed at Bobby? Would he have been sitting there praising God? Oh, fucking. Yeah, he would have been just so glad it wasn't him. Yeah. I mean, clearly, they let the better of the two live. Although they tortured the shit out of Bobby beforehand. Uh, coming to his rescue is his wife, Melissa, as uh, Bobby, from what I gathered, he was placed hanging up by a chain that would strangle him or pretty much hang him. Basically, uh, the automatic door at the back of the trailer, basically Rusty Nail had drug him out, tied him to that with like a chain around his neck, and then basically put the up and down switch just out of reach of his feet so he's still technically tiptoeing on it yeah more saw imagery there yeah it's like the the um the ice block thing from yeah. the fourth. third or fourth third and fourth yeah. technically yeah and he needs to like keep his foot on a button or something or it yeah kill him uh no no uh it's literally he's okay if he's not pulled up any further so basically every time he touches the up button he starts to choke himself out but in the trailer 
there is very clear like large circular like holes that you could clearly put your feet in so you can release the tension from the the chain around your neck. I think Rusty planned to like go for a drive on bumpy terrain or something. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Before being interrupted. That would have been an interesting scene. Yeah. If if it had gone like halfway down the road at least and like had a little chase with the police bike, Rusty thinks yeah, it's the police or some shit. And watched him desperately try to keep up, that would have been quite nice. Yeah. Rusty instead gets out of the truck and because it's the end of the film becomes a grade A moron. And just starts rather than taking like a wide perimeter, which is what I'd do. With a truck, you know, you can't see the back end of it. You can't see who's under it. But you've got a lot of open space and you're a big fucking guy. Uh, I think Melissa, she was hiding on the, on the back door on the far end and Rusty's just walking down the side of it. If you were to just, you know, circle it a fair amount, you'd see anyone. I mean, you're in fucking Nevada, it's a desert, there's nothing around you. Uh, Melissa does hit him in the back, does a double tap. Oh my god, yeah, I made a note about that. Like, why would you not double tap in this situation? You made a note about it, and you shouted at the TV about it. Yeah, it's so stupid. (laughs) Yeah, she... I was bothered that she popped the windshield out of the truck and then is driving so fast, but doesn't seem bothered by the wind or, and like the wind isn't even blowing her hair, first of all, like, and she's just like eyes wide open, no issues. Like, that's not realistic unless you're going five miles an hour. Yeah. Also just her driving the truck in general, but I was so annoyed about the windshield thing that I didn't even pay attention to her not knowing how to drive a truck. Uh, meanwhile, Rusty uh, holds onto the top of the cab of the truck, eerily fucking reminiscent to Wishmaster 3. Oh, I made a note that was um, r- reminded me of uh, Halloween 4, like with Michael on the top of the truck, like busting in through the the window on the side. Yeah, and trying to like, reach through. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, uh, it's ridiculous, the end, like five minutes, the battle back and forth. Uh, which Rusty survives fucking somehow after falling down, what was it, like a hundred foot drop? Yeah, yeah, basically yeah. she does the typical, like, I'm going to put a brick on this uh, gas pedal and jump out when it's close to a giant ravine or something. And the jump is pretty unrealistic too, because it's it's high up, and she manages to jump and tuck and roll and not have any scrapes or bumps or anything. And also, the shot made it seem like she was so much closer to the ground than she was. That annoyed me too, because that's just it's just not it's not accurate. Yeah. And then fucking yeah, right, yeah. Bobby has to do the whole. Is it over? Why do people always say that at the end of horror movies? Like. God, I hate it. It can be done right. Like, it can be done right, but did he need to say it? No. Was it necessary? It should be over. Like, the guy fell off of a cliff and yeah, in a giant truck. How does he survive half the shit in this movie? Like, And even if it is over, it's not over for you, Bobby. You gotta get your leg fixed up. You guys both need some intense therapy. I'd maybe push off the wedding. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not over for you guys. Even, whether or not Rusty Nail is still alive, it's not over. Yeah. 
Oh, he's, he clearly is as a first fucking film. And God knows how he does survive all this shit. Yeah, I, it looks like he has like severe burns when he opens the uh, truck at the end of the film. The truck oh, door. Oh yeah, I forgot all about that whole ending. But which is, they don't even return in the third movie. No. I don't have the budget for the burns. I don't have a Sandor level budget. How many trucks has this guy gone through? Also, because he's destroying a truck per movie. Uh, three if you include the ice truck so far. <laughs> Plus his own personal vehicle. Plays very laissez-faire with his fast and loose with his own possessions for a man who lives in a house in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't drive through his own house. <laughs> Final two survivors, the uh, groom and soon-to-be-wife. It's going to be a fucking awkward bachelorette party, isn't it? Mate, <laughs> I'm trying to think about their wedding. He hasn't got a finger to put the ring on. Oh. What um... happens then? Do they put it on a different finger? Just like, a, you make like a Play-Doh finger, I guess. Just like, you know, just for the wedding. We're going to put it on your pinky finger. You're a pimp now. There you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be fair, you put the ring on... You tried to put it on two of the incorrect fingers at our wedding. So I didn't know I about mean, the whole process yeah. until like, they're like, put the ring on the finger. I'm like, what? On your finger? <laughs> I was like, this, this wasn't rehearsed. Nobody thought we needed to rehearse that. Yeah. <laughs> Mercifully finishes there. That is terrible. Would you say it's... that that was the least favorite out of the three for you? No, no, no. the third no. one is worse. <laughs> Quick answer, okay. <laughs> I'd say it's the biggest drop in quality between the two. Oh, for sure. Yeah, this this one definitely let our expectations down. But I mean, <laughs> we still love it in its own way because we like these little trash pieces. Oh yeah, no, it it. I don't know what I expected the first time I saw it, but every time since then I've been like, hell yeah, let's watch some bad blood, let's see a couple titties, let's have some weird good lines. titties in this movie. I said couple titties, I didn't say good titties. Okay. We didn't get our circus boobs. <laughs> yeah. Dead titties and meth titties. Yeah. Subpar. It's like a line in like a song, dead titties and meth titties. <laughs> <laughs> Impressive fucking song. So, Joyride Free, we'll jump straight into cast and crew. Uh, director uh, and writer, his own little magnum opus, his own baby. Uh, did Declan O'Brien? No, the O'Brien. Uh, uh, I know, Steph's watched Sharktopus. And can you vouch for its quality? I can vouch for its inquality, yeah. <laughs> Is it like meant to be bad, or is it like? Yeah, I, I, I think man. it's supposed to. Well, I think it was before everything was supposed to be ironic, where like Sharknado came. It was before that. I think it was like in the like maybe early, uh, late nineties. I think it came out. Oh, so, yeah. Channel so it's bad CG. So we started yeah. with that. It's horrible. And yeah, uh, I'm a bit out of my depth with the other stuff. He directed Wrong Turn, or is it Free? Four and six. Three, four, and six, yes. Which is how we are the most... We're most familiar with him for those yeah. pieces of work. We marathon that whole series, I think, like two months ago. Yeah, so. it was a... I don't... 
Trav has been wanting to watch the Wrong Turn series, but, like, we bought them years ago. Yeah. Or Travis bought them years ago, and I always found excuses to not watch them, and then I finally gave in, and it's just... Those ones in particular, like... So, <sighs> um, he doesn't exactly do uh, good work with them. He doesn't... He, he did doesn't... good with one of them, though, and I think that was just, like, a whitening in a bottle, like, just he struck gold type of thing. I think he's thing. never met human beings, because he, he can't write realistic yeah. dialogue for shit. Yeah, his writing is not good, but he's passable as a director, I think. Not awful, not... It's the writing that really is just, like... Yeah, his writing he's is... He's got a signature in a very not good way. Yeah. You can definitely tell a Declan O'Brien... Uh, movie apart from anything else has that feel to it it started off it started off immediately like um like you know full full boom in your face fucking which is how all of the wrong turns he directed started off yeah that's true like immediately yeah lots of sex he loves a woman on top yeah <laughs> That's why kinds of directing just can't get enough porn. Yeah. Free way of doing it. I think I think he wants he wants to like really enjoy porn, but he feels bad about it, so he's like, I'm gonna direct horror movies instead. I could see uh Joyride Free just ending up as a softcore porno towards the end just with a huge middle plot. The acting's there. Yeah, the acting is not good at all in this one. No. I felt like the uh, the beginning of this movie kind of played out as an anti-drug PSA. <laughs> it's, uh, she's so into, like, getting this meth that it just basically ends up, like, being the cause of her death. I think it could have been, like, a good... What was that program that we had around here? Dare. Dare. Yeah, we had a anti-drug campaign when we were kids in school called dare and they would show not quite explicit videos like the beginning of this movie but there were like always videos to make you afraid of drugs yeah kind of reminded me a lot of that oh we had explicit that like show you drug addicts dying oh Again, really like that yeah Do beautiful you... mind stuff have you never watched those those uh like psas from around the world of Different countries, British PSAs like, are fucking brutal. I don't think so. Oh my god, I love watching those on the internet. We'll have we'll have to go down a YouTube rabbit hole later because they're, um, they're fucking insane. I saw one that Taika Waititi, the guy that did uh, yeah. what we are or what we do in the shadows. what we do in the shadows. Yeah, he did one for New Zealand that was um, it was really good. It was funny more than scary, but it was effective. Off the top of my head, there's an Irish speeding one where. Uh, guy to the sound of Guns N' Roses played slowly uh, crushes and kills a load of kids oh in the car. Oh god. That sounds There's... more like an anti-Guns N' Roses yeah. ad. <laughs> There's a Canadian one where a woman, and you see the burns on her face, accidentally slips and sets herself on fire with grease after saying oh! she's going to be married. Yes, and my favourite, one... the rape that whistle one, one where they're at a, um, a Canadian birthday shower uh, the pregnant woman opens up a gift from her mom and picks out a whistle and says, oh, what's this? And her mom replies, it's a rape whistle. That just cuts completely dead. What the fuck? 
Tony Smith's statistics is the best part of the whole thing. It just says one in two Canadian women will deal with physical or sexual abuse. One in two. Fuck me, Canada. uh, Oh, man, that's a lot of information to process. uh, Yeah, I know what I'm looking up after we're done recording. All of these people have been in some sort of Lifetime or Hallmark Christmas movie. I was trying to figure out if I knew any of them from anything, and every time I scrolled to one of their IMDb pages last night, it was like, In Love at Christmas, Christmas Chateau, Snowmance. Yeah, start with that's fair. Jesse Hutch, uh, who seemingly typecast into Christmas romance films, the first, like, nine of them, all Christmas romance films. Harvest Moon Christmas, Snowman's Let It Snow, Becoming Santa, Naughty Elf. Oh. <laughs> I like that one. Which I'm not convinced isn't a porno. <laughs> That's a very specific subgenre of yeah. pornography. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Benjamin Hollingsworth, who plays Mikey the Mechanic, who's in a good wink Christmas. Uh, colon meant for love which is the worst titled christmas romance film ever Uh, also in virgin river which seems antithesis of that and code black uh probably the most prolific of the lot if it can be said uh go to plays jewel the blonde uh who's dating the main race of jordan uh played by kristen kirsten kirsten prout uh, who was in Electra, the awful Daredevil oh, wow. spin-off. Oh, I forgot that maybe existed. Oh, She's shit. like second build in it as well. Wow, she fell hard. Yeah, Kyle XY, she's in as well, offline. Uh, offline, from what I gathered, it was a film about social media being deleted and then the world going into pot. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Actually, if I scrap that, probably the most prolific, Ken Kersinger. Not for the right reasons. He plays Rusty Nail through this voice and body. The worst Rusty Nail of the franchise. Yeah. Uh, generic in a stale way. Uh, it was in Wrong Turn 2 for uh, Declan O'Brien. Got his mitts on the whole thing. Uh, also in a film called Hot Rod. And took over from Kane Hodder as Jason in Freddy vs. Jason. Which yeah. is a travesty. We actually watched that one like a month ago, too. Yeah. Damn shame Kane Hodder couldn't get that. He did want the role, but uh, for one reason or another, they didn't want him back. Yeah, I can't imagine Kane Hodder turning that down. He seems to be, like, really into playing Jason no matter what. Because he was in Jason Takes Manhattan, which is a really shitty Friday the 13th. I love Jason Takes Manhattan. For the wrong reasons. <laughs> for the right reasons. That was his favorite? What are the wrong? What are the right reasons to love Jason Takes Manhattan, Travis? I don't know. But why was that? Did he, did he say why that was his favorite? Uh, so no trivia for this one because the film is bad in a very boring way. Uh, our notes, at least mine, the last two took up like three, four pages each. This one, I just about managed to get one and a half. Because nothing happens. So yeah. much could be cut. I spent so much time on IMDb during this movie just because there was nothing to pay attention to. 
Yeah, this one's definitely the shortest for me, too. You don't even have a full page. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, I've got six bullet points. One of which is, why am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> is that at the end, or is that halfway through? That's about halfway through. So bullet point three? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. With pointlessness, start off again with a ten minute sequence of random pointless violence. Uh, two, was it meth addicts? Yes. Very Crystal much Crystal so. I was a little bit annoyed because we don't see Dick. And I just feel like it's so not brave to show two fully naked people and you see all of Candy, but not all of whatever his name is. Yeah. I respect a horror movie that will drop Dong. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's not like they have anything to lose either, because it's like a direct-to-DVD type yeah. movie, so. Yeah, and Declan O'Brien is super horny all the time. I just, I, I don't know. I didn't respect it. I didn't respect because it went right, right there, right yeah. to the cutoff point. Yeah, every opportunity. Yeah, I don't know. In this country, ratings boards, uh, if you show a dick, you instantly, that's it, you're blacklisted. You're getting top rating, what, 18 plus fucking black mark on you. Uh, I think you can show a vagina and still get a 15. Wow. Like, you can definitely show tits and get a 12A. It, Any, anyone can see a film with tits in. A lot of directors, what they've taken to doing is if they want to get an R rating and still be able to be in theaters, is they will do over-the-top stuff that they know they can cut later and still get, like, get the ratings boards to be like, oh, no, you need to get rid of that. So that way they'll look over other things. Like, there's um, a Seth Rogen movie where they have, like, um, a whole Rosemary's Baby moment and the... Uh, the ratings board was so distracted by that they didn't notice the double penis shadow on the wall, so that gets left in. Oh yeah. Yeah. I forget sometimes that the writing boards are human and idiots. From from what I've heard, it's mostly old people too, so that doesn't help anything. Old uptight biddies, it's frustrating. Bumped into the problem during the 1999 Mummy film, which somehow managed to escape a 15 rating because it had no blood in it, despite the fact that you watch people burn alive, uh, get disintegrated by acid. The Mummy movie fucked me up as a kid. <laughs> yeah, it's it's brutal. I'd argue something like Coraline, the fucking Button Eye movie, oh, yeah, deserves a higher look... rating than this oh, shit. Oh, it's a cartoon, it's a kid's movie. Holy it's shit. terrifying. That... Yeah. A lot of times if it goes straight to DVD here, we just don't even get it's a like rating unrated. on that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's rated R. It has a rating? Hold on, did this go to theaters? <laughs> Quicker on Wikipedia. No, direct DVD. Huh. Oh. Yeah, there's no way that this went to theaters. It has a 60% on, on Rotten Tomatoes. That's inflated. How in the fuck? 84% of Google users liked this movie. Google, get better users. I've never seen a Google review that's negative ever. Fucking find me the Google reviews that are less than 50% or I'll give you a fucking million pound. Never seen one. <laughs> Fuck, where were we? 
right at the very beginning. <laughs> of course we were. <laughs> we were talking about boobs and then we sidetracked. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, beyond the penis thing, the only other thing that kind of annoyed me at first, but I think is actually quite clever. They actually tried to do it and they thought about this. Right, so they take a photo of the girl who's sitting up against the bed. The guy does because they've got a plan to basically send this off to a trucker and rob him for all his money. Uh, and I, the first thought that went through my head was he's going to, you'd see that obviously she's not taking that photo, he's taking that photo. Yeah. Yeah. He fucking immediately notices. I think Rusty Nell fucking knew that through this. I think he, he clocked onto that and it's why immediately once the door's opened he grabs someone. Well. And then says an awful pun. You look nothing like your picture. <laughs> also, how did they have a radio? That's never explained. They just have a radio in their hotel room. Well, I also thought it was weird that a radio works as a CB, you know. And they made it sound like they had only just been in the hotel room. She's like, we already paid for the room. The line that we've heard in previous Joyride movies. Um, but, like, it had already been trashed. There was so much Chinese food just scattered about Yeah, the they're methods. I just, oh my god. It it didn't seem like they'd been there that long. Also, like, from the line. Another nod to the first movie. Her name is Candy. And he's like, I knew a Candy Cane once. She said cute, like he came up with it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. But yeah, I, I think you said earlier, it's pretty much just an anti-drug PSA. Yeah. But... Ten minutes. It looked like um, a challenge from Fear Factor. Yeah. Like, and the way it was shot and everything too. Like, I was just waiting for Joe Rogan to pop up and be like, yeah. "If you hold on for thirty more seconds, you win fifty thousand dollars." Oh no! Fuck! I do remember that. I think Chappelle did a skit on it. <laughs> using um, his uh, using his crack addicts actually. Oh, shit, maybe they ripped just, off Chappelle. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Won yeah. every fucking challenge, yeah. I think there are worse people to rip off. There are better ways to rip off, granted. I was going to say, it's just kind of disrespectful to Chappelle. <laughs> so, obviously, Trav, you said last time that you know, Rusty put in kind of the uh, shadow. And it was a good, well-shot scene where you kind of show him without showing him. Yeah. He's in full fucking view this time. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. It's kind of... They kind of half-assed it here, too, because when he's, like, out there in front of the truck, you don't really fully see him, but then they, like, kind of don't really commit to that. You can, like, a second or so later, you, like, actually just get, like, a full profile of him, too. Like, it was just really weird. Like, either just do it or don't do it. I don't understand why you would, like, just be so wish-washy on the whole thing. I just, I was so distracted by his voice the whole time. It's just, it, it's so different and it's one of those things that i think if we had watched them when they were released which we were doing the math on this the first movie was released when we were in fourth grade and this movie was released after we had graduated from college yeah so you know maybe rusty's been through some shit since then (laughs) but you know watching the movies back to back this week like it's so noticeable, the yeah. change. And maybe if we say that the director's true, he just doesn't understand human interaction and uh, didn't understand why Rusty Nail was hidden in the other two films. <laughs> he, he tried to do it. 
but he didn't know why he was doing it. Yeah, I could I could actually see that being like legitimately the reason why it was like this. I was like, gee golly, why didn't they light Rusty better in these other two movies? We're gonna fix that. Yeah, missed opportunity. Yeah, it's in the middle of nowhere as well, so Stalker Angle kind of ruined anyway the hidden in plain sight thing. In a really boring location. Yeah, it's kind of. They didn't even really say where, did they? Like, they're on their way to Canada, and I don't know on exactly. On Death where. Highway? Yeah, just some, like, made up location. Yeah, it's just. Death Highway thing. with EMPs on it. Yeah, which is actually, like, something that happened, I guess, that he actually has EMPs set up around there. Yeah, Slaughter Rally, that yeah, is. Slaughter Rally. Rally. That, that is kind of a cool name, though. Yeah, I can actually see that being, like, a like that, road here. Yeah. yeah, that could be, like, you know, an urban legend type thing. Yeah. And I could see it being creepy, like, driving through it at night. But it's just the whole... It's clearly not where he's been, like, established in the previous movies, because this is, like, not the desert, which he's been, like, in more of these, like, desert-like areas. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's pretty much uh, put forward that he's killed a lot of people on this highway. My question is, is he just driving up and down this highway looking for people to kill? This all day, like every that. day. Has he not got better shit to do? He's, no. not go- he's abandoned his trucking job yeah. at this point, and he's just like full he's like, abandoned his full-time truck. serial he killer. He destroyed his beloved car. He's yeah. not bought new groceries since the old ones in his house expired. <laughs> <laughs> just given up. Well, or he's got like a courier job that just goes up and down the road. <laughs> I mean, find what you're good at and stick to it, you know? He doesn't rip any jaws off in this movie, though, which I have a little bit of a problem with. Did Declan O'Brien not watch the first two? I think maybe he didn't watch the first two. Like, he read read the Wikipedia entries on them. Yeah, I could see that. He's like, he just grabs somebody off the street. He's like, hey, describe the first two Joyride movies to me. (laughs) That's uh, it. That's what he wrote the script based off of. Truck driver was hidden. Monologues about rain. He kills people. He was like, alright, one of those three ideas sounds good. So he has about this truck driver, he's in plain sight. He's like... It's dry. Yeah, it doesn't no rip rain. off any jaws or anything. Uh, the... Yeah, two stoner addicts there, taken by Rusty. Uh, and... I'm on the fence of whether it's a good idea or just plain stupid. I think with the meth stuff at the end, it, it jumps the shark into fucking ridiculous territory. He uh, So he straps them onto the truck, right? And ties them to an axle or something? Yeah, he like chains yeah. them up to it. And then sticks meth on the window. Uh, yeah. And it's going to drive for a mile. And if they let go of their hands and stuff, uh, they'll fall under the truck and be killed. Which is apparently not into. true, because she she falls at one point. She catches herself. She catches herself, but he made it sound like if they let go even a little bit, they're going to get caught and fall under. Yeah. Hmm. I, I also want to point out that they've got one arm chained to each other. So basically one arm attached to a chain underneath the truck to drive shaft. And then chain comes back to the other arm. So they've got a free hand each. The free hand is the side that she can quick, very easily touch the the meth with but instead she reaches with the chain of the arm oh god I didn't even yeah. notice that yeah like they're holding hands on top of, obviously over the bonnet and he's just like yeah just hold on we'll be good 
don't even think about it. It's only a mile. We've, we've, we're like halfway there. We're fine. But they're holding hands with the hands that are closest to the mouth. I'm sorry. This I just have to talk about cultural differences for a second. I knew the boot trunk thing, but I didn't know hood bonnet. I did not know that that was... Hood bonnet. Yeah, he said they're holding hands over the bonnet. Oh. I, like... Sorry, I know. Like, oh. It's just I'd I'd oh, never no, heard fine. that. I knew the yeah. boot thing, I knew that, but okay, cool. Yeah. We're learning. We're learning new things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad this film had some impact on someone. <laughs> yeah, it's about as much as it's gonna do. I've become a more well-rounded person as a result of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that is a true statement in the most basic way. <laughs> Uh, so I think they they pretty much win, and he's sort of slowing down, but then she grabs for it. Yeah, ba- yeah. Basically, he starts slowing down. She reaches with the chained arm, and that somehow throws the guy off. I think he was just sick of her. The hood. Yeah, <laughs> he was just he like, God damn it, Candy. Boop. Yeah, threw him threw him off the hood underneath the like the wheels, and then obviously. Because they're both attached, she goes. This scene right here is like signature Declan O'Brien too, because like the way that the gore goes, like it looks cheap, but I guarantee you he did this in like a practical effects kind of way. Because he he does a lot of practical effects stuff in his movies, but they still always come out looking really cheap, and like there may have been some CGI when there wasn't. So he's not exactly like good at it, but he tries. He's he's somebody uh, cute. If it hadn't been for me watching 90 minutes of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a full 10 minutes of the runtime gone. Uh, yeah. Something that could have been cut. Should have been cut. I suppose in this case it sort of establishes Slaughter Alley-ish. I really feel like this movie is just meant to be here for gore. That's yeah. it. Like, there's no real story to it. There's no character development. There's no plot. It just... It, it's it's gore. It's gore that you shouldn't think about in any way, shape, or form. Because if you look at it directly, you're going to have so many questions about what... How did this come about? What does it mean? But you can do it in a good way. Like yeah, Chainsaw Massacre. You can do gore in a good way. That does gore in a good way. Every death. Every bit of damage done progresses the plot of Saw. Yep. Most Saw films actually have gore that does something. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is actually very minimal on the gore even. Like yeah. you don't even see a lot of the kills. It's just like a genuinely like just creepy atmospheric movie. That's a that's a you imagine more than what there actually is there. E- Evil Dead twenty thirteen. There you go. Oh yeah, all the, yeah, yeah. All that the one's fucking a good gore one. in that is done with a reason, all the deaths in that progress something, or at least have a tie-in to the main cast. And that's all you needed to do. You had to have like one little offline of oh, fucking Sarah and John. Are, wonder what they're doing. Yeah. The two or... little meth bridled fun bags. Yeah, or something them like meth addicts. Make them like you know they're ri- rival racers or something like that are also on their way to this. Re- I don't know. I mean, I've. I wouldn't mind them being meth addicts, because at least they're more interesting than the main fucking cast. That's true. Who are Actually, we tedious. Get, we get more of their relationship in ten minutes than we do of this rest of this cast. Yeah. 
in an hour and a half. Is the brunette dating someone? I think she's dating Mickey. Which one was Mickey? The one with the goatee. Yeah, she's dating him. Right, the, the blonde's definitely dating Jordan. Yeah. yeah. The brunette, Alyssa, I only know this because I wrote her name out. She's got a huge fucking belly button. Like, it's giant. When they come out in True. those little uniforms, I, like, that's all I can see. It was like, boom. Yeah, these are the important things. I'm surprised you didn't notice. You hate big belly buttons. Uh, you, you were on a uh, podcast with three guys, and there were two <laughs> half-naked women. <laughs> no, I'm I didn't notice the belly specifically button. Specifically about Trav, he points out belly buttons a lot. It's a thing with the giant belly buttons. I just didn't notice it this time. I That's guess. weird. That's weird. Are we talking yeah. just when belly buttons come into your periphery, or do you like grab shirts <laughs> and check? Yeah. No, just like the, like the giant ones. It's like that uh, meme of like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with like Leo DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio. Crap, you! Whoa, what was that? <laughs> like the one, like where he's just like pointing at the TV screen. Yeah, that's me with like the belly, belly buttons. I'm really surprised. Whatever gets you, uh, whatever gets you kicks, mate. <laughs> uh, so uh, belly button and blonde get dressed into. Kind of... <laughs> They're like race girl gear. Yeah, it's not really a thing for F1. Generally, yeah. you don't have that anymore. Uh, we get fucking the emaciated corpse of Enzo Ferrari. Yeah, I th- I th- it's is it, it's not NASCAR, is it? It's rally car racing and stuff. Yeah, I, it's definitely not like NASCAR. I don't know, I don't know what they I think it's like amateur stuff. I don't think it's anything like professional. I don't know. They put a lot of money and stuff into it. I don't... Well, amateur stuff is promoted too. Is it? Yeah. But it's amateur. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay. I don't know. People, I don't know anything. Yeah, you got bangers over here, which are uh, race cars that you can smash up. I kind of looked what he's got. Just amateur level stuff. It's got to be amateur because his car's slower than a fucking truck with a... <laughs> That's a great point, yeah. Which, yeah, you uh, you mentioned that whole thing earlier too, but that was something that bothered me this entire time. Actually, just from the beginning of the like the very first movie, how he's able to catch up with all these people in this giant truck. But this one especially should have been the easiest one for them to get away. They realize the guy's chasing them. They out. They all pile into it, the car. Yeah. And just. Well, out. they actually do escape him. But then a tire breaks. How convenient. Oh yeah. And then also like that one guy's trailer gets rammed off the road too. Yeah. Well, because they're. I didn't write enough notes about this. Uh. Yeah, I didn't write any notes about this, so I've I've googled the Wikipedia page, so I'm just reading. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm trying to think of where we're at with it. That's how if... forgettable this movie is. Did they? Right. I... No, so... they went to the diner before they ran him yeah. off the road because they had the whole large Marge thing, and then they've got to they want to test out the car and everything. Before we get to the diner, yeah. stopping first at pointless subplot number one with the cops of the town, which could be could be cut entirely. Uh, but the one guy, the main... I thought he was like a new cop, but maybe he's like the head cop. I don't know. He comes across as incredibly incompetent. Um, but he goes, body... 
parts. <laughs> I just love the way he says that. Like, he is uh, completely flabbergasted, even though this place is supposedly called Slaughter Alley. <laughs> He's just like, we got lots of body parts. parts. Rusty's killing people up and down it, and the cops are pretending that it's all accidental. Give us in the film Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yeah. I just imagine that in all of the meetings, <laughs> all the stuff as they go up to Admin, oh, what happened? Yeah, we found five people with knives stuck in them. Yeah, they must have slipped <laughs> halfway down the road. Drop down. Shotgun pellet. I shot himself. It's some kind of suicide pact amongst these youngsters. His um, his explanation for the body parts at that scene, though, is like, he's like, that one cop asked, how could this have happened? He's like, I don't know, coyotes, moles. Like, <laughs> moles. the fuck kind of mole? Was like, I, I did used to have nightmares about giant moles. So maybe he had the same nightmares. Yeah, maybe. I don't have any moles. You need like fucking 12 moles. Like a person down. Yeah, like a pack of moles. I guess it could be dangerous. No, these were like the giant moles, um, you know, in Super Mario, Monty Mole. The the yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I used to have nightmares about those like attacking me. So maybe, maybe. Yeah. Like, let's go for a cool mole. Go for like the naked mole rat. I I am genuinely reading this just to try and remember what the Wikipedia. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. At least I know people's names now. <laughs> it wasn't just douchebag one, douchebag two. I'm going main driver, mechanic, sub-arsehole driver, belly button and blonde. <laughs> I, I remembered Bobby's name, because Bobby just seemed like maybe he was one of their younger brothers and he was along for the ride. Yeah, that was a bit weird. Yeah, it's got Bobby... It, here it's got Bobby in brackets groupie. What? <laughs> 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 so... Uh. Oh man! You yeah. the Wikipedia has Bobby listed as a groupie. What? <laughs> wow, that's uh, that's unfortunate. So we can presume that Declan O'Brien wrote the Wikipedia as well. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine anybody else would be up for writing the whole synopsis for this movie on there. <laughs> Bobby was just uh, just such a little cutie. I just he hugged Marge when they were leaving the diner. No clue why. I I just I don't know. I had a soft spot for him. I felt bad when his head got popped. Marge was like needlessly aggressive too. Like that one girl, she's like, "Yeah, I'm sorry, I don't drink coffee." And then she just like stared her down and just like continued to pour coffee into her mug. To be fair. I would feel that way if somebody told me they don't drink coffee. Well, that's... Uh, it's too much. I am generally needlessly aggressive, though, so... Yeah, I don't know what that entire fucking town was drinking, because they're all assholes. There's one completely coffee. crazy man who goes on about conspiracy theories. Granted, he's right about some of them, but he is clearly mental. His name is Barry. Yeah. Yeah. Truck driver Barry! Super dramatic is what I noted, because... I don't know if it's just a bad directing here... Or just a bad actor, but man, he he was like selling that shit way too hard. I hate it when like the, uh, you know the, um, the harbinger or what have you is needlessly vague. You don't want to take that route. Yeah, why? You'll have a bad time. They were at least like asking yeah, questions, like, like okay, why? They're like yeah, Tell people why. die. Like 
how hard is it to say like people die on that route boom done you've saved them well you also blamed aliens he does kind of look like the history channel alien guy yeah he does (laughs) maybe that's what they actually did they got the history channel alien guy set him up (laughs) on about 10 fucking lines of coke and have him at it (laughs) that'd be more entertaining yeah this whole town completely insane this guy, yeah, he tries to ward him off the road and he's the least persuasive person imaginable. Obviously the police chief is delusional to the point of insanity. And the Large Marge ripoff, which I think you said is actually a Large Marge ripoff, yeah. a homage, yeah. is needlessly arseholeish. I think, um, you know, whenever that person that Declan O'Brien grabbed off of the street described the previous two Joyride movies, he mentioned something about sassy waitresses. So he's like, alright, what's a sassy waitress? (laughs) I know. She'll give the girl that doesn't drink coffee, coffee. Yeah. (laughs) I don't even think she says a word in this entire thing. No. She just does a lot of, like, crazy eyeball acting. Yeah, they probably didn't want to pay her. That's why. (laughs) And Bobby hugs her at the end. Yeah. Because she looks like Large Marge, which is a bit weird. And I feel like Bobby doesn't get a lot of love or respect from the main group, especially once they notice, like, later on when they notice he's missing, they're like, Ah, no time to look for him, let's just drive away! <laughs> he's just a groupie. <laughs> that is such an unfortunate word. Why did they go with that? I wonder if it was actually listed as that in the credits. Oh. I think he's meant to be a part of their crew. Like That's what I thought too, yeah. Oh, I also loved the obvious product placement um, right after the diner scene where they show the Subaru logo I on noticed the car. that too, yeah. Are Subarus supposed to be super fast and powerful? Is that a thing they're known for? Well, that's why that the truck is able to catch up with them. <laughs> Who the fuck would ask to have be product placement in this film? <laughs> They're like, can we can we make a movie about a car trip even more about cars? Can we maybe make make a Subaru a racing car and yeah. talk about yeah. that? You ever played The Sims <laughs> Free? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you can give money to charity and stuff, you can give money to an anti-charity. Do you reckon companies can give money to have their competitors' products in shit films? Oh, oh. that's actually a good idea. Or like, uh, that would explain this for sure. To be fair, I know that Subarus are mostly used for like rally cars, like dirt rally rally cars. I know that they're good for them. I don't know how good they are on like flat track roads, but worse than a like eight ton truck, apparently. Yeah, Yeah. they don't (laughs) necessarily give them a good image in this movie. Yeah. What worse than eight ton truck, but he manages to go a hundred miles uh, in about an hour. So inconsistent in it, or the truck is just fucking amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. Either the Subaru shit or the Peterbilt. Holy hell! Yeah. Like, but it's weird. It's like there's flashes where the car is capable of passing the truck, and. Like, he can keep going, but I think it's, like, the other car that's kind of holding them back a little bit there at the end of that whole scene. 
I don't know if anything like that car made me think that maybe the race car wasn't as good as it should be because the other car was able to almost keep up with them. That's true too, yeah. I don't know, the whole thing was just so like low stakes with them fucking with him. I just I mean, in the first movie they embarrass Rusty Nail. Make him go out of his way, buy the pink champagne, he's not even able to get his dick wet. The second movie, they break into his house, steal his car. This movie, they pass him on the highway. And put sparks on his <laughs> It's just... I just feel it's, it's hard to care. In a weird way, I think this is the most mean-spirited of all the groups. The second film, I can actually forgive you entirely. If you need to nick a car, you're in the middle of a desert, yeah, take it. If yeah. you're going to pay everything back. First film, okay, I don't find it particularly funny uh, how far they took it, but I could see someone finding that funny, and I can see the logic. Just, like, sparking someone's car and throwing grit at it, you're just a prick. So in a weird way, the like, least problematic one. The most harmless one. It, it is the most arseholish. Yeah. Yeah, because he was just purposely just trying to be an asshole to him. For no reason. But oh, I guess you could say the same for the first one. Yeah. But this one is just stupid. I just... Everything they say in this movie... You know that thing that's been popular online lately of like... We had an AI read so many... Hallmark Christmas movie scripts and write its own Christmas movie scripts. Yeah. It feels like an AI wrote this script and it was like, this is human interaction. An AI would write a better script than this for sure. Probably more like a thousand monkeys than I type right for about yeah. five minutes. <laughs> That's what half of these notes are is like, this is not how human beings speak to one another. They're all driving like assholes, they're all being weird. They go and they stop at a gas station and the gas station attendant is like, should have let me fill you up. And she's like, keep the change. And I'm like, what is this interaction? What is any of this supposed to mean? It's like this whole town drinking the water from the fucking crazies. They're just <laughs> all pricks. Unimaginable douchebags. So, yeah, with the, the back and forth racing, uh, the truck catches up to both the cars. And they let the truck pass, and the truck honks its horn, pulls the little thing to do all that. And then suddenly the girl responds with, what an arsehole, why is he honking his horn at us? She fucking... Because you were driving like a dick. And then you're taking up two fucking lanes in the road. You're being yeah. douchebags. Uh, then the truck starts, as it, trying to cut them off the road. But barely. He's, he's off by about a mile. I mean, it, he did hit them, but he hit the empty trailer. Like, no real damage was caused. Which, yeah, still scary, still dangerous, but at the end of the day, nobody and nothing was hurt. Yeah, it was just like a couple of gas tanks on there that was gloss. Yeah. Uh, there's a... I hesitate to call it a car chase. 
a um, an overtaking attempt, and it, it it plays it up far more intensely than it actually looks. Yeah, it looks really boring. It yes. it really is like those F one laps, and, and you're just sitting there waiting for the crash to happen. Eventually, they get past him. He jack nice, and I don't give a fuck. Yeah, like and. The blonde girl, Jewel, is just, like, freaking out the whole time. Like, we need to call the cops. And I don't exactly know what she wants to call the cops for. Like, it was reckless driving, but it was reckless driving on both your parts. And nobody actually got hurt. Yeah, you just drive, like, yeah. The guy, (sighs) the guy was definitely also being an asshole, so. Yeah. It's definitely a situation of everybody here sucks, but at the end of the day, it's harmless. And what are you going to tell the cops and what are they going to do? Like, well, don't do that again. That's all they're going to (laughs) say. Just Like, cool, do you want to point on your license? Yeah. Because we're not going to go find this guy so we can, you know, write him a citation. You know, it's just... That's what I'm saying. There's no stakes here other than him being annoyed because they were assholes. And it feels really more like one of those things that, like, if I was driving and somebody was doing shit like that to me, I'd be fucking pissed off. But I'd just pull to the side of the road for a minute, let them get away, and then I'd vent to the next person I saw about it. Yeah. And then I'd move on with my fucking life. If they did find the cops, oh, it's this fucking road, so it should be blamed on coyotes or raccoons yeah. or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't go anywhere anyway. <laughs> I did a mole run across the road. Oh, yes. <laughs> and they cause a lot of jackknives out here. So, yeah, they go to the arsehole gas station, which also could be cut from the film. Uh, and they continue driving for a while, complaining about the truck, until eventually uh, one of the cars, the non-rally car, has a burst tyre. It's currently got Mickey and Jewel in it. Is it Mickey or is it the other guy? No, yeah, he's got it right. Okay. Yeah, it's got Austin and... Austin. Oh, is that his name? Austin? Oh, Austin. Yeah, not Mickey. Yeah. Yeah, Austin is the other, like, long-haired brunette guy without the goatee. Okay. These characters are also fucking boring. No, he's the one with the goatee. Uh, Austin's the driver of the pickup. Yeah. With... Oh, yeah. Bobby. Fuck me. With Bobby in the... In the... Shotgun. Blonde and dickhead um, Gritter. And then there's Jordan and Mickey. Mikey? Mickey. Uh, yeah, Mickey Jordan and Mikey. Jordan's the main one. Mikey's oh. the mechanic. Yeah. yeah, and at one point Austin is also driving the race car and we get the impression that he's not as good. Like, there's a rivalry between him and Jordan a little bit. Yeah. But, I, like, nothing that ever actually matters Never mind. I don't know what his job was. Even to this, I've watched it twice. They have like still a have weird... no fucking idea what he did. Yeah, they have like a weird back and forth at the beginning of the movie where it seems like they they've grown up together or something. Like he was like, "Yeah, I'm your wing ba- wingman, but a uh, wingman doesn't mean I'm gonna help you get laid or something." I don't. They had a whole weird oh, fucking yeah, thing. Yeah, right. like it just before Jordan goes, "Yeah, women be shopping." Because I, yeah. I wrote that down. I just, I don't... Women do be shopping. Yeah. yeah. Oh, before I forget about it, uh, Rusty now has uh, access to police databases now. 
Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You were particularly annoyed by this last yeah. night. I just don't understand like how he has access to all of this. I mean, I guess yeah. it explains how he's able to track these people down a little bit better, but I still don't like it. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. We don't need that. Yeah, I'm happy to just go on that he's a fucking superhuman that can track them, or he has something. I can wave it away. It's yeah. a joyride, for God's sake. You don't need to explain everything. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but he's chasing these other... Like, what is it? Jewel decides that they're going to drive to the other town and... Call the cops. Call the cops yeah. or talk to the cops. Well, they're still tra- uh, trailing each other, aren't they? Like, they're still following the See, other people. See, that's what's confusing, because she acts like they're supposed to go ahead and drive on ahead to wherever the race is, but they're going to go to the cops. I don't, the whole thing gets so confusing. And then at one point, she's driving over traffic cones and... <laughs> yeah, and wrecks the car. Wrecks the car. During that whole wreck thing, I thought it was really weird because she doesn't... Do these people not realize, like, that you can just brake and, like, let the truck just continue? Like, you don't have to, like, run off the side of the road because he's right to your left. I, just enjoyed... I think Declan O'Brien doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he does either. He doesn't do driving. I was just thinking of our defensive driving class, how we had to practice, like, in the rain and we almost, like, we hit traffic cones at certain points yeah that's what i was thinking of with her driving over them like and she's like ah! <laughs> the whole thing is just picked up by rusty in rusty's emp zone it, it don't think it's ever said but it's presumed that he has an actual emp somewhere yeah because the electronic dead zone and uh, which how how powerful is i just mm. It lasts a couple of months because they drive yeah. out of it, and he kills them. Oh, one of them kills yeah. um. He kills Austin, Austin who he forces his hand towards this fan, and Austin keeps his fingers straight out instead of you know doing anything he can to avoid getting his fingers chopped off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's got there's they're just straight out. Like no, don't chop my fingers off. At least the practical effects were there, though. They like, were. It was it was a decent looking kill. It was. It was just unrealistic that he wouldn't, you know, do anything he could to avoid it. Yeah. For at least a little bit longer. Certainly, the head squelch was very good. The remains of that uh, it did look like a severed head. Yeah. Yeah. Half the face cut off. The truck driver goes into weird religious mantras during this as well that never come up again. Yeah, that... I don't know if it was an attempt at a quirk that they just dropped. Although it was another it funny... Out left fucking field. Funny instance of a character weirdly trying to um, placate Rusty, where you know he's like, are you a religious man also? And he's like, no, but I can be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Austin's body drops the ground. Yeah, so it does look good, like fucking ten rounds for Tyson, his face is a pulp mess. Girl is kidnapped and Rusty getting on with the car he's got his little CB radio. I don't... CB radios, they have got a range on them, haven't they? they got a decent amount of range. Um, I I think it's... I think in the first or second movie they established it's like 50 miles or something like that. 
It's okay. So they have very inconsistent ranges listed in these movies. Because in the first movie, where Lewis and Fuller are like, what is the range on this? And Fuller's like, I don't know, maybe five miles. And that's when they start freaking out, thinking that Rusty's closer to them. That's right, yeah. In this movie, because they've got their radio between the um, main truck and then the race car, they say that their radio has a range of, like, it's either 20 or 50 miles. Oh, okay. So it's wildly inconsistent, and I think it varies from radio to radio, depending on how strong, like, your antenna and the signal is and everything. Uh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, I googled it. <laughs> what is it? Most CBs have a range of about 3 miles to 20. Oh, so oh, wow. this is even more unrealistic than it already was. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, well, I mean, in the realms of realism, Rusty kidnaps the girl, sets up a meeting at a local factory, warehouse thing, with a load of trucks in it. Is that like his warehouse? His new home? Yeah. Maybe. It's got a bunch of extra trucks in it, which he needs. Yeah. He has all these places to himself, seemingly, with no security. He has all the keys. Uh, The meeting place, 100 miles away, and they have 60 minutes, which, in a rally car, it's 98 miles per hour straight, and you're on a very straight road. I think you could do that. I know, they act like it's such an issue, and I'm like, you're literally in a race car. They make it like, there early, too. Yeah. He like mentions, like, oh, three minutes to spare. And I got another I got another effects issue here, or really more a styling issue, but when he sends that picture of Jewel to prove that she's alive, supposedly prove, he always sends pictures instead of, like, any kind of live feed. Um, that was a video he sent. Yeah, but it's not a live feed. But, like, her hair is not messy at all, and... Her makeup is barely streaked, and she's got a head wound that hasn't bled that much, but it's bled down her face and onto her jeans, but her white t-shirt has no blood on it. How hard would it have been to just take a fucking photo of her then and there? I just... It was... I get very distracted by, like, styling issues like that, and it... This is not... This is very much an instance of, like... We need to remind the audience that not only is she a vulnerable woman hostage, but she's also hot. Hmm. So we can't have her looking too messy. I see. And it just, it bugged me. Yeah, now like handy to the end. You can never have an ugly looking female monster, you can never have an ugly looking female victim. And it just, it, it was also frustrating because the first two movies... I mean, not cinematic masterpieces by any means, but at least, like, the female characters weren't just there to scream and die. And in this movie, they served no purpose other than being hot and one of them dying. Literally put in rally car, groupie outfits. Yeah. Yeah. Wrong choice of words, not groupie. Poor Bobby. I mean, that's probably more accurate than Bobby's Bobby's designation. If they did that, I mean, I'd give them props for uh, at least equaling the field, eh? (laughs) What, put Bobby in one of those outfits? Yeah, get him some, like, shiny booty shorts. Missed opportunity. Yeah. Uh, Alright, I'm just going to skip over the cops call. (laughs) Car crash. (laughs) Pointless. The cops come in with another scene. Literally, Something happens. Every no cop scene could have been cut, but they might not have been feature length 
if they'd done that. Yeah, uh, yeah, they may have been there for padding. There is uh, there is one speech I want to mention where uh, the main police chief dies at some point, and his subordinate uh, comes in and he says, "There is a murder. We will find the person. We will deal with them. Go." It's the most robotic. It's just like staccato, segmented as hell. No rhythm to it. It's not human speech. It's right. It's like the uncanny valley of audio. It's yeah. terrible. Oh my god. Okay, I'm glad I I wrote uncanny valley too. I didn't know if that was a thing that could apply to dialogue, but it definitely it. Maybe Declan O'Brien is an alien, like maybe. Yeah, and he's just down on Earth, and he was like supposed to, you know, collect information on the human race, but instead he was like, you know what? I like pornography and I like horror movies. <laughs> Go ahead and yeah, and so he decided to to just hang out and do that. The police officer, by the way, was killed through another like spectacular. Um, truck driving through police car explosion scene. So we got our our scene of that in this movie here too. Wait, you third bullet point yet, Steph? <laughs> oh yeah, we passed all of my bullet points by now. <laughs> I just stopped taking bullet points. That's fair. I think I genuinely had an out-of-body experience while watching this film. I think my brain just went off somewhere else and was just like, no, you're staying there and that's it. That makes me feel a little bit better that the fact that my uh, the quality of my notes declined greatly during this movie. And I was mostly banking on having watched it last night to carry me through talking about it today. And it hasn't helped, has it? <laughs> I got about like four more bullet points for the rest of this movie. Um... I'll bring up the rear. I, I can literally just read the Wikipedia and be stupid. <laughs> we could be done with this. <laughs> We're professional. Uh, we, so oh, we keep up the illusion of professionalism. They turn up at a factory. Uh, clearly a trap. Jordan can't walk like a normal person. Like, he doesn't swing his arms when he walks. Oh, I've got a friend that does that. That's that's fine. <laughs> He walks like a penguin in a real care. That's the most believable thing in this film. <laughs> Jordan be... waddles along through the factories as he gets up. This is the most we've seen him walk throughout the movie, though. Yeah. For the most part, we've mostly seen him objectify his girlfriend. and. Yeah, that's why he's not like a marathon runner. He's a driver. Yeah. Like, he, doesn't, he doesn't like that walking. He's like, I don't have to move my arms that much when I drive. Yeah. I move them a little bit this way, a little bit this way. <laughs> This is uh, a romance icon, apparently, at Christmas time. The actor here. Makes me want to watch his Christmas movies and see if he walks the same way or if he was trying to do a tough guy thing. Yeah, hard to find them. If that was Declan O'Brien's direction. I'm going to be honest, we also love trash Christmas movies, so maybe we're just trash people. There's actually a good possibility that we may, may have seen one of his movies. Yeah, we might just have terrible taste. Yeah. The only one I've seen is the Christmas shoes with Robert Lowe. That was terrible. Uh, oh, they split up in the factory, which is always genius. They leave Belly Button in the car 
to keep an eye on everything. Uh, and she leaves the car, and I, like, the music ramps up when the camera's on her, and I feel like it's the the music is just echoing out through her cavernous belly button. Oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she gets out. She's not kidnapped or anything. And I think they were trying to be smart, but they aren't. Bobby's taken instead. And as the trucker, like a fucking ninja, just goes stealthing through the uh, area, kidnaps Bobby, takes him out, and then gets in a truck and starts to drive at Jordan. Yeah, while Jordan was like staring straight on to the truck, so he should have been able to notice... Um, Rusty now just like maneuvering himself back in in and out of that truck. Yeah, it, the whole setup is just not. I did like the scene though, like um, when he starts driving and chasing Jordan with his truck. Um, Jordan has like a nice little like dive out of the way. Um, I don't know something about that caught my attention, and, and I felt compelled to make a note because in the previous two films, any time a human being was being chased by the truck, they ran straight. No, I just they did not get out of the way of the truck. <laughs> I just thought his dive looked funny. It looked like they like put wires on him and just like carried him just a little bit. Like... They might have. He doesn't know how to move his arms. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a nice dive. I wanted to give him props. The aerodynamics of not moving his arms. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> So, Bobby's been kidnapped. Uh, they get in their car drive, and he, Rusty, drives away. They get in their car, and they said, where's Bobby? And they said, no time, and just <laughs> drive away without him. They don't even wonder if he's been taken. They don't care. They don't care if he's being left behind. They don't care about Bobby. Bobby should have been a groupie for a better crew. He should go out on his own. Yeah. Bob, Bobby's got the Christmas manager. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I've just got bullet points now that cops are still shit. I can't remember the scene. He, okay. Right, yeah. So- this is a point where they basically, as they're driving away, they come across the police cruiser, they pull over, and they find the, the chief police. This is the guy that did the body... Parts. The one that actually um, thinks that there's a killer out there. Yeah, he had pulled over another truck that had blood leaking out of its trailer. Yeah. And he was super aggressive with the guy. Uh, like yeah, He was ready to shoot. Yeah, he was ready. Put your goddamn hit. Lock your goddamn finger. He was, like, super aggressive Well, with blood it. was pouring out of the blood back of his was, truck. but I also feel like the truck said something about meat on the side. I don't think me gets I think that. It did, um, but like, and the guy's like, "No, the refrigeration unit's busted or whatever." And then, to be fair, there was a body yeah. in there, and that's not. I mean, yeah, like, so he thinks he's, you know, he's found a killer, which is fair. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not, but he's like talking into his radio, and he's like, "Get me the dead guy." I don't remember the guy's name. He doesn't know he's dead, but you know, he's like, "Get me the dead guy on the radio." Yeah. Um. We have the suspect in custody. We have him. We have the suspect. And it's just like, you don't have the suspect. You have, at, you have you know, a suspect of something. I would think that that would be the suspect, too, if I were him. I don't... You wouldn't think that the guy with the body parts in the back of his truck would be, like, the killer? I think that more than one person commits a crime at a time in this country. 
I think that that's a pretty realistic uh, scenario right mm-hmm. there, thinking that that guy is the killer. Uh, the guy seemed unfamiliar with the concept of body parts at the beginning of the movie. He doesn't exactly strike me as super competent. You don't have to be super competent to see a like a disem like a disembodied body part. I don't know and think, wow, the guy that's in this truck might actually be a just, killer. I would just say like, hey, we're dealing with some shit right here. We have a possible suspect for the other killings. We have a definite suspect for this killing. You know what I mean? Like, no. I think you're putting too much faith in the local police force. I probably am. Did they let him go? After all, you don't see the truck driver again. And they don't drive back to the station. So he pulls up with the um, he pulls up on the crash of the other officer, but the guy is no longer in the back of the police car. So he just disappears. So, so they let the guy with the corpse in his truck leave. I just don't think they filmed any more scenes with that guy. Because that guy's acting was terrible. The My- guy that they had as the other trucker. So they're like, okay, just shoot this one scene and then nobody's... This is Joyride 3. Nobody's going to be asking questions. His acting wasn't terrible. He was just super obviously Canadian. And they weren't supposed to be in Canada yet. He was a terrible Canadian actor. <laughs> That's what he was. But yeah, he's no longer seen. Yeah, my notes skipped a big ways. From uh, this to... To, um, this to Bobby, to Bobby dying, to Mickey waving down a semi for some reason. Bobby's yeah. death is pretty brutal. Yeah, that's a that's an intense scene, and it feels like, <laughs> like you said earlier, it just feels mean. Like, why are they killing Bobby, of all people? He wasn't the asshole in any of this. Yeah, the life's kind of squeezed out of the poor prick. Yeah, has he... changed, has wrapped around him, crush him in. Yeah, it, that was that was rough to watch and listen to. Yeah, it was like chains with like large like uh, like large railway nails yeah. going through. Yeah, them. and obviously it's like tightening up from the back, and obviously it's piercing his skull. Yeah, yeah, it, it very much does sound like Hellraiser esque in torture. It is brutal. Uh, and it, it does look good. Blood looks good. Bobby dies screaming. They send over the voicemail to uh, the rest of the race team. Uh, and then there's a bit of a dilemma. Rusty says he's going to take Blonde to the junkyard. Or says you'll be reunited with her at the junkyard. He tries to keep it ambiguous again. Because he's going to kill her at some point on his way to the junkyard. The two cars... Oh, it's just the race car at this point. The race car, currently occupied by Jordan, Bellybutton and uh, Mickey. Uh, Mikey. Mikey decides for some reason that walking down parallel to the road by himself is the best course of action. And is tracked down by Rusty. To be fair, I don't think Rusty would have been able to track him down that easily. He's this one man on a giant highway. And Rusty seems to sneak up on him as if he knew he was there. Yeah, but it's his highway. I bet he started... That doesn't make any difference, I'm just saying. I bet he started the rumor that it's called Slaughter Alley. Like, he came up with that and he wanted everybody else to call it Slaughter Alley because he thought it sounded cool. Yeah, he was the unpopular kid in school. (laughs) That sort of shit. I bet he was homeschooled. 
I don't think he's ever had, like, a ton of human interaction. I'm not saying homeschool kids are serial killers. I'm just saying this is a person that is not comfortable with human interaction. Joyride 3 is a movie that's making us reflect on Rusty now. Like, <laughs> what drives him? There's nothing else to reflect on in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Mickey pretty much immediately killed. Well, okay. Uh, crushed like a pancake. His head. The dumb thing... Down. The dumb thing about this was he gets out of the car. He refuses to go to this whole meetup thing. You know, um, essentially breaks up with Alyssa with the giant belly button. And as he's walking, saying he's going to go try and find the police, he sees a semi driving, knowing they're being chased by a trucker, and waves down the trucker for a ride. What kind of logic is that? How does that make any sense? What kind of survival skills does he have? I'm honestly not upset he died because at that point it kind of seems like you're asking for it a little bit. Yeah. Not to victim blame, but are you thinking at all? Yeah, how the fuck does the truck then get to the junkyard? Yeah, this is when I made a note about how this guy is just magic at this point because he's... At the junkyard on time. So he's able to make this little detour to kill this guy. But also beat the race car down there to the location. So it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, he just has superpowers. Yeah. At this point, he literally does. Oh, there's like a 20-minute cut scene of Jordan just pumping himself up in the car listening to some tunes. <laughs> <laughs> He's got Eye of the Tiger going. Yeah. They couldn't afford Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> They've got the Deadly Games knockoff yeah. version of Eye of the Tiger. The uh, kitty pop version of Eye of the Tiger. That's all they could manage. <laughs> uh, so, more awful police scenes. And that's pretty much the end of them until the end of the film in which they're back to more or less... They just use a plot point to show that Rusty isn't dead and he escaped another ridiculous situation yeah. somehow. Yeah. Even though we watched him get squished. Crushed, yeah, straight up. Uh, at the actual junkyard, Jordan gets out, leaving uh, Belly Button in the car. He gets the everlasting shit kicked out of him by Rusty. Absolutely <laughs> beaten to a pulp. I was a little bit disappointed that it was like the whole climax of this movie is just a fist fight, you know? The climax of the movie is a crane. I, I guess. I guess because Jordan is technically the person we're supposed to root for. I don't know who I root for in this movie. It's less like Return of the Jedi, Luke versus Darth Vader and more Alec Guinness versus Darth Vader in A New Hope. Just like two old men trying to do what used to come naturally. It's so stilted and just awful. And yeah, it, it, again, it's just a little mean spirited because you're just watching Jordan get the shit kicked out of him. Oh, and then, then he hears screaming coming from that car in the crusher, right? And yeah. he thinks that yeah. it's his girlfriend and it's a camcorder in the trunk. And what kind of fucking camcorder is that loud? Yeah. Like, there's no way it would have the same volume as an actual human person screaming without some sort of external speaker hooked up to it, which we do not see in there at all. 
And also, who recorded the video on the camcorder? Because it's from an angle that Rusty wouldn't have had. That is a good point. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> also, uh, timed fucking perfectly. Because she screams, 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 and then Jordan finds the camcorder just as she dies. Yeah. Well, we've already covered that Rusty is, like, really good at timing and engineering and whatnot. He's the master of the dramatic pause. (laughs) You know, actually thinking about all of this, so he's been doing all of this while chasing them down, while also kidnapping and killing the other guy. Yeah, when did he have time to cut her in half? Yeah. A little bit suspect. Fuck knows. I think he's they... been teleporting here and everywhere around this highway. I believe it. He could be the alien that the Barry dude was talking about at the beginning of the movie. Jeepers creepers. Yeah. <laughs> he has a truck. I just and then like the whole death scene for her. It just went on for way too like because it it's recycled first of all from the second movie. Just instead of, you know, the horizontal where the sex worker gets, like, cut in half, basically, hanging out the window. Um, it's basically a recycled kill, but it's also, it spends so much time on her screaming in a completely, like, it's just bad acting to me. It's just not good. It, she's, oh, no, please, God, ah, And it's like a solid two or three minutes of her just screaming badly before she gets killed, and it feels unnecessary. The top half of her is removed. Uh, She slams against the bridge, and if I recall correctly, Rusty goes with, you're halfway to the hospital now, which is rubbish. (laughs) You know what, though? Props to him for trying. Yeah. He's come a long way from brunt of the joke instead of butt of the joke. That's character growth. Yeah. I'm not going to go on for 15 of them, but just a few suggestions for Rusty in future and uh, willing to take these free of charge. Uh, Didn't have a head for heights. It proved to be a bridge too far. Burning the bridges he had with Jordan. Uh, She's chucking along any of those. Perfectly fine. Just trucking along. I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's all water under the bridge now. Ooh, that's a good one. Just came up with that. Uh, yeah, watching his girlfriend get severed in half. A fucking reverse magician's trick. Uh, he suddenly finds the adrenaline in him to completely shrug off any beating he took and does a little roar. <laughs> He gets like straight growl. up hit by a car. Oh, wait, which one? Wait, who are you talking about? Are you talking about Jordan or Rusty? I'm talking about Jordan, yeah. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, never mind. Rusty's Jordan. fucking fine. Rusty's made of steel. At some, at some point, Belly Button comes in and. She hits Rusty with a car. Yeah, and then they're in the car and he's in the semi and he hits them and her legs. Once pinch. again, though, no double tap whenever she. Yeah. Comes in there with the car and hits him. He's definitely down on the ground. You can go over yeah. there and just like stomp the shit out of him, but or just you know reverse or just run over him again. Yeah, yeah. there's so back many and options. Forth a few times. But yeah, they they opt not to do that for whatever reason. And yeah, then there's the most ridiculous duel between a crane and a truck, which Jordan suddenly knows how to drive. 
the uh, crane operate, should say, the crane. It would have been funny if, like, he just hit the wrong button and the crane just, like, backed up or something, (laughs) like, taking him farther and farther away from it. They needed it in this movie bad, though, so that I fucking give them a crane. They wrote themselves into a corner. Well, Declan O'Brien wrote himself into a corner. I don't know. I think he's going to feel this is some sort of poetic justice, that he crushed my girlfriend, now I can crush him. As the uh, truck lifted in the air, placed in the crusher, uh, with Rusty now still in it, who off-screen escapes and leaves, clearly off-screen because it's ridiculous and he'd have been crushed into a million pieces because he was stuck, but we need to set up possible sequels. God help us all. God, I can't I'm wait for Joyride 4. An update. No, we're coming back. If Joyride 4 ever is released, we're doing like a special Joyride 4 episode or something, and you guys are going to be on that. I mean, it has been seven <laughs> years. <laughs> we're due for a Joyride yeah. sequel. Because clearly, I mean, we'll be in for that shit no matter what. But I can tell you guys, uh, Joyride... This whole series has kind of uh, drained you guys. <laughs> there is a fan-made Joyride 4. Oh, God. It's called Fury Kill. That's a that's potential to be better, though. Yeah, alright, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> well, he, unofficially at least, and if anyone does watch Joyrides, uh, I'd fully recommend you do this instead. Watch the first one. first one's great. It's like a solid 7 out of 10. It Ooh. accomplishes what it tries to do very well. I don't like to rate films based on some against each other, in a way. I, I, I consider The Lighthouse a 10 out of 10. And if you achieve your intentions, then good on you. You've done good. And the first film, it tries to be a cat and mouse thriller. It did it very well. This film, not so good. I've got a small-ish fact. Go for it. This one. In this one, they spell one of their characters, one of their main characters' name wrongs in the end credits. <laughs> Which one? Uh, Austin. Oh. They put uh, uh, his name, his full name in the film is Austin Morris, but in the end credits, they put Austin Moore. <laughs> how? How can that even happen? To be fair. I don't think the people that were doing the were writing the credits were like we care enough to pay attention to this film. I guess that's fair. To bother learning his name. I guess that's fair. If you if your whole job is just credits, you don't even have to watch the movie to do that. You just have to read the script and know who's playing which character. Yeah. You know, if I had to do the credits for this, would I watch this movie? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Not close enough to notice whether the last name is wrong. I didn't even know that he had a last name. If if I was doing the credits to some films, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to spell this one wrong. (laughs) Who cares? Consistently incompetent, at least. You can't discredit them for that. I want some guy on the internet to be able to complain about something somewhere, you know? (laughs) If you are going to watch these films... Watch the first one, then just watch Unhinged with Russell Crowe from 2019. Yeah. And then leave it there. Same premise-ish. Far more stupid. Uh, and is way better I think the than second any of these one, sequels. The second one is worth watching um, 
not if you enjoy characters at all, but if you want to see completely overblown plot that doesn't ultimately lead anywhere and maybe a little extra gore and characters that you're not sad to see die, I think it's one of those movies that it's good for. It's not the worst movie. It's not it's the worst not, movie. It's not a good movie. Yeah, it's not like if you're like, I've got a I've got an hour and a half to waste on a mediocre movie. You could pick worse than Joyride 2. Yeah. Depending on what you liked out the first one. I mean, if you like Rusty Nail's character, watch Wolf Creek. Oh, oh gosh, yeah. yes. Wolf Creek is ten times psychopath. better than this. Yeah. Wolf Creek is just... Have you seen the TV series of that? Like, it's even... I haven't. Like, no. It's good. Oh, yeah, no, the series is so cat and mouse. It's it's sadistic and it's fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always great. The fucking main actor from that's the joy to watch in anything. So, uh, ranking-wise... I think we're all agreed. First, second, third. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 There's literally no debate there. Yeah. It's the third, second, third one aren't. No, no, they are fucking miles apart. (laughs) The third one's just abysmal. No one should ever watch it. No one should ever lay eyes on it. Watch Wrong Turn. I literally didn't even know we had watched the third one. It was a couple months ago. I was like, you know, we've had this three-pack, and we haven't ever watched the third one. And Trav was like, yeah, we have. And I was like, no, we haven't. And then we put it in, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, it all came flashing back to me. It's forgettable. I only recommend you watch it if you like watching shitty movies, which we do. But yeah, yeah, if you want to watch... Yeah, if you don't like watching shitty movies, for sure don't watch Joyride 3. Yeah. Or kind of flooding back to you, like you're suppressing some PTSD nightmare. Yeah, pretty much. I was convinced we had not watched it at all, and Travis was like, "Yeah, with with the race car drivers." And I was like, "I don't, I literally don't know what you're talking about." The thing that jogged my memory the most though was the opening scene with like the meth heads. Yeah, the fear factor. Yeah, that's, it's actually not a terrible scene if it was in the right film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, those are the joy rides. Watch the first one, second one maybe, third one, fuck no. Yes. So, start off, thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. I. So I think we can find you, find yourself on Spotify, Google, Amazon, all the standard stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's your least favourite scary movie? It's a great show. And, uh, fuck it, tell them, tell them we sent you. Yeah, we, uh... We've had a good time here, and yeah. uh, I'd like to talk more movies with y'all sometime. Yeah, for sure. Been a good time. Definitely. So, cheers for listening, and see you next time.